Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Ben Am. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And it's Match of the Year time. Uh, we're going to be talking our 2020 Match of the Year lists. We're going to be talking the Grapple 100. We're going to be talking all the um, the good stuff from 2020. There was good stuff, honestly. Uh, and to help us do it, there was no man we could there uh, we could get on other than the great Alan Farrell. Alan, how's it going, mate? It's going good, Ben. I'm delighted to be on, delighted to get the invite onto such a prestigious show for the year and uh, to talk to you fine gentlemen. Uh, yeah, the, the big grapple match of the year list. I, I remember specifically listening to your guys' show last year and I'll be honest, it feels like about 10 years ago. Mm. It feels like a different world. I was walking, and I actually said this the other day, uh, it, it, it's always the sign of a good podcast when you can remember where you were when you listened to it I, I feel so for jp if he can differentiate between his various walks uh to tell apart the podcast he was listening to you know they were good ones but i remember this one specifically uh walking from my office uh to a restaurant nearby to get myself a burger at lunch and sitting in eating my burger listening to you guys talk about all the matches of the year and having a great old time doing it uh not realizing that i'd be joining you uh, a year from now and that it would feel like a decade from now because of everything that would happen following that <laughs> oh, we'll take it mate high praise uh, yeah and i'm like that with yes. podcasts like if i ever i don't listen back to podcasts often but if i say you lose your spot or i'll put it on i'll even remember like bits in the drive or home where like i was like okay that was the bit where i was in i was on that corner okay that was the bit when i was closer to home so i know i'm i'm close <laughs> to it to where i need to like tune back in again it's so weird like how your brain works like that um, but yeah, it's great to have you on. Great to great to invite you. You were actually uh, tentatively supposed to be getting an invite to come on our uh, our Christmas party show, but one of us, and I'm not saying who, was a bit drunk and uh, forgot to send you a message. But I don't know who that could be. <laughs> uh, I I can't remember. I can't remember if I sent anything into the chat that night, but me and Sarah were definitely uh, were definitely live tuning in oh. and. Uh, we started live tuning in, giving it our full focus. But by like hour number six, I'll be honest, we were like doing other things as we were. It was like, oh yeah, let's clean the kitchen. Let's, uh, you know, gonna gonna go upstairs and read for a while. Come back down. Oh, JP's still going. <laughs> it's, it's that poor oh, shell shock Sarah Flan got dragged on. Oh, oh that was the oh. best. That was so much fun. I I ended up just going. I'm Sarah. I'm sorry. And she she had a good laugh she said and then she said I, I said i was a sorry boy the next day and the beer fear was at a level that was terrifying when you realize you're live on youtube <laughs> yes like oh shit i haven't seen i haven't seen sarah laugh as much uh at just like some of the stuff you were saying about waterford and everything jp she was dying <laughs> absolutely dying and and she she did she did say as i came back up the stairs just a few minutes ago she said tell john paul i said hi john paul as well (laughs) you were in full irish mode jp it was uh it was a sight to behold sorry (laughs) well you know ever since my brother's given me that uh access to his irish sky i've been all over rt and network two alan that's the proper name um yeah, watching me some Ireland's fittest family this week. I'm fully <laughs> engrossed in that program. Okay, what what is Ireland's fittest family? Oh, <laughs> Ireland's fittest 
simple term, like hour long, there's there's four coaches. Like I could go through the names. Do you want to know if I said to you who Davy Fitzgerald is, it's not gonna mean anything to you. Or and they're out in Wicklow. Last time it was Walker. <laughs> That's a little bit annoying. And then the first challenge is there's four of them in the team, like a family, obviously, hence the name. And they get one of them stood on top of a log, basically. Like, and they have to stand there for two, like, for two minutes, balancing on this log that's like kind of ten foot up in the air, while the rest of the family have to carry these sacks around an assault course. It's a lot fucking harder than I'm making it sound. Like, they look knackered, and these are proper farming folk as well. They're like hardy fuckers, and basically they run around do that, and then after two minutes, you've got to stand on one leg. There was a girl who did it, like the whole family did it in like eight minutes. It was awesome. It's basically the Krypton factor, just with Irish families involved. And I'm all in on that, as I was all in on the Krypton factor. So, so you so you watch a program that involves somebody standing on a log for two minutes and their family just carrying some sacks around while they stand on a log. It sounds riveting, mate. Mate, it's, you watched World Woodcutting Champion, <laughs> and that turned out all right. This it's, is true. It sounds like that, or like Ultimate Fighter season one. That's what it sounds like. Remember when they didn't even have them fight? Yeah, it's not very old. The original. Fight. Oh, go on. The up. original NXT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> how, how many jugs of water can you carry to the ring? Um, I would say, and I think I've meant... Unless you're Leo on, channel, on Channel 4, they've been showing, like, international tag, mm. which is just park, indoor parkour. If you've ever seen that, it looks terrifying, and it looks like they're a hair's breadth away from a hideous accident. But these lads, honestly, they're like fucking eels. It's shocking. <laughs> just slipping through stuff like that. Just like watching a load of ninjas... In a, on a set. Anyway, I digress. Back to the <laughs> That's the stuff people came for. Uh, yeah, Irish <laughs> TV. <laughs> I don't know, JP. That folder you shared with me on uh, on the Google Drive this week. Uh, oh. Irish TV is pretty <laughs> tame by that. It's pretty tame by that description. Women's extreme wrestling. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> that was, yeah. Um, some of those. Look at the roster. Some of those show titles, mate. Nude War Games. Oh, yeah. Is she in Nude War Games? <laughs> Well, it's the Great War Games, isn't it? I mean, everyone bangs on about Wrestle War 92, but I think Nude War Games is possibly up there. Uh, as soon as I saw JP Hulahan has shared bloody booty.mp4 with you, I knew I was in for, uh, yeah. for something. This is all Arnold Furious's fault. He told me about it, and we were drunkenly in the trip. At, uh, I want to say it was Carrot. Um, and oh, it might have been Tag League. And we were sat down talking through, like, just looking at these matches and these cards of, like, women's extreme wrestling. Chris Linnae was there. Like, Will Cooling was there. It was a really, really, like, good night. And he got me on it. And I was thinking, oh, you know, if we're looking for something to review, go back into the archives. You see loads of people reviewing everything else. I haven't seen any recaps or retrospectives on women's extreme wrestling. And maybe people want to see that. Uh, and maybe to- XPW is a chaser. I have to admit, when I opened that folder and I saw the name of those show names, I just I like quickly closed it. I thought it was going to be one of these things where I suddenly got like an email from you about a minute later. Sorry, mate. <laughs> wrong, wrong folder. Never no. to be spoken of ever again. <laughs> uh, Alan, you're a man who covers a lot of wrestling. Ever seen women's extreme wrestling? I, I, I don't know. Am I, would I be right in saying this is one of these like early 2000s, like Christy Miss Jasmine St. Clair type vehicles? Yep. <laughs> I'm just be. thinking of like WoW magazine back in the day and the XPW coverage and like <laughs> that's, that's what I associate with, uh, yeah, titles such as that. 
the working class man's ECW. If there is such a thing as XPW. What's the name of the guy? Um, Rob Black. That's it. Is Rob he Black. Like- Oh, he yeah. The infamous Rob Black, yeah, bloody hell. I remember when he turned up on Louis Theroux's Weird Weekends in like the porn episode, and I was like, that's Rob Black from wrestling? I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's famous for more other things than just the wrestling side of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Bad lad is Rob. Oh. Um, but yeah, if you look at that that roster, there's like loads Tracy Brooks is on there. There's like loads of like the kind of women's roster on there. And then in to cut in between it is hardcore lesbian porn. Mm. Like in between these matches. It's not appropriate. There's not a storyline or anything else. I wonder if Vince McMahon would love it these days. He'd probably get a load of ideas from it. But yeah, it's it's truly the worst. And Arn reviewed loads of these. And I think it might be worth a recap, Benno. Uh, you know, future Patreon content, maybe that. That uh, and the that and the deep dive on Yokozuna's death that I really want to do. I was talking about that on Twitter this week. The uh, I think WWE have got like a documentary out about Yokozuna. It just it flashed it flashed in my memory. <laughs> but it flashed in my memory that like Yokozuna died in a shit hotel in Liverpool City Centre. At the age of 34, and like the, every time I think about that, it just blows my mind. He was over for like an all-star show or something. I remember it happened at the time. I don't know, were you in Liverpool at the time, Gary? It would have been like 2001. Uh, were you already yeah, here at that point? Like, I remember yeah, it being it. The, the biggest story because it'd be like, like your old uncle would be like, oh, I heard about that wrestler who, uh, who died in that hotel. Wasn't he scared of spiders? Because I like, I Googled the story once I saw it on, when I saw the Yokozuna documentary thing, and literally like every headline including like like the independent for example was one i was looking at like every second line they're like yoko zuna yoko actually they call him yoko space zuna yoko space zuna uh had a, was known for his uh his, his extreme fear of spiders and it is literally in every story like i literally i think a couple of years ago somebody in work actually sure said to me oh go on they weren't confusing spiders with coffins <laughs> yeah maybe that's where they got it from maybe that's where they got it from but the implication was that that's how he died and i've literally heard that from people in work like a couple of years ago some bloke in work was like oh remember when that you just you like wrestling don't you rich remember when that wrestler died in town because he was scared of spiders what was his name was it ultimate warrior i was like no <laughs> <laughs> it's infamous. I, 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 I feel like it's almost like a bit of an urban legend though like, mm. like I don't know what's true and what isn't but it would be like oh they needed to get like a cherry picker to get him out because they couldn't get him down the stairs you or something like that through the kitchen because he wouldn't fit through the door that type of stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, he, was he trying to get bigger at the time or did yeah. he, he he wanted he wanted to break some like world records and stuff like that because he had because they, they, when he was last in WF, they sent him away to get him to lose weight, mm-hmm. and he did. And then he came back, but then he started packing it on again. They, they, he got fired, and um, then yeah, I guess he just went on a mission to try and put on as much as he could. He was on the big breakfast around. Yeah. Was, do you remember? Was, was Denise Van Outen, or was it a different host at that point? I can't remember. But uh, he, he did a segment on Big Breakfast. Yikes. No, I don't think it was. I don't think it was, it was a good bit later than that. Um, but uh, the yeah, he was he was doing a lot of those kind of UK tours. I remember Power Slam covering the good bit, and I remember people talking about it in school. Um, mm. It was definitely one that just it did absolutely cross over that threshold of just into the public domain uh, because like he's such a larger than life character, well, literally. Um, so it just he's someone that you know sticks out to the the casual 
not even casual fan, but just a person who doesn't have an interest in wrestling but comes across it. Like my dad would bring it up. Like and that's like <laughs> you, you wouldn't get my dad talking about wrestling very often. So um yeah, that was uh, I'm I'm like the biggest Yokozuna fan. Um I I did not know they were doing a documentary. That's definitely something I'll I'll watch. I did a got two or three hour show with Chris Zellner a couple of years back for, uh, on like just everything about Yokozuna mm. um, his whole career his New Japan run everything um, so I'm just a massive Yoko aficionado I watched a Yokozuna Jerry Lynn squash match from the AWA a couple of days ago it was good fun <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I'm trying to think of like memorable Yokozuna matches, like from a because we are going to get into our matches of the year in a minute. I haven't really got many. The Virgil <laughs> squash, <laughs> that Virgil squash is always one of my favourite squashes of all time. I remember watching that one on repeat as one of the uh, the few things I had on tape when he uh, when he first debuted. But yeah, you're right. It's one of them things where it's like yeah, that's the type of thing like your dad would know about, or like you say that big breakfast clip, like Ian Andrew Dice Clay, who's a friend of ours, like he posted the the videos on his and my timeline at the moment on Twitter with Denise Van Outen definitely flirting quite a bit with old Yoko. She was, uh, you know, there was uh, possibly something going on there. I don't know. Um, probably something S- couldn't could have, have ended up like Hutchins, though, couldn't he? Really? <laughs> following in the, in like the kind of big breakfast format. Maybe it was a mercy. <laughs> well, are we sure that it was? I, I don't want to implicate that there was foul play. Uh. <laughs> So this is what we're going to do, JP. We're going to do deep dives on women's extreme wrestling Deni- and the death yeah. of Yokozuna, and also the inside of Yokozuna and Denise Van Outen's relationship. I think that's what well, we need. She was she was dating JK from Jamiroquai around that time. So like, uh, I'd say Yoko could have made short work of JK. He, he probably could have like just got stuck in Yoko, like in a crevice somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> where's where's JK? All right, well, I guess I guess Yokozuna's my boyfriend now. <laughs> Uh, and, and do you know what JK he right, reminds me of like I don't know Enzo Amore mm-hmm. that I feel feels like who he's kind of based on so the idea of a squash between Yoko Zuna and JK is just would just be incredible as well mm-hmm. and it just trashes some of his fucking music while he's at it <laughs> and trashes the hat in particular yeah, sits on it like it's yeah he given one I of them treat it like earthquake cheat treated um, Damien Damien <laughs> He gave him one of them shoot bonsai drops, not not the not the little pussy one where he lands on his feet, the one he used to do to the jobbers where he had no regard for their personal safety. That's the one JK deserves. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, we'll do that at some point. We'll do a deep dive on it. We'll find more out about it. We, uh, I'll, and I'm, I'm not going to look at Denise Van Outen the same way as well. <laughs> oh, I'm going to look in her eyes and I'm going to go, is there something you're not telling us, Denise? <laughs> where were you in Liverpool? Which one was it? I don't know. The Moat House in Liverpool, that was the, uh, the, the famous old hotel. That he, uh, Even at 4am, yeah. under cover of darkness. Yeah. Uh, my favourite thing researching it was the wrestlers fucking out, saying that all the wrestlers on the All-Star Tour were like, apparently they carried on the tour because that's what Yokozuna would have wanted. Uh, All-Star to continue their <laughs> The carny bastards. Apparently there was a 10-bell salute, so at least they did that. <laughs> Mate, he probably got a Yokozuna impersonator in. That's how fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sumo 2, baby. Oh. Uh, hey, they had to do that on the Saudi show last year when the or when the prince wanted Yokozuna. There you go, yeah. <laughs> His legacy lives on. 
but uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about that at what future date, date, page future date. We'll uh, we'll, we'll deep dive. Um, <laughs> but we are here to talk our, our match of the year uh, and talk twenty uh, twenty as a whole. Um, we're a little bit late in the month, but you know, gotta gotta get those grapple stats together and get our top tens together. I know I've been doing a lot of rewatching, and you guys are doing a lot of rewatching. We're just about pipping our mates' voices of wrestling to the uh, to the post here. They've got their uh, match of the year content coming out this month that uh, everyone should check out too. You might uh, hear from a couple of those uh, those lads later on in the show today as well as we uh, we do have some clips from from friends of the show giving us uh, their picks for, for match of the year but uh, yeah if anybody didn't tune in last year what we're going to be doing is counting down our personal top 10s we'll give you some grapple stats Gareth will let us know what the uh, the grapple top 10 as well and just generally uh, fill us in on uh, where things are falling uh, in the grapple 100 that, uh, that's going to be able to, to accompany this podcast as well so yeah plenty of uh, stuff to get into but yeah what a fucking year to do this one, lads. I did, you know, with JP, you were on BWE on Friday. We normally do a, a British Wrestling uh, Year in Review. We decided not to this year because, well, yeah, the fucking absolute state of 2020 in, in Brit Res. Uh, we kept that short. Uh, although we did, you know, play some fun games and uh, exercise some demons of 2020 instead. Uh, check that out in the BWE feed if you haven't. Uh, but yeah, this is a year where I think it is a, a difficult one to put together. I think it's very much... Uh, a year of two halves. Uh, I think it's one of those years where, yeah, I think it's... I'm seeing, like, the the top tens coming for voices, for example. I think people's top tens are looking wildly different than they do in a normal year. Um, I think there's a... For me personally, when I put my list together, it was a case of... I think there's always that argument of best versus favourite. You know, you're voting the top ten best matches or your top ten favourite. And I think with this year, it'd be just so just so murky. I think I've leaned a bit more into the uh, the favourite side of things. But Alan, I know uh, you know when we talked about having you on the show, and when, uh, when I came on your show at the tail end of last year, where uh, you know you were saying you know this has been a completely different year for you uh, as far as uh, putting your spreadsheet together. You are a man, you know, like like our mate James who uh, who likes a spreadsheet and last, likes his match of the year tracking. But fuck me. God help you in 2020. Yeah, I, as I said to you, Venno, it was uh, any other year I'd have been like right there and uh, had put significant thought into all these matches all throughout the year, how they compare with each other. And uh, yeah, I would have been your man for this. But uh, uh, this year you asked me and I was like, oh God, I'm like going to be the worst person to have on for this. But I will <laughs> say I've, uh, in, in saying all that, I've put in a ridiculous amount of time thinking about my list in the last couple of days and preparing for it. So I hope I'm a, a little bit more prepared than I would have been otherwise. But um, yeah, it was a strange year. Um, I like I would have been full in on everything from January through to mid-March or whatever and watching everything. And then once things started to shut down, it was like, okay, nothing meaningful is happening right now mm. because everything's kind of on a pause. So I'm just going to throw myself into old wrestling. So I just watched old wrestling for quite a while. And then as you started to kind of see, okay, these guys are still running crowds are coming back like when AEW started having their crowds coming back in and you started to get a feel for like okay you know the way they were like putting war games or whatever they're calling it on like on a long finger just because they were like oh this could last a month or two we'll do it when it's done but when it became clear that there was no end in sight it was like okay we're just gonna go into our normal 
stuff that we're going to do and we're just going to go with this for as long as we need to and um, when that kind of became the case I started watching AEW more when New Japan came back I because New Japan obviously was gone from February end of February to mid June so that was like nearly four months so when they came back I was kind of okay New Japan's back that's a bit of normality and then unfortunately New Japan kind of became not good very quickly or at least not what we'd want it to be uh, for the most part and um Japan as a whole kind of got back to a level of norm- normalcy with wrestling. Uh, the, the schedules were as busy as ever, um, certainly as busy as ever, in some ways busier, especially when we had all those tournaments going on at the same time. Um, the crowd started to get a, a little bigger and as the restrictions eased, but we had to adjust to the, the clap crowds, which was a real different thing both for us as fans getting used to it and for fans in the venues kind of figuring out how best to express themselves and especially then for the wrestlers trying to figure out how to work in front of those crowds so there was a lot of weird different things and i i find like for me i just kind of scrapped um like I would always have my my tracking list and stuff like that and I'd always be thinking of comparing matches to each other and I just kind of stopped that along the way because I was like how can I compare something in January or February to something in August or September now that said that seems to shit all over the concept of what we're doing right now (laughs) but I I've spent the last couple of days like thinking about this list and how to go about comparing them. And like you said, Benno, it's more of a, these are kind of my favorite matches. These are the matches that are going to stick with me from 2020 more so than this was a better match than this Mm -hmm. um, by say like the star ratings or, or just by what I generally think is a great match. Mm -hmm. And, um, like I actually have, like, cause I actually found it really hard then to narrow it down. I came, I had like a short list for twenty five matches that I was narrowing down from, and oh, it was I have some really tough cuts, and one of my cuts was actually a match from early in the year that I gave five stars to. So, um, <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? Two matches from earlier, early in the year that I gave five stars to. So it's uh, it's it's been a weird year, but I am. Um, uh, when I look back on them, when I kind of went through some of these matches and the top 10 I have, like, I really love these matches. And like I said, they will stick with me going forward. So a, a lot of positives to take um, from a really weird, difficult year in wrestling. For sure, for sure. What was your take on it, JP? I know you're, uh, like we said, you're a man who's, uh, I'm sure you've been doing lots of rewatching, uh, walking the uh, the yeah. streets and hills of, uh, of Oxford over this weekend. Uh, did your approach change compared to last year? Uh, it did because partly if you're thinking of when I think of the reasons when I I, I kind of go for what I want in the match of the year mm. the crowd play a really big part in it mm-hmm. and then you remove them away mm. or, and you lessen their impact or you certainly change it mm. I think there's probably an element where by the end of the year I was used to the crap clouds particularly when I was watching Japan mm. um, and that one of the like you know in terms of proper empty arena matches there's only really one of those on on my list which i ended up going back and re-watching it and i found so i found myself really you know to really echo what you guys have said kind of going with it's like a combination of like a favorites list Mm. but there's also 
like because there is some heavy bias towards or there is some bias towards when there were crowds Mm. because that for me is like they kind of add that unknown factor into it and however much you kind of take them away however much like however great the match can be if you limit them in some way i think it does have a kind of impact on it but by the end of the year, I was kind of used to it and I was very much like thinking, well, this is a great match regardless of whether or not the crowd are clapping to it because I, and, and I can appreciate that. So yeah, it, it's, it's different. I mean, these are still, you know, Gareth's going to tell us like, you know, in comparison, you're going to find probably that we're still kind of heavily linked to what people on the app are rating it. Um, and what people generally think of as kind of being the best matches. But this year is going to be the subjective year as a result. Mm, yeah, I think that's it. Have you noticed that in the stats, Gareth? Obviously, like JP said, you're going to be uh, filling us in as we go, and there's going to be plenty of uh, uh, grapple stats as we go. But did it, did it feel like a different year to you? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think um, I, one of the things that like really jumped out to me was just when I've been pulling together the, the Grapple 100 lists mm-hmm. this year because um, there's been like over 5,000 matches that have been put on the app this year that people can can rate across all the different promotions um, and just like just 27% of those matches sort of fell into January to March. However, when you look at like the Grapple 100 that I've pulled out, like 40% of the matches that's on the Grapple 100 come from January to March there as well. So you can see the impact there really of the, the early part of the year and crowds and the influence that crowds clearly have on people's enjoyment of the, the matches. And, you know, I found that myself again Mm. You watched it today because, you know, I'm not somebody who, for the best part, is going to go back and, you know, in in October, I'm not just going to suddenly randomly be dipping into some match from March or something like that. Or, or you know, there's, there's too much bloody wrestling going on week to week to keep up with either on the app or now having to talk about on, on, either, on a Monday or a Tuesday uh, kind of thing. But one of, you know, one of the, the big things that I found when I was going back and rewatching to put this list together was, was almost just like how jarring it was and how different it was yeah. for the, you know, having a crowd there. And just like where I was watching, like even just like an episode, you know, matches that were on Dynamite and things and just like oh my god this is what tv wrestling is in a normal world actually like you know like <laughs> those crowds there people react to stuff that you know wrestlers you know work to the fans a bit differently you know people make noise at the right moment and things and what and like what a like i say just sort of like a jarring experience really to sort of see that and see see the crowd react and if, if anything it just made me probably downrate matches from later in the year where i was thinking actually I've probably just been a bit conservatively high here because it was a good match and I'm kind of wanting to like, you know, especially like G1 matches and things. I've kind of wanted to the like G1. them the more G1's than I should yeah. just because it was mm. the G1 kind of thing. And then I'm mm. now watched a few back and I'm like, oh, you know what, actually that's, that wasn't as good as I've rated it because um, I don't know. I'm kind of there. I'm judging it against what I'm seeing on empty arena NXT or 50 people in the arena AEW TV matches and things like that with sort of the limited limited supplier wrestling that you could watch watch sort of during the latter half of the year as well. Really, so it's it's definitely been a a bit of an odd one on the on on the mindset really as you as, as you're thinking about what does stick out. And I, I think the other thing as well is just how long ago that period it feels like. Just because we it feels like we've been stuck in lockdown forever now at this point. Mm-hmm. There's matches there that I've rewatched that happened in like March 
that it feels like it was two years ago or something. I'm, yeah, I was looking, I was thinking, was that really this year? And then like you're thinking about some of the storylines associated to it, and you're just like, it feels like an entirely different company that I'm watching here, and these wrestlers just feel like entirely different people. It's what, a, what an odd experience the last week's been doing this, doing this catch-up. Yeah. The one that blew my mind there uh, the other day when I saw it was, I had to do it all night. I was like, no way, that was not February was Jeff Cobb against John Moxley in AEW on Dynamite. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, when you, said, as... when you said Jeff Cobb versus John Moxley, I was like, when did that happen in New Japan? And I was like, oh, yeah, AEW, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> he was the bounty hunter. I was like, that couldn't have been February. No like, there's people in AEW who, like, people who are regularly on TV who've never wrestled in front of a TV crowd, like someone like Anna Jay, mm. like... Yeah, that's like they're gonna they're gonna have gone like a year a year and a half into their career and then like crowds and arenas are gonna come back and like they all have to completely relearn a whole load of new skills (laughs) it's crazy yeah yeah there's a few wrestlers like that like the likes of like Aaliyah james i think she's worked as many matches you know in empty arena rev pro almost as as much as she's worked in her career yeah it's gonna be if and when we get things back it's gonna be you know a a completely different experience but yeah to echo what you've all said there i'm in the exact same boat there are matches that my number six match in my list wasn't even in my consideration until i rewatched it and then the crowd was so hot it pulled me right in i was like oh I'd given it four and a half stars, but I was like, that's why I gave that four and a half stars. And I watched it and I was like, yep, that's what a, that's what a hot crowd sounds like. And then you watch like a match back to back with it from, like you said there, Gareth, the G1 period, which, spoiler, I think is going to be a real sufferer uh, in the top tens this year uh, compared to, you know, normally when it dominates. Um, yeah, it's a place during, during that. Okay, yeah, we had crowds, but, you know, it was clap crowds and it's, yeah, it's almost like you can split the year in two, but you can split it in three as well. There's empty arena, there's, there's, kind of not empty arena and then like you say there's the the full arenas like like in january february march where like you say it doesn't feel like it's for of this year i did match of the month with with jamesy in january and like i'm looking at those matches just feeling like they took, took place a, a decade ago yeah it's it's a weird year and so yeah it, i mean it, it just it gives us though it gives us room to be a little bit creative doesn't it with our lists and it allows us to mm-hmm. you know to put sneak some things in that maybe wouldn't make a, a formal top 10 star rating list but you know you know, I'm just just to fire me Ricky Shane Page and a gauge pick, but anyway. <laughs> there is some there is some matches that happened either in front of clap crowds or in front of empty arena that maybe compare it side by side to a match from January or February that has the benefit of a crowd isn't as great a match, but you give them extra marks for like i've i look at my list and there's two matches in particular that stand out that i'm really giving these matches a, a pat on the back because they did an incredible job adapting to their environment and getting the most out of it and kind of just going above above what the limitations that really cause a lot of other matches to suffer they didn't suffer from so there's there's an opportunity there were was an opportunity for a lot of those matches that happened later in the year in the middle part of the year to kind of um use it to their advantage in a way in when it comes to my our lists i suppose so um yeah it's it's interesting one thing I, I don't know if you all noticed on this as well, there was parts of me watching matches from sort of January and February and just going, 
you optimistic fuckers. You're making plans for later on in the year. They go to shit in like a month's time. And it's, I felt that feels bad saying it, but it's just like there's a there's lots of elements of like looking things at like, especially if you're watching Wrestle Kingdom 14 and you're looking at them going, all these big plans you had. Yeah, trust me, you're going to get evil in there. Yeah. <laughs> Or that, or that was the reaction. Or watching sixteen carat footage and seeing the likes of Benno in the crowd and just being, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> Especially that time of year as well. Wish you were the known better, Alan. We, you knew better. You we watched. We watched it the other day. We watched a couple of matches and we were just like, "Oh my god, everyone's so close together." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. How, how weird is it, Alan, that I got COVID ten days after I got flat from from Germany? What a what a weird coincidence. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there was, when we were there, there was a lot of, um, like, the, at that point, we were all like, oh, just don't shake hands, and that'll sort everything. So we were doing, like, elbow bumps and fist bumps and stuff. But as long as we didn't shake hands, it was fine to just breathe over each other. And, like, that WXW documentaries, uh, the trailer came out this week, and there's me breathing into the same mic that I then pass over to Will Cooling, who sat right behind me. We were just, yeah, we were frivolous. We didn't care. It was, you know, everything was normal, and it was a different world. We didn't know any better. That's what it was. <laughs> say, say, so needless to say, I'm, uh, I'm very glad I didn't go. <laughs> a good call. Like, it, it was ten months ago, like which just suggests just how fucked up things have been mm. for this year. Yeah, ten, ten months. Not ten. Crazy. My God. Yeah, I know. And, you know, hopefully we can all do it again and we can all uh, be in a big weekender and, you know, see some stuff live. I think. Oh, it'll be a session, mate, that will. Oh, it will. It will. I'm fair to say there might be a little bit of live bias in these top tens, too. I think. I think, we're, I think when, when you hear some of our clips that get, get sent in, but from some listeners, I think people. It's a, I think the, the, the few live matches people saw this year have got a real special place in the heart. And you, you mm. might notice that uh, as we go through. But, yeah, uh, we should go through it. Let's go through our top tens. As we say, it's. Uh, these are our picks, you know. It's uh, Gareth will be giving us the uh, the definitive as far as uh, the grapple stats go. But you know, as as Alan said at the top, we've all done our best to see everything. We've all done as much rewatching as we can. But you know, treat this as a recommendation too. You know, if there's anything in it you haven't seen, go out and check it out. And there might be things on uh, on each other's lists that we might uh, might end up recommending to each other as well. But yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into our top ten. Let's start at the top. Let's start at number ten. And Alan, you're our guest, so. You can go first, mate. Alan, what's your number 10 for 2020 as far as match of the year? I'm going to start out on... Uh, it's kind of a sad note, but it's also a note that I think will put a smile on our faces when we think about the match itself. Um, very recent one, and just I had to have this on my list. Uh, the Dark Order versus... Um, uh, Santana, Ortiz, and MJF, Great the thing. inner circle from the Brody Lee Memorial episode of Dynamite, um, Hangman Page, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, a, a, a trio's match that just, it just, it had magic sprinkled all over it. It was, everything worked. It was just, it was such an incredible tribute. That whole show was great. But that match really felt like it was where the show peaked. Mm. The, the the moment of where uh, Brody Lee Jr. got to hit MJF with the Singapore cane and his sell of that, and John Silver just wrestling out of his mind in that match like an absolute maniac. Every just trying all this crazy.
crazy ambitious stuff and all of it working to perfection and then the big Eric Rowan uh, reveal at the end um, Bryce breaking down uh, as the referee Excalibur breaking down on commentary just it was it was a really amazing tribute and just a, a, a magical moment for, for all those guys and for everyone watching and uh, that when that was I, I think that would have been a, a couple of weeks after you asked me to do this Benno and I hadn't been thinking much about my top 10 up to that point and when I saw that match I was like yeah that's whatever top, my top 10 looks like that match is going to be in there so wanted to make sure that was included yeah it snuck in on the year as well didn't it just about uh making it into like the the tail end of uh of 2020 um yeah like a a huge memory of the year isn't it and it's like it was such a such a nice note for uh for aw to go off on so yeah it's a great pick that one and taking everything like all the circumstances out of it mm-hmm. if you just put that as a as a trios match and put it out in as front a piece of, of the, work yeah and yeah in front of like a big crowd a big hyped crowd like Jesus, that match, people would have been raving about it just as, as a match. So, um, yeah, very, very well done stuff. Yeah, yeah, perfectly laid out. And, yeah, you got all the all those great moments as well. Um, you know, you, you know, right down to the, the Vintner turning up. It was just yeah, perfectly, perfectly put together. And there's something to be said for that, isn't there? Yeah. It was a beautiful match. I mean, it was a beautiful show generally as like a, a tribute. But when I think of that match, that's the, that's the kind of word that comes to mind because of, like... And it's, I can be quite a hard-hearted bastard, believe it or not. But that was like, like when you saw the things going on the match and Alan's brought up about like sort of Bryce Remsburg breaking down, John Silver at the end breaking mm-hmm. down. <clears throat> These were bits that just completely got me at that point. I think even the Singapore came because it came off so well. It was so perfect and the sell of it was perfect. And mm-hmm. so it, it felt like, it just felt like this this perfect tribute. So yeah, that's a, that's a great shout. Good man. Uh, your number ten, JP. My number ten. So I've gone with something that's also it's it's quite recent, and I came around to this quite late. But um, I've gone with El Desperado versus Hiromi Takahashi, the best of the Super Juniors final. Oh, interesting. Um, Saw that on a lot of lists. Yep. Um, I didn't know how I'd react to it because I came to it quite late. Um, Despy's always been like sort of a bit of a quiet, uh, particularly the times he's come over. Because whenever I've seen him over in the UK, he's he's always been really good value. Um, and for him, and, and what was great about this was just like obviously you had the layers of the backstory, but as a match, it was like the kind of levels of animation, and it felt like I really want you to do something really good with um with Despy here. I just just when like kind of going through it, it was this, it was so hard hitting. Hmm. And then the mask spot, it does. It, it's like, you think of moments of the year that kind of stick with you, the way that was done just because it was done so differently. And the fact that he just sort of stared and did like an evil killer stare. And then it all kicks off again. I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, it was something that kind of, it was a lackluster tournament for me to the point where, I'll be honest with you, this is the only match I saw from it and nothing else there. And I know there was some good stuff, but I just didn't have the desire to go back and watch it. But I went back and watched this and I thought I, it was great. I came away thinking I want Despy in the heavyweight division. Um, you know, I want Hiromu in that in that kind of heavyweight division as well. And that 
crowd at Budokan are wanting to explode more than they're kind of supposed to. So there's this feeling of kind of like suppressed cheers going on. So you know that the crowd are excited or as, as excited as you've seen the kind of um, clap crowds of that era. So, yeah, that was one that really snuck in for me. Amazing. Yeah, like I said, I've seen people name it as their match of the year. Um, definitely one for me that I had to, I went back and watched. Didn't make my top ten, but I can see it. You know, it's uh, I can see why people were, were so into that. And yeah, it's uh, yeah, went four four and a half on it. Oh, interesting. I, I think I, I think if I remember rightly, I went four on it. But that's no slight. You know, I've seen plenty of people. I've seen people go five on that one. Um, so yeah, great choice. Um, Gareth, you're number ten. Yeah, my number 10 is uh, John Moxley against Minoru Suzuki from uh, New Japan New Beginning in Osaka from February. Um, it was just like going back and re-watching this. It was one of them where like when I was using the app and flicking through and seeing my ratings, I was like, well, what's, I give four and a half for that. And I was kind of a bit like, eh, I don't, don't remember too much about it. It was one of the first ones that I rewatched, And I was fucking hell, did I have a good like fun just watching this. It just 17 minutes of just two of my favorite wrestlers just beating the shit out of each other and just looking like they were having the time of their lives doing it. You know, just some great spots there with Moxley inviting Suzuki up onto the ramp with, you know, and Suzuki taking two chairs with him and them just like leveling each other with chairs and then fighting into the crowds with the guardrails. And then, you know, you know, there was just, um, you know, when um, Suzuki was there, like he'd been slammed through a table and he's just got a great big smile on his face and the crowd just erupts and everything. Oh, it was just, it was just, just one of them. It was just like a quarter of an hour of just pure fun. Just, just these, these two guys just like laying into each other. And one of them that, you know, I haven't seen a lot mentioned for it's, you know, when I looked on the, on the, the grapple list, it's as far down as like number 46 on the, on the grapple 100. So it's, wow, it's not something that people rated, like rated really, really high, but yeah, mm. God. What, what what a what a good bit of fun and a real one where like you know the crowd you 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 really did feel it you know they were right into it you know the, um, you know providing tons of atmosphere there as uh, as as well and you know like absolutely absolutely spot on stuff. Renee Young brought that match up on her match on her podcast when she was with Eddie Kingston and uh, she was raving about it. You could tell like uh, to her, someone who had just been in the WWE system, who didn't really know wrestling before that. She saw a match like that and she was just like, oh, my God, this guy, Minoru Suzuki. Wow. (laughs) I I think that's it. Like you could just kind of tell that like Moxley was just like the idea that he was just stood there in the ring with. Minoru Suzuki in 2020, you could just tell he he, he was just buzzing off it. You know, he he was clearly having the time of his life as as well. And you know, like Suzuki obviously loves it when someone's bringing it and they're they're laying it in with him and they're they're gonna have a bit of fun and add it and stuff. And yeah, they they had big smiles on their faces, and so did I. You might hear some more about this match later on from me, but uh, I'm not giving it away. But uh, yeah, uh, share some of those thoughts. Uh, it is fair to say. Um, to echo that thought on Minoru Suzuki, my number ten is a uh, is an underloved Minoru Suzuki match uh, that I will I will take to my to my deathbed. It was a match that when we <laughs> did when, when I did the G, when we did the G one review and I quote uh, Gareth Hodgson. I don't even remember that match. Like, and that's stuck with me ever since because I do think it's just me and Joe Lanza. Uh, Midoro Suzuki, Will Ospreay uh, from the G1. I don't know what it is. I think I've rewatched it and I'm sticking by it. It's, it's made it into my top 10. It is a match where I think for me, it was just perfect. There was no wasted motion. It was, it was exactly what I want out of a G1 match. I said at the top, 
the G1 probably isn't going to be as prevalent in our top tens this year as normal. And as a you know, we all know the reasons for that. But for me, yeah, this was just one of the bigs of the G1, and it was just that it was the perfect Minoru Suzuki match with him just being evil and targeting Osprey's arm, and you know. You mentioned Joe Lanza there, Alan. You know, I, I watched this match and I went away thinking, am I the only one who loved that? And I listened to his audio where he was basically punching the air about Osprey's arm selling, and that's exactly how I felt. I thought, I saw criticism of Osprey's selling in this match as well. I thought his selling was perfect. Um, and I watched a few Minoru Suzuki matches back and forth, and the people who have a go at him shaking the arm out and use it for offense. You might want to say that about some other people, uh, some other favorites that, are, that aren't Will Osprey too. That is, you know, if, if that's your problem, I, I, I don't know what you're on about to be honest i absolutely love this match thought it was a perfect 15 minute match everyone's looking at me like i'm talking crazy again it feels like it's g1 <laughs> season again i will take it loved it got in just about stuck into my top 10 um i, I teased it before ricky shane page nick gage didn't make it sorry got pushed out by this thing so you know somewhere somewhere rev joe smiling as well that that got pipped out of my top 10 for this thing too <laughs> Um, yeah, people don't remember. I think it just it's somewhere in the Grapple 100. I don't think it's high, um, but it's in there. It's around. Uh, there's some people uh, who agree with uh, with me and Lanza there. No, 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 you're totally wrong. I've just had a quick look there, and it's like you're right in saying that it's totally unloved because it's at about 225 in the um, match list for the year or something like that. But <laughs> you enjoyed it, fair enough. I still uh, can't remember it. I'm not even convinced. Like, <laughs> did this actually happen? It did. It did, mate, and it was a it was a great example of uh, professional work from uh, from two great professional wrestlers. And it might not be the last time Monroe Suzuki appears on my list, but for me, he had a hell of a he had a hell of a year. And uh, this is uh, an unloved gem here. And what's our top ten if not for uh, for unloved gems? Uh, Alan, what's your number nine? As we move on, my number nine is a match that. I owe to my lovely wife because I would not have seen this match if it wasn't for her. So I'm going to uh, hand the reins over to her to uh, Ooh, introduce or I'll introduce it and then she can tell you uh, why it's so amazing. And I'll throw in a few thoughts as well. This is, gentlemen, uh, the Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson versus Matt Mikowski from Beyond Wrestling's Shangri-La Mahistral show. Sarah, take it away. Hello, everybody. Hey, Sarah. Hello. Hi, hi, all right. Great to see you. Hello, Sarah. Can you hear me okay? I'm working off a laptop that's plugged into a piano. So. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a tune if you want. Us- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do chopsticks on it. <laughs> I'm not that far yet. Can you hear <laughs> Can you hear it now? Yeah, yeah there you go. Okay. Oh, yeah, now in the 4L house. Play money to burn. Play uh, Chris Dickinson's entrance music a bit of I like it loud. <laughs> <laughs> a few lessons away from that one, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, so in November, um, I was kind of, you know, I'd fallen out of love with the wrestling and I was like, oh, I want to find some wrestling now I want to watch. So, I decided to sign up to IWTV for some reason. Um, I already had a, an account. She signed up with another account. Account? <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. I did. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe. Anyway, they could probably do with the extra ten. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Uh, so I decided I was going to just kind of see what was out there, you know, seeing as, you know, my favorites, Wrestle One were dead, Evolve was dead, OTT was dead, uh, WXW was almost dead. Um, so we see what else is out there. So I took a look. Uh, first of all, I thought the collective shows would be on there. They weren't uh, at that stage. So I, I watched a good few shows. I think I watched about five or six shows on IWTV of kind of like pandemic era US indie stuff. And it was all awful. Like it was all really, really awful. There was maybe four matches total that were any bit like decent. Mm. Uh, but this one match, this match was perfect. It was, have any of you seen it? No, no, not at all. No, I haven't, and there's only nine ratings on the app for it as well. Oh, probably <laughs> name the nine people. Oh, I'm, I'm going to make a ten. Gareth, I'll be honest, I didn't think you'd have Beyond on the on the app, so I, I, I didn't rate it. So I'm going to go do that now. <laughs> Good man. Okay, so uh, this show was set outdoors by a lake. Right, so I'm going to set the scene now. So it's outdoors by a lake. This really kind of picturesque kind of landscape and the sea is there there's some boats there's a kid on a swing in the background uh there's no fans it's just wrestlers around the the ring uh most of them are wearing masks Uh, i think they're all meant to be wearing masks but they weren't obviously um so there's just like one little layer of wrestlers around the ring and there was some deck chairs and there was some old gals just kind of on their little walk who would stop to watch the match. <laughs> so it's really lovely, okay? It's like, I was like, oh, I wish I was there. You know, I could sit on one of the empty deck chairs away from all the people and just watch the lovely wrestling. Um, but the match itself was, like, just really good. I'd never seen Matt Mikowski before. Uh, I had seen Chris Stigginson quite a lot, but this match was just excellent. But the best part of the match was... Chris Dickinson kicked out of a move and a dog barked, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he pointed to the dog and he got fired up and he, and he got on the offense and it was just amazing. It was like the best thing. I was like, oh, this match is just excellent. This is lovely pro wrestling here. Look at the Algirls. They're doing their stretches and stuff in the background. <laughs> and, and then um, Chris Dickinson won the match. Um, not going to be Alan come into old moves and all stuff, but there was really cool moves and that kind of thing. Um, but he won the match. He got on the microphone and he cut one of his Chris Dickinson promos about <laughs> loving wrestling and loving this guy. He's the next top guy. And I was like, yes. Because I love a good Chris Dickinson promo. Like, it just really gets me fired up. Uh, and then just to top it all off, to top it all off, at the, the very, very end, the match was over. We counted in with the match because it goes off air after here. Two baddies kind of get up in the, in the apron. They're on, on earlier in the show. I don't really know who they are. They get up and like, yeah, we're the champs. We're the champs. And the wrestlers grab them and they throw them into the lake. <laughs> and they sold it like crazy and I was like ah this is brilliant that's match number nine it's going to be my match number four I think see see, now I'm doubting my number one I haven't even seen it and I'm thinking you know maybe I need to rethink things I know know what I'm doing tomorrow (laughs) a lot of that GCW stuff when they were doing it by the pier you always Mm. thought this is a really interesting backdrop looks really great but this I mean god it's 
sounds like it could turn into a Chemical Brothers music video, to be honest <laughs> with you. It's, it's kind of like, or OK Go or something like that. But the idea of Chris Dickinson cutting a promo to two old women doing stretches <laughs> in the park, that in and of itself is just like... Yeah, and awesome. he's, he's effing and blinding in the promo and talking about... Uh, and he's like, uh, he says at one point, he's like, look, I can talk differently here. It's just it's just you wrestlers here. And I was like, Chris, there's like a child on a swing, like 20 feet away from you. <laughs> And, and my favorite part of the promo is he's just he's he's in full on Chris Dickinson promo mode. And I was once in a car with um with uh, we we're collecting uh, they're collecting me me Shah Samuels and Tassilo the referee. They're collecting it was Karsten Beck collecting the three of us from the airport um, for WXW, and it was Shah's first time back in ages. So he was just having a great time reminiscing with the lads and Chris Dickinson came up for some reason and Shad just started burying him for like having done a tour of the UK like years earlier and after every match he'd he'd get on the mic and start cutting this promo and like and all the rest of it who is this fella? What does he think he's doing? And Chris Dickinson just out there cutting his promo, like, uh, like his Davy Richards promo, essentially. And uh, but in this one, he starts talking about this is wrestling, this right here, this match because they had a, like, a really goddamn great hard hitting match, like incredible submissions, great sell. It was so good, like legitimately really good with some sequences and, and moves that just blew my mind and it everything looked really good and Mikowski is a serious up and coming guy. He's got MMA background. He's he's legit. Um but Dickinson was like, this is Russ and then and he kind of And the dog was barking. Then the dog was barking. But he, he stops and he catches himself and he kind of realizes that there's like a bunch of like comedy wrestlers and like I irony wrestlers around the ring and all these guys and he's like you know I know everyone has their own style I'm not I'm not trying to shit on anyone else's style like it's all it's all subjective right guys <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like but but I mean for me for me this is what I love and you can tell like he loves like he, he has Mikowski in a figure four at one point and he does like the Mudo uh, the little Mudo taunt and he's like god this guy just loves the wrestling he loves he just loves and like, you can tell that when you see him on Twitter and he's like talking about yo guys I was watching this 1988 Dr. Death match from New Japan uh, uh, the other day oh, it's, it's just like he he studies his wrestling that he loves and he just tries his best not to he's not out there ripping it off he's he's him but he's influenced by these guys in, in the way that you kind of should be influenced by wrestling I'm all for wrestlers being fans of wrestling and being influenced by wrestlers from the past. I think it's great, but there's a fine line between that and just like being a ripoff of, of people. And Dickinson is never to me come off like a ripoff. He comes across like someone who's genuinely um, motivated by the wrestling that he loves from the past, from the modern day. And, and you can tell when you saw those promos he cut about being on New Japan the other day and his Twitter post, like the guy is really emotional about this stuff. And for him to to um, put the kind of effort that he put in to this match in the setting that it was in um, 
And I will say, like Sarah described, an absolutely picturesque setting. It's it really. Sarah said to me last night, "That's the only match in 2020 I would have actually liked to have gone to." And it's uh, you could stand there and watch it. It would be nice. Yeah, you'd be safe. Yeah, it, it, it would have been. It would have been very nice. I don't know. I I'm not sure what Drew Cordero's connect was here. He's a man with a lot of connections, but he uh, he definitely fe- fell into something. And and geez, they got a lovely day for it. I'll say that as well. It was absolutely uh, the sun was shining. It was it was lovely. Uh, the 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 heels were having to sell like uh, it was the. They had gone into a big uh, pool of lava at the end when, honestly, it looked like it would have been quite refreshing and nice to be in that lake. So uh, um, a tremendous match. Uh, Not even just like I'm not just putting this at nine just for the novelty of it. It's it's a damn great wrestling match. So I really suggest people check it out beyond wrestling. Shangri-La Maestral. There we go. Our first big recommendation of the night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm dying to see this thing now. Uh, anything else, Wacky? So you want to? to While we've got you, sir, anything else you want to throw in that uh, you think people should check out? Anything else that stuck out in your? Uh, Alan was saying that at the top, you've uh, you spent a, a bit of time catching up um, with uh, with your with your match of the year list uh, right at the uh, at the death. Yeah, it's my first time doing one and I'm surprised at myself putting in the effort to like honestly put together a list of 10 matches that I did. Me too. It's been jarring. Yeah, I'm at 12 now. I need to to knock two out before I submit. I need to make sure Alan formats it because uh, Rich people are not formatting correctly or not getting the dates right. So, you know, that's a... That's a scoop from the Voice of Wrestling Slack. Um, but yeah, I've got matches. I think I think I'm gonna have Violence Giants versus the Infants near the top. I think hmm. I really like that match. Um, Kuma Rashi is her guy. He pr- proliferates her her top ten. You see, he's a uh, he's a favorite in the four L house. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's the only U.S. match I think I have. I quite liked. Um, Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page from Full Gear as well. Um, but that's not very on brand for me, which is, again, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not either, but I really like that match. But we'll see if it then. It's uh, definitely not on brand. You walked in earlier when I was watching a clip of Tony Khan on Renee Young's podcasts on YouTube, and Tony was putting over Kenny Omega, and Sarah just walks in and goes, ugh, yuck. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> first I thought it was Stephanie. I thought it was, I thought Renee was Stephanie when I walked into the room. I was like, ah! <laughs> she, she's off playing um, Veronica Corningstone at the moment, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, girl, that whole thing. Vince or Anchorman. I thought Stephanie had got yeah. a funny can for, for her podcast and I just walked into the room and said, I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be an Off her off, though. <laughs> Uh, well, there you go. We got our first run in the night, or the night, and it was uh, it was Sarah. Sarah, have you got anything you want to plug? Anything you want to throw out, or nope. otherwise? No, just hope everyone's doing well. Is it Dumb Garvin? Let's get Dumb oh, yeah, throw that in there. Up. You trust yeah. JP? <laughs> what was that, JP? Up the Dacia. Oh, up the Dacia, indeed. In fact, I want to give a shout out to Jamesy, who who I got in the post a fantastic Christmas present, which was the All Ireland final program from when Watford <laughs> lost to Limerick. So absolutely cracking read. Yeah, again with niche niche content here at this point, and well away from match of the year twenty twenty. But that's also a cracking read, a five star read. 
I would say. Mm. There you go. Which, which did you enjoy? Which did you enjoy more? Reading the Waterford program or watching some Irish families standing on a log and carrying some sacks <laughs> trying to be the fittest Ooh. family in Ireland? I have to say, I'm I'm all in on Ireland's fittest family. Ah. I'm still all in on that. That's mm. that's a it's a it's a great show. Like, admittedly, I don't think Irish television has turned out ultimately to be as great as I've made it out to be in my mind based on sports coverage. That's like a big takeaway. And the network two loves a fucking film. Loves a film. And the chase on Virgin Media one. Just so I've got got my pecking order. So (laughs) Irish, Ireland's fittest families ahead of hurling, if I'm going to be. No. No, right. It's a, I'm talking about the programme there, and I'm actually doing Jamesy a slander by saying that. The programme means more to me, but I am really into Ireland's fittest family. I kind of want to get, I can be into two things at once. Who are you to restrict me, Gareth? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm sure you're glad you came then, Sarah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I'll say goodbye and good luck at the rest of the show. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. You. Cheers. See Brilliant to see you. Awesome. Uh, yeah, great running there. We'll have uh, some more running through that game probably as the show goes on. But uh, JP, uh, we're on to you. What's your number nine? Oh, you caught me off hook there, didn't I? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh... I'm, I'm pleased you said JP there because I was thinking I don't want to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really. That, that, that's, that sounds like it should be my number one that much. <laughs> <laughs> really should. You, um, you'd like it, Gareth. It's, it's very rugby league style wrestling. Like I, I like I talked to you about it. This Takashi Sagira being the number one rugby league style wrestler. This was rugby league style wrestling. Oh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's on my list tomorrow. Definitely watching that. <laughs> I love his big trouble in a little China t-shirt he comes out to as well every time it always gets me but I've gone number nine I've gone with um, a television match that I ended up re-watching oh. and and really loving and that was um, Kenny Omega versus Pac on Dynamite from the 22nd of Feb mm-hmm. and again I think this might be a theme this is going back and watching stuff with crowds but my god I think this is absolutely brilliant and what is even more incredible is that i think it was three days later he was wrestling in that tag match at revolution with hangman page against the bucks it's absolutely insane because this is it goes beyond 30 minutes it goes into an overtime sequence and it is it's phenomenal wrestling it's at times i think like i i at time I, i go back and watch this and i'm almost watching pack more and just thinking, my Christ, you really are on top of your game throughout this. I absolutely loved it. Um, just loved the kind of drama of it as well. There's something about, I don't know if the Bucks are ringside at a Kenny match that does seem to kind of somewhat ele- elevate it to a degree. And they were playing that in, especially with the spot where where Matt throws in, uh, you know, he's going to throw in Kenny Omega because that's like, you know, he's really, he's not wanting him to lose, but at the same time, is he putting him in there to more danger? It's kind of plays towards the, the tag match as well. I also thought it was, it was also quite brutal as well, because like the thing I noticed with Pat, it's just that to sort of nasty offense during it. And Kenny's selling of it. I think it's phenomenal. He looks like he's knocked to fuck. And I, I loved it. I thought structurally the drama was there. I was never bored over the 30 minutes. Um, and the timing of the DQ and the way that it did, and the way it led to the, um, to the red arrow and the pin for that, but also Kenny being really severely worn down, surviving the brutalizer at the end. I, it, it was 
brilliant US TV wrestling done at its best, put it at the top, made the crowd hot for the night. Yeah, I went four and a half on this. I'm almost arguing that it could be higher than that. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a great match. I think it suffered in the shadow, didn't it, of coming when it did? Because it it's on my shortlist, didn't make my top ten, but it it's there or thereabouts, and I think that's the thing. Yeah, it was... I remember when we did the podcast that week, actually, and we almost jumped right into the pay-per-view review, and I think it was Joe or you that pulled us back. I was like, hang on, we need to talk about this match from Dynamite as well, because it's as good as anything on the pay-per-view, or at least in that same league. Um, but yeah, great, great, great match from the year. Another one I've seen uh, on plenty of lists, too. Um, Gareth, you're number nine. Yeah, my number nine, it, it makes a list and it's kind of like almost like an accompaniment to another match that's on my list. I mean, I've given it away now, but um, <laughs> it'll be, it's Will Ospreay against Zack Sabre Jr. from... Oh, um, what the other one is. <laughs> from <laughs> from a New Beginning in Sapporo. And I just, I mean, in isolation before, you know, before the, the second match even happened, I absolutely loved this match. I, I rated it higher than the average on the app. You know, I just... I, I, I love the whole sort of match structure that, you know, it was something where they were trying to sell this idea that Osprey's never beat him in a one-on-one and pretty much throughout the whole match, just been largely dominant throughout, you know, showing that he could even grapple with Zach, showing that, you know, whether it was physically, whether it was striking, whenever the motion came into the game and flying about, he had the better of him in, in, in all areas pretty much. And it was like left to Zach just trying to try to counter, which was just sort of a great little story. But every little counter he did, Osprey had an answer to it. And it just meant that, you know, Zach couldn't get, you know, real long periods of dominance or, or or anything like that and then you know ultimately just the way it ended where you've had Osprey pretty much on top dominating in so many different areas going for the Stormbreaker and then Zach counters it into that Cobra twist getting the ref stoppage at the end finishing it with the same move that he beat him in the G1 like the previous year and then he's like literally just sneaked this win through the back door and just been like totally cocky and totally in Will's face about it all it was just a great, great match. You know, I gave it four and a half. It's, you know, it's averaging out at about 4.39 on the, on, on the app. So like I say, I've gone, gone higher with it there, but it was just, it was just one where there were obviously, the chemistry obviously between them was, was, was really good. It, the, the structure of the match was really good. It was, um, you know, it went under half an hour. So it wasn't like a ridiculously long match by, by any means, but you know, everything just felt like well-placed and it just, just told that, that story really well. And, and I think just the ending, just, just, just the way with Zach just sneaking the win, it just just added something there to to, to the end, especially with with what had gone before, really. So um, that's that's my number nine. Gareth, uh, that didn't make my list, but that was one of the aforementioned two five star matches that I have, which didn't make the list. Uh, I really wanted to, to get it on there. It was just one that I. I, I just I, I felt so distant from it. Well, like that was really the reason I cut it was uh, as stupid as this sounds. Like it, it doesn't. I just don't really associate it with this year anymore. It's like a stupid reason. I was I was I was really grasping at straws to get um to to get to narrow my my list down. But that was yeah. It just. I could I can't come up with a, a real fault for it. It's it's an incredible match. Yeah. Just two guys who I've always felt as as much praise as their matches have gotten. 
I've always felt they've almost had underrated chemistry together. And people don't really, especially before this year when they had the big Rev Pro match, mm. people never really talked about that as one of the great feuds of the era. But mm-hmm. like when I think of like the, the British boom, the US indie boom of like 2014 on to 2019, um, that's one of the best in-ring feuds for me because the match they had in progress, I think two matches they had in progress, the several matches they had in Rev Pro. Yeah. And it just uh oh, the Evolve match they had at Mania Weekend, the WXW match they had. I think they even had a PWG Bola match. God, those guys are just magic together every single time. And they've just got perfect chemistry of of the the flyer and the grappler, but eventually the 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 flyer and will becoming um a lot for zach to handle on the mass and in terms of strikes he was able to give as good as he got and then you saw in their last couple of matches zach having to resort to uh fly himself because will had um it kind of become his equal in zach's world so a hell of a, a feud between those guys that Sapporo match i preferred it to the the rev pro match but then again, the the old Rev Pro production oftentimes will will take oh. things down a notch. You guys were there; I'd have killed to have been there live. I'd say if I was there live, it probably was a lot closer between the two matches than than I would have them in my head. I think that's it. I think the people who were there live are always going to pick that Rev Pro match. I think mostly. Although saying that, <laughs> I went in with that bias to my rewatch, and I went in at number nine with exactly the same match as Gareth, the, the Zack Sabre Jr. Osprey <laughs> match from New Japan. Uh, we're going to have a lot of this as we go through the show. Um, and yeah, I struggled with which of the two matches to to go forward with. They were both floating around the 10 and 9 points um, for me. Um, and if anything, for variety, I ended up going with one over the other. And I wonder whether I, have I overcorrected, you know, for live bias, you know, for that Rev Pro match because Alan's right. I I rewatched that today and I really struggled. I just think that it was as good as I don't want to say too much because I'm guessing Gareth's gonna have more to say about that in a bit. But I do think it it really suffers for for the worldwide <laughs> audience and for the rewatch audience, which I I was one of um, this weekend to to get into it as much as I got into that New Japan match, but. I do think it's a bit of a gimme, like you both said there. The, the chemistry between these two is always, it's always off the charts. I always feel like, I suppose you'd have a match like this, and sometimes we tend to this about Osprey's G1. There were matches where Osprey, say for example, tried to force Ishii into having the Osprey match, and it was good. But it wasn't going to be as good as Osprey doing the Ishii match. I think it, Osprey slotting into that formula would have been far better. I think with Zack Sabre, you don't so much get that problem. I think Zack Sabre Jr. is probably the best in the world at working with Osprey. Um, and I think it, this, this, the, the New Japan match, I think, over and above the two of them, is more of a Zack Sabre Jr. style match. But it's still got, you know, all of the great, you know, Osprey spots that you want. And it's still got him as the great, pretty much, you know, underdog babyface in the match as well. But you get across both, really, as well. But, yeah, there is just something about their chemistry and how, how, again, no waste of motion. I think that's been a big thing for me this year, especially, you know, when it comes to rewatch season, especially in a year where it's been a tough year. Matches that that slot in and don't outstay the welcome and don't go 40 minutes for the sake of 40 minutes and matches where there isn't, you know, as James will always say, 20 minutes of, of doing nothing before we actually, actually get to the meat of the match. You don't get that. Hey, with Jamesy, Jamesy had uh, that Go Shiozaki match with 30 minutes of staring <laughs> on his list, so he can't talk oh, about well, that. I'll do it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now I want to know if he had the match with the dog by the pond. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you might have the fiend in there if he's going down this. <laughs> oh, the yeah. Uh, what was the WrestleMania match? I'm guessing it's not going to be on no one's list. The uh, the fiend and Cena. The uh, not even a match. The uh, the angle. The, what was it? Mm. House of I, I haven't seen that. I still just am piecing together in my mind what that was from the reviews I heard and did like a vague uh, alluding to it that happened on podcasts in the week or so after it happened. I still don't know what actually happened there. It's just some weird fever dream thing or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you you've pretty much it. described it in a nutshell, though. Really, isn't it? <laughs> It's about fairly accurate, that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, well, uh, speaking of, and uh, I can't imagine any of our clips have, uh, have got this in it, but, yeah, we're going to, uh, before we get into our, our number eight picks, let's uh, let's go to the people. Uh, we've got some clips here from uh, some friends of the show uh, giving us their picks for Match of the Year. Hello, everyone. Jamesy here from the Boots and Trunks podcast on the We Don't Know Wrestling Podcast Network. In a year when my wrestling viewing was extremely curtailed for a number of reasons, my match of the year is a little out of left field. 2020 was a year when the COVID pandemic forced wrestlers to adapt to wrestling in empty arenas. Many failed miserably, others continued to wrestle in exactly the same way as before, whereas a select few showed the ability to think outside the box and do something different. No match epitomised this better than the meeting of Go Shiyazaki and Kazuyuki Fujita in Pro Wrestling Noah on the 29th of March. Taking advantage of this silent, empty venue, the 30-minute stare-down was an incredibly daring way to start a match, and yet also strangely compelling. The ace of the company, Go, standing defiantly upon the Pro Wrestling Noah mat, as he is circled and stalked by the unpredictable invader, is a scene that will live long in the memory. Once the action started, it was a hard-wrestle match with stiff strikes and wild brawling all over Corican Hall. Fujita spraying hand sanitizer into Go's eyes with his mouth is one of the most hilarious 2020 specific spots of the year. Last year was an extraordinary year like none other in history, and it is only an, it is only appropriate that the match of the year for 2020 also be an extraordinary match unlike any other in history. Hey guys, Ian Hamilton from 411 Wrestling and Back Body Drop here. I've been asked by Ben and the gang to drop in my two pennies for the match of the year, because 2020 has been a very trying year for everybody's fandom. I want to go back to the last big weekend we had before everything went to hell. There were a few choices from that weekend, with Daisuke Ikeda and Yuki Ishikawa's attempt at GBH coming close, but I'm going to go for a little bit later that day. Saturday night, March 7, 2020, 1,600 fans packed into the Turbine Hall in Oberhausen. Likely the last time we'll be seeing those numbers, or even wrestlers slapping kicking hands on the way to the ring, or even back close to the ring. Yep, it's the 16 carat gold quarterfinal between Speedball Mike Bailey and Bandido. A first time match, but at points it felt like it was the latest part in a long series, such was the way they meshed throughout. Yeah, the flippy style may not be for everyone, and a lot of people may prefer the Ikeda Ishikawa match the same day. I don't blame, it's a coin flip for me. But for live bias and memories of coins and notes showering the ring afterwards, and also with what else was going on in the world for time, worries of pandemic encroaching on us, if you can't get swept away by something like that live, then I don't know what to say. I want to thank Ben and everyone for having me on. You can see the review of that match over on backbodydrop.com, the rest of my stuff over on 411mania.com slash wrestling, or you can follow me on Twitter at IanWrestling. Thanks very much, guys, and here's to a much better 2021. 
Hello, Gareth JP and Benno. This is Alan Cheapshot, and I just thought I'd leave you a voicemail with my 2020 match of the year. It's been a very weird year. Plenty of choice still to pick from. My match of the year has got to be Volta versus Ilya Dragunov from NXT UK, episode 116. What a great match. Absolutely fantastic. I like the icing on the cake for their their like four or five matches that they've had. Awesome stuff and something to stand out from the standard patterned WWE style. Great to see. Hard hitting. Pretty safe, but still, whoa. And you know what I mean? It was uh, edgy seat stuff. But yeah, that's definitely my match of the year, guys. Hi, everybody. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting from Post Wrestling. And hello to the Grapple Spotlight universe as we say goodbye to 2020. Uh, I thought we were already done with this year. But, uh, you know, it's always a good time to revisit, especially the best parts of it from a wrestling standpoint. So, Benno, JP, and Gareth, here are our best matches, our matches of the year from the past year let me go first john because my match of the year i have to go back to aew aew revolution from chicago illinois february 29th uh you know we review so many things john you and i that i really after watching a pay-per-view want to come home and watch more wrestling but for this particular match between the Young Bucks and Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, right after recording with you, I immediately sat down in front of my TV and rewatched this thing. That's how much I enjoyed it. This tag match was, to me, a spiritual successor to the Golden Lumbers versus Young Bucks, which was my match of the year a few years back. This one, still a great combination as of storytelling, technique, and athleticism. You told the story of Adam Page being the elite member who feel, feels left out, even by his own tag team partner, and in doing so, created a, just a star-making performance from him. Uh, great use of Matt Jackson's lower back pain as a device. And this thing just escalated from a friendly rivalry into a war with the heels almost turning part heel with the Bucks almost turning heel partway through using the golden trigger on Kenny Omega as my favorite moment of the match. So uh, that was definitely my favorite match of the past year. Uh, It was my match of the year as well. I thought that this was a a tag match that for this generation is one that I think is going to stand the test of time of just a a completely riveting match that to me, the time was never a factor to it. it. It built so well. And I think it was the very best of those competing storylines all coming together in that match where I think everything hit to such a degree. And I think that that's where a lot of the criticism came later in the year with the buildup of the Young Bucks and FTR was that you could see they were going for something similar. And I think really missed the mark. And you had that comparison point to February, which was a high bar uh, to reach Uh, a few other matches that I'm just going to throw out there Uh, in terms of one of the best women's matches I saw this year. uh, That would be Mayu Iwatani and Takumi Arroyo back in February uh, the 8th at Cora Kewen Hall, just a spectacular match of Aroha as the late replacement coming in and then winning the non-title match against Mayu Iwatani, who is one of the best underdogs, baby faces in the industry regardless of gender and i'll end it with the best live match that i saw this year and that is going back to wrestle kingdom 14 the first night uh kazuchika okada and kota Ibushi, which was one that set the bar very high four days into the year and certainly i think there's a bias that being there live added something atmosphere wise right from the entrance that Okada provided that set the scene that this felt like such an incredible match. And then we got the 
just the ebbs and flows of the match that saw Killer Coda come out and such a a brilliant match between these two uh, that set up the double championship match for the next night with Abushi and Naito. But those would so- certainly be uh, matches on my short list this year. All right. Well, that's it from us. You can check out all our shows at postwrestling.com. But for now, we send it back to you guys at Grapple. Right, thanks to uh, to everybody uh, who sent in their clips there. Uh, but yeah, for us, let's move on. We're going to get into our, our number eight and uh, uh, let's go for it. Alan, number eight for 2020. Number eight for me, it's, it's, it's one that I'm, as I mentioned earlier, I'm giving this one props for being one of the matches which got the most out of a clap crowd and really making Cork and Hall feel like Cork and Hall, or at least have the Cork and Hall magic, even if it didn't have the same kind of Cork and Hall atmosphere. Um, this was the champion carnival final between Kento Miyahara and Zeus, and an incredible performance from both men. Miyahara was someone who I'd been disappointed with in the champion carnival up to that point. Just kind of felt like he wasn't taking it seriously. He was kind of um, just in second gear throughout the whole thing. Zeus was someone who had had a lot of short matches in it, so I couldn't really get a gauge on, on where he was at. But these two guys just went out in the final and just totally exceeded anything else that had been done in the tournament up to that point. Um, Zeus is a wrestler. If you've not seen much of him, he's someone who, in the right spot, can use his. I, I, I don't want to do him a disservice here by like talking about like limited abilities. He's, he's not a traditionally. He's not your traditionally great wrestler. He's kind of awkward in his movements. He's a bit muscle bound, but when the, the he's someone who has great support from the crowd and he has great charisma and fire and he's capable of doing great things when the, the situation calls for it and he really went out here with his heart on the line in this match you could tell the guy put his everything into this match and he had obviously one of the best dance partners you could have for a big epic match and, and they just threw it down um, with uh, some near falls that had me I watched this thing live and I was jumping jumping out of my seat at like 10 a.m. on a Monday morning <laughs> starting the work week uh, <laughs> one of the definite perks of uh, of working the work from home era there's a champion carnival <laughs> final on live in Japan you can oh maybe I'll you know start work at 11 and then go on a bit late this evening um, so yeah it's it, it, it's it's uh, this was this was great. I, I was jumping up and down for it. There's one near fall towards the end that they totally got me on, and I rewatched this uh, um, just the other night because Sarah wanted to rewatch it for her list, and um, the same near fall got me again. Um, it's a, they did a great job. Um, Miyahara is just a tremendous wrestler, and he's he kept this match in his back pocket for a lot of the year. He was judicious in terms of when he broke out his, his best stuff 2020 and who can blame the guy with the year that was in it. But he showed here like uh, maybe a guy in a similar role in new Japan. He bided his time. And when the, the 
spot called for it he was there and ready to have an incredible match so um yeah kento miyahara as good as ever and i'm sure when things get back to normal we'll be talking about him as, as one of the best in the world routinely having matches of this level month in month out once again so um great stuff from from all japan i mean that that was one there that you know when i'm putting together the grapple 100 like that was in there at number 13 and i was thinking like oh i really need to watch this match kind of before the show and it's just one of those that i just never got around to you know around around, around to watching because clearly you know people who are rating all japan stuff on the app have obviously you know rated it um rated it very highly there you know it's got an average of you know 4.4 or 8 so you know nearly 100 people rating that and you know getting that level of rating it just just shows how well it was enjoyed and again thinking of this coming and the, the time of year that this came in as well if with it been been October and one of these matches that's sort of towards the the the, the back half of the year, you know, it was definitely one of the uh, definitely one of the top matches that we had in the in the last three or three or four months of the year as well. So yeah, and so it was during the G one as well. So it, it had a lot of a lot of other things to kind of pull people's attention at the same time. There was N one, there was G one, there was obviously all the usual US stuff that was happening. So it um it, it managed to do well in the tough spot. I, I could remember last year, I think we went in with a few Kento Miyahara matches. Oh, he was on real last year. He was. He had a ridiculous 20, 2019. It's, it's it's just a shame, I suppose, in some ways, because I got round to seeing this that little bit later, and it was just outside my top 10. I think I had it probably, like, it was when I had a sort of top 20, it was there, and it was one of the ones that ended up making a cull. Completely agree with you. There is something about... Zeus's movement because he walked like you say muscle band and walks so awkwardly but he always has just that like one absolute belter a year you're going to get that out of him if you put him into into those matches and I think like you say I mean one of the one of my great hopes is that 2021 is that all Japan kind of get themselves back on track um like kind of booking wise and going with some new stars that's obviously a shout out for Shitaro Ashino who spent a lot of money on Arsenal merch by the looks of it. Like stuff I've looked, I've gone, that's casually a hundred quid, mate. Really? Pandemic? Okay. But if he can beat Suwama, I'd be very happy about that because if then that's setting up someone else that Kenta Miyahara can have a big feud against, who's a fresh face at the top, I think that'd be great. Now that'll help elevate it. But this for me was I'm trying to think of the other things from 2020 involving all Japan. This for me, I think was the, was the highlight in ring. I mean, it's it's one of them. When, when you think of like Miyahara, he was probably the, I don't know, it was, it was almost sort of like the hidden gem of the, the 100 last year. Like nine of the 100 matches in last year's Grapple 100 were, were Miyahara matches. So if you think essentially bordering on like 10% of matches been Kento Miyahara matches that made the Grapple 100, that was like pretty pretty ridiculous. And it shows, you know, what, what he can do. And then if you like singled out matches that ranked at 4.5 or higher, he was second in the list on that one again. So it just shows, you know, the the level that he can, that he can operate and what he can get out of his, you know, varied opponents that he worked with as well really so again I think it's one of those where this year as you hope that the crowds come back and you know getting into different programs and maybe some different opponents you know we might see um, you know especially with more events as well there this year we might see Miyahara kind of nudging at that top end a bit more than he has done in yeah. 2020 He's been missed. It. He'll be Mr. Grapple uh, by the end of, uh, of 2022. That's the uh, that's the bet. Um, I do notice that though. Like I think like all Japan's like it's the type of thing, Gareth, and it where you put it on Grapple, and like maybe when you put it on, you probably thought, oh, you know, 
is this going to do MLW TV level ratings where hey. three, three people in JP rate uh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Listen, mate, the feedback we got for that last podcast, there was a lot of negativity towards that last thing. And they, and they were wrong. It's the people. <laughs> I mean, I think it's well, unlucky that I think Hammerstone versus Mads Kruger was going to be knocking on my top, top ten. It might be at the end of this year as well. JP, I, I bought what you were selling. I, I didn't check out the show, but you you intrigued me. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a good salesman, JP. You're a good salesman. Uh, I'll try. Not really, though. Not really, though, because I didn't watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, me neither. I'll, I'll, carry, I'll carry on. I'm willing. I'm willing to plow this lo- lonely furrow. Maybe it's the the impact replacement I've been looking for all my life. The TNA replacement, but it's also kind of sleazy, which I do like about it. No, no, you're you're right though, Benno. There with with all Japan, especially because it is it is it's one of those that when I added it to the app, I was a bit like, I was a bit unsure. I was thinking, uh, you know, there's you know Noah and Dragon Gate seem to get a bit more talk than all Japan, really. But that, but you know, it does. You know, it seems to have a consistent base of people. You know, rating their rating their stuff that are watching it relatively regularly. Like I say, obviously Miyahara did well last year. Again, like all Japan was second highest in terms of promotions that were represented in the Grapple 100 last year as well, you know, so, you know, right behind New Japan there as well, which if you think the volume of stuff that was out there last year with good stuff happening in NXT and then in the European Indies and things like that, and then obviously uh, AEW emerging as well, for, for all Japan to be, be that high last year, you know, it just sh- just shows the, the quality that they've got there and, you know, like I always say, if you put good stuff out there and it gets buzz about it, people will watch it and that's what people were doing last year and I'm certain people will do it again. I can see a grapple sponsorship in uh, in some people's future there. Maybe get it on the tights, you know, if there's a, <laughs> there's a connection there. I was, I was uh, thinking about the other way. They could just send me one of them T-shirts with that great old Japan <laughs> world logo or something like that. Sponsor story. <laughs> the other way around. <laughs> I want the Shitara Shino Masters of Suplex in the Masters, Master of Puppets font. That's good. <laughs> Uh, oh uh, yeah, we actually are, we're on to you, JP. What's your uh, what's oh. your number eight? And uh, you know, I'm guessing MLW Impact. Uh, it's, it isn't. It's still AEW, and I was oh. kind of even surprised myself about this because this is this is from Full Gear, and it's the tag match between FTR and the Young Bucks. And I went back and had uh, a rewatch of this, and I absolutely loved it. And again. There is a lot of nostalgia going around on this match. And it's a kind of match where you watch it for the first sort of 10 minutes and you're like, yeah, this should be better than what it is. But then it just gets better and better and better. And it builds to like a kind of absolute crescendo. And there's just the sequence when they're going through old tag spots. They're doing like the Steiner Bulldog off the top or the the heart attack and the 3D. And they're using all these tag moves against it. And it is kind of ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. But it's this whole idea of we are the two best tag teams in the world and we can do anyone else's moves throughout it. Um, it was like, it, I mean, it's very much like a kind of like a, a, a pissing contest. But I really enjoyed the kind of the way that it, it Matt Jackson selling as well. There's some great stuff. He's selling the ankle, which this man is just like, I don't know. He's like... Um, it's very weird. He's, he's having to sell his neck, his lower back and his ankle kind of at various points throughout this, which he's completely great at. And I thought what I really liked at the end is the fact that Cash Wheeler goes for a very much a Young Bucks type move, a 450. And that's the downfall and he gets hit. 
and whilst at the same time there are there are moments where they're doing proper tag team things so there's um one of the spots where um uh, i think i can't remember the bald one is doing the pin is that dax is it cash i can't remember that's probably i thought you meant the game. bald young book because then i still didn't well, know <laughs> naughty um <laughs> And then the other lad with hair dives through the rope. I'm going to say Cash. I'm just going to assume it's him. And he just dives through the ropes, takes out um, Nick Jackson off off the apron so he can't dive in there to save the pin. And he's just thinking, yes, this is great. It, it, it's almost the second time around. I just thought, oh, God, I, it sounds like such a sort of a, like kind of smart fan cliche. But the psychology, it, 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 it kind of worked, even though it was ridiculous at points. That, like the whole idea of this pissing contest and kind of proving that oh, we're going to out tag team move you and the Bucks way of doing it, it was these flashy double team spots. Whereas FTR's way of doing it is kind of doing quite short, efficient moves and then take out the other person and drag them over to the corner. And I love that shit because I love early, late eighties, early nineties, WCW. And I'm there going, yes, and when I rewatched this, doing on my rewatch, I didn't expect to kind of have it there. I liked it at the time, 4.25, but I kind of found myself loving it even more and sort of bumped it up to four and a half. So, yeah, I put that in at number eight. It's funny, that, because my memory of that is it being not good. But I look at my rating and it's, I didn't give it a not good rating. I still went four stars. You know? yeah. um, and you went 4.25 at the time. And I, my memory of that is I was on the podcast going how disappointed we were. Um, but you know that doesn't necessarily, and maybe expectation versus reality might yeah. might play into that a little bit. I mean, I know there's people out there who call that a five star match. Who, you know, there's another AW tag match that I would say is closer to a five star mm-hmm. match than that one. Um, didn't really even enter my consideration as far as my top ten goes. I just had it on my. If if at the end we have time to like say biggest disappointments or things we expected to make it that didn't, it was gonna be on my list. So yeah, maybe you've uh, you've talked me around a little bit there, JP. Anyone else consider? It's, I didn't consider it, but and I haven't really watched it, but it's yeah, when I'm looking here, it's like the second best tag team match of the year on the app in terms of ratings. Um, so, you know, again, and like, as I look at the 100, it's number 24 on the Grapple 100 as well, average of 4.39. So, you know, there's that's, you know, over 500 people rating that. So that's a, a lot of love for it. You also wonder without COVID whether or not FTR, I would have assumed FTR would have been going over to New Japan at some point. And if you're hoping to try and get anything out of that division, I think they'd be in there to try and absolutely work their socks off just for the, the, obviously the prestige of it as well. Um, And also as well, really nice undercurrent. You've got FTR in green and white and the bucks are kind of in um, purple and yellow. So they're going for this Lakers Celtics vibe, which then reminded me about one of the very few other um, bright spots from, um, from the uh, COVID period and lockdown. And that was the last dance on Netflix, which I feel like, you know, if you're thinking of up things, you know, things that are well worth it in 2020, the last dance. And where's the Man United version of that as well? Because that just needs to happen. <laughs> anyway, go number eight. FTR versus the Young Bucks. <laughs> I, I, was with, I, was, I was with you until Man United there. We, uh, yeah. I've, I've just finished uh, my Sopranos Team rewatch. Like, <laughs> just, just finished the Sopranos rewatch and I, I haven't watched The Last Dance myself. I was saying to Sarah, come on, you need to finally watch this. So you know, I'm hoping to do even a rewatch of that just like 12 months later. So uh, absolute gold. That was, that, was my, that was my number one TV last year anyway. But we're not doing TV lists, are we? No. We're doing wrestling lists. Yes. <laughs> Very true. Uh, speaking of which, Gareth, you're number eight. 
Yeah, it's already been mentioned. JP uh, came up with it before. It's the uh, it's the Ironman match between Kenny Omega and Pack on on Dynamite. I, I don't think there's a huge amount more I can add to it to, to, than what JP said. But you know, just really just reiterating you know some of the key points there. I thought they just had awesome chemistry between them. It was just as slick as anything. It was just as like so smooth the way ever, everything worked between them. But I think most importantly, like. You know, going back to what JB said, it was just the match structure. I think the way that they they worked it out there, and I think the the strategy of Pack, and I think with the the neck work, the logic behind it, and things that Pack did there. But you know, the 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 heel work and the way that he worked the crowd around that. But ultimately, coming down to that spot where he he got disqualified with the chair to make you know, you know to. Um, inflict as much damage to Kenny Omega as he possibly could to put himself in a positive situation to, um, you know, to, to ultimately like go on and win the match. And it, it was just, it was just good to see that worked in the, in, in, in the way it was, especially with him, you know, getting the pin himself, you know, very soon after that, after that, uh, um, and, um, you know, just, just, just working through to the, to the end of the end of the match there. It was, it was just one of those that, I probably haven't thought about again until I kind of up, like you said before, Benny. It's kind of a bit like overshadowed by the pay per view that came at the end of that end of that week. But you know, when I was watching that, you know, and I alluded to it earlier, watching TV wrestling, seeing just like crowds going mad in an arena for TV wrestling, you know, the crowd reacting the right way. Kenny Omega being over as fuck as a face at that time, kind of thing. It was just a, it was. It was jarring. It was really, really jarring. And it was just like such a positive to positive to see. And you know, it was it was one of them where the thirty minutes just absolutely flew by. It was an absolute breeze to watch that. And you know, it was uh, it was one that if uh, if anybody hasn't seen, urge you to just go out and go out and watch that. Absolutely. Uh, my number eight then, uh, JP. You'd be proud of me, mate. I'm going to Impact Wrestling. I didn't expect it to sneak in. It made it. And again, I think it's crowd. I think it's time and place. Uh, people might remember me talking about this one in Jan- in January on a, on our short lived match of the month podcast. Just about slipped in, and it's the only match on my list. I don't know if anyone's going to have any uh, women's matches on the list, but it's the it's the one match with a woman in it, and it's uh, Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard. It is the only intergender match I would consider. I would, for my money, we watching this one today. Probably my favourite intergender match of all time. Problem with it, two very, very terrible people in the match, which gave me... It did give me pause, you know, do you include it? Unfortunately, there's a lot of terrible people, unfortunately, in the uh, in the Grapple 100 and uh, and beyond as well. But looking at it as a, as a piece of business from January, um, yeah, it stuck in my brain then, and it is a match that, that stuck with me throughout the year. Their feud stuck with me throughout, and... It is as good a heel, straight heel babyface match as I think is going to be on on anyone's list this year. Um, Sammy Callahan, whether you believe, you probably believe it because he is, but he is an absolute piece of shit in this match. You know, the, as far as like you know, working working apart, Tessa Blanchard. You know, there is you know limb work in there, which I think, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll make James a little bit partial to in part of this match. But there's also just being him a disgusting bastard with all his, you know, his, he. He's in there in an intergender match. He's saying that, you know, Tessa Blanchard shouldn't be in this match with him. And then, you know, he's spitting at her and he's pulling her hair and he's, you know, getting into the crowd and he's just being an absolutely detestable piece of shit. And Tessa Blanchard, for a part, on a weekend where all of those Tessa Blanchard stories did break, 
this match should have fell apart for that reason, um, for for you know the real life story that surrounded it, but they still made it work. Uh, that is the story of Tessa Blanchard's career. Like I think she's as good a, a woman's wrestler as the US has. Unfortunately, she's probably never going to get picked up anywhere, or maybe you could say fortunately because uh, of the outside the ring issue she has. But this match is the one where, like, if you were ever in doubt of, you know, Impact putting the title on her or, you know, her being in that prominent position in Impact or just generally her as a performer, she is absolutely incredible in this match. It's selling up there with selling that I've seen in any other match this year um, as far as limb selling or just as, as far as selling the near falls too it was a match when I watched it live I bit on every near fall and re-watching it well, well expected this one to go in my honor- honorary mentions but a bit on every near fall again as well um, it's every bit the four and a half star match four and a half star match that I, that I pegged it as um, again uh, I know it's one that uh, I've seen it sneak into a couple of people's lists uh, at the tail end of nine or ten but it's impact, isn't it, JP? So you know, mm. if this fell under everyone's radar, it wouldn't shock me. Um, but yeah, one of my, one of my favourite matches of the year, and yeah, just a, a great performance from uh, from two wrestlers there. And it's it's the impact match of the year again. When you look at like the ratings on the app, it's it's the only match mm. from Impact that averages out at four stars or higher. You know, it's it, it missed the missed the top one hundred. It's probably landing at about like hundred and thirty ish, I think, as I as I, as I look at this. But yeah, you know, again, it's one it, it's one of them where you know at the end of the day, if it's the match of the year for a specific promotion kind of thing, then it's obviously you know going to be going to be up there and contender on 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 lists and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously a hit the mark with you, Benno. Yeah, I was going to say, like, as JP will agree, you know, Impact, they hit the mark and they missed the mark a lot. And oh, yeah. one of the few things I think they hit the mark in this last two years was, I think they nailed Sammy Callahan in a way no other promotion has. Uh, and I don't think any of the promotion will again, because um, he's Sammy Callahan. And I think they nailed that, that, that Tessa Blanchard run, which she fucked up through, you know, her own yeah. shittiness. Um, but yeah, it really was. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me, I think, uh, at a lot of uh, Impact fans out there, out there as their match of the year. It kind of went to pieces after that for Impact for a while, didn't it? And then they were trying to rebuild it with Eddie Edwards as champion, and now they've gone in with with Rich Swan. And you mentioned about that. We're not going to talk about the pay per view from the last last weekend, but that's very much like talk about a one match show, which is like that one match is good, and everything else is shit. And that could be Impact summed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can describe it. Any Impact show that that could be our review, and we'd be done. Uh, it's it's just no MLW, is it at the minute? That's, that's... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that is the issue. That is the issue. Uh, Alan, your number, we're over to uh, the number seven now. Uh, your number seven. Back to me. Seven. Yeah, we're moving through it. I'm getting to the middle part of the list. And um, I'm going to throw another one from kind of out of left field that you guys liked the uh, Beyond match earlier. We're going to an obscure promotion. We're going to. 2AW Active Advanced Pro Wrestling, um, the one of the split promotions from the K Dojo split with Takamichinoku creating Just Tap Out and pretty much the rest of the roster creating uh, 2AW. And this was a match from March. I'll get the exact date here now in a sec, but it was uh, their tag team titles and it was the challenging team of. Keiji Tomato and Chango taking on the champions, someone who New Japan fans will be familiar with, Ayato Yoshida, and his tag team partner, Tank Nagai. This was uh, March 25th, uh, was the date on it. And um, yeah, to. 
Uh, one of the reasons I like this match, just to kind of set the scene of it, is it happened in March, and it was right around the time that we were adjusting to what was going on in the world. And it was one of the last shows in Japan that kind of had a normal enough crowd, although a crowd for 2AW in Cork and Hall is pretty much your kind of uh, small COVID era crowd anyway. So it was strange, but they were obviously allowed to make noise. It was before the, the clap crowd restrictions. So it had a great atmosphere and it just kind of felt like when I mentioned earlier about how a lot of wrestling, it was hard for me to get into a lot of current wrestling as we kind of got into the spring because it was like, oh, how much of this is even going to matter? It was This was the perfect thing because it was like nothing in 2AW would matter to me anyway. It's not something I keep up with. It's not something that um, I watch. And it was like a lot of people got in on it at the same time. Voice of Wrestling were talking about 2AW a lot and following this tag title reign that kind of came from this match with Chango and Keiji Tomato. And it, they just had an absolute barnstorm of a tag. Tank and Yoshida are like two athletes in their prime. Great strikers, powerful, great suplexes, fast, strong, everything you'd want. And then on the other side, the challengers are these two scutty little fellas who have absolutely, they, they, they don't have much going for them. No look, no size. Um, they've got speed. They've got the speed, but like the, their opponents are just as fast, but twice the size. So you really don't see how they're going to fare in this match or how, how they could possibly measure up to the champions. But through their veteran experience and their trickery, they managed to catch the champions off guard enough times to kind of create windows of opportunity for themselves and ultimately jump through that window and get a big win with the crowd behind them and win the tag team titles. And it was just such an awesome match. I've been a big fan of Kaiji Tomato for a while. People might remember him from when he did the Super J Cup in 2016, I want to say. Um, but he he's someone who pops up at least once a year or so with back when K-Dojo was around with a, a really great performance. I know we had a match against Kengo Mishimo four or five years ago, I want to say, that I have at like four and three quarter stars or something really high like that. He's he's just a guy I've always been a, a real fan of when he when he has his, his, his working boots on and he goes out there and tries to have a kick-ass match. Chango is a dude who is like the bottom of the tier kind of Toriumon um, uh, class that didn't make it into Dragon Gate kind of went away with Ultimo and kind of went into different spots in Japan and, and kind of did different gimmicks over the years. Just a total journeyman. And um, yeah, just a, a, a team that you wouldn't expect much from, but they totally killed it here. And, and this is just a really fun match that you can get in. Even if you know nothing about any of these guys, you can pick this match up cold and you'll instantly get the story and you'll be hooked in and you'll probably enjoy it quite a bit. So a uh, big fan of this one. And um, yeah, for sentimental reasons and just how great of a match it was, I, I got it at seven. And on your radar, JP, you strike me as the only one of us who might have. Oh, I think you're on mute. 
apologies. I was on mute because I was trying to tell my sons to get ready to, to go to bed. It's just terrible. <laughs> Parenting and podcasting at the same time. But it was kind of on the radar because I can remember on, on flagship that they were bringing up 2AW because it was one of the, the – it was just something else. It was something different at this kind of – at the point when everything had faltered. And when it was – Yoshida was brought up and I was thinking, oh, yeah, because obviously he was – he was a young lion, but he wasn't a young lion because he didn't wear black trunks. He wore kind of he wore proper long tights. And then it was like the whole did he leave because of Tacker? Is, is that yeah. right? Yeah. And then there was the whole thing with Tacker as well. And he feels like someone who could be a star. And he kind of felt like he was really getting it together in New Japan. And then it's probably the issue of not having access to it. I, I just never got around to seeing him in 2AW. But I can remember he- hearing and reading things about him being like about this being good, and he would be the reason for it. But I remember this tag match in particular being spoken about. So I'm intrigued to go back because there's, you know, and again I can remember WH talking about it, and then I've kind of wanting to go and see some of the astronaut stuff. So it's like, all right, let's dive into the kind of indie puro tag scene at some point. And it's a global pandemic, so why not now? <laughs> Why not? Uh, Gareth, what's uh, what's your number seven? I'm guessing it's not going to be that. No, it's... Uh, it's oh, what a shame. Alan gave us a hard sell as well. <laughs> I, I can confirm that KG Tomato with his cheerleading tomato routine, uh, he is not a rugby league style wrestler. Oh, <laughs> the tomato maybe thing I remember now from that J-Cup, because I remember being like, everyone yeah. thinking, oh, they're going to have an awesome lineup, and he came out what the fuck is this um, just he, he, he at least he at least uh, er, er, was worth his salt in that thing which is more than you can say for some people in that Super J Cup who just totally shit the bed but yeah that was a uh, we speak of that tournament in, in hushed tones it was uh, not not a good not a good event for New Japan no oh sorry we're getting messy by the way it's JP next JP hey. <laughs> you're number seven that's alright um, so for number seven here I've gone for, and I'm sure everyone else is going to have this a lot higher than me, but I went back and I, I rewatched it. I had Walter versus Ilya Dragunov um, at number seven. I went to four and a half on this, and I think I was able to concentrate on it when I watched it this weekend. And I think it was the first time, like when they had that early kind of strike exchange and the sheer sort of stiffness of it I kind of felt more absorbed into the match because I think last time I'd probably try to rush it in watching it before watching the show and then kind of possibly the contrarian in me was like ah it was good but maybe it wasn't that great I felt like I was kind of missing something from it and I said I'd go back and rewatch it so I did and my god it was it was one of the, those occasions where it worked so much better for not having a crowd there although they have that awful tinned crowd and I think there's things the commentators still do my fucking heads in during this match. But I, and I can remember both of you saying at the time, this just feels like this just belongs to an entirely different company. And it's just put into a WWE setting and they're not noticing a hard camera or stuff like that. They are just straight into it. And it's absolutely intense. Um, and yeah, the, the way Ilya was selling the neck throughout some of the bumps he was taking were absolutely horrific. Um, just Walter as the nasty bully, but I like the fact that he, you know, he'll he'll push the rules, but he's not he's not directly cheating. He's just a dominant heel bully champ who knows he's great and will display that the whole time. Um and yeah, and, and I love their their kind of intensity and speaking to each other at the same time, shouting each other in German. 
and I just sort of thought I'm more interested in that than the actual English speaking commentary where hearing McGuinness mention the words championship opportunity and you're like for fuck's sakes here we go but it's like WWE even WWE can't ruin this yeah like and in some ways, like, you know, there's there's so much about, like, the kind of setting and everything else I don't like, but they don't. So, yeah, and, and other people will have this high up. I completely get why. There are things about it and the kind of story and the kind of circumstances which don't take it to that kind of great match level. But these two, the match they actually have in the ring is a great match. I do remember when we reviewed it, you being the low man on the podcast. Mm. I don't know if you're going to be the absolute low man, but... You're one of the low men, is all I will say. Yeah, yeah. I, fig- I figured that would be the case. I completely get why. I'll save my takes. <laughs> uh, Gareth, your number seven. My number seven is a match that I probably thought was going to be higher on my list, but on a rewatch and then especially like comparing it to some of the other stuff that I've watched, I'm kind of almost like surprised myself to see it at number seven, but uh, that's that's where it lands. It's uh, Hiromu Takahashi against Will Ospreay from Wrestle Kingdom. And um, oh, wow. it's, it's a match that, you know, at the time, um, I gave 4.75 for. Um, it's, you know, it's got 4.76 on the app. Um, I think, you know, obviously it had a lot that was like tied into the emotion of the occasion of it being like Hiromu's singles return. And, you know, there was like a very sort of clear connection with the crowd, which again, I think, you know, again, harking back to these pre-COVID days, it was something that really kind of jumped out and it was like really noticeable with that. And, you know, I think it definitely shone through as throughout this match, Osprey targeted the neck and, you know, whether he was stomping on the neck or whether he was applying submissions or, um, you know, it was, it, it, it was, you know, going for the neck crank and things like that. You know, you very much like heard it in the, in the, in the crowd. And, you know, I, I can, you know, one of the things that I remember from back then from the first watch that, that I, that sort of made me laugh watching it again this time was Osprey climbing the ropes with Hiromu on his shoulders and there's that real kind of like audible like oh like nervous caution from the crowd kind of thing like they were absolutely shitting themselves with what this might mean for poor Hiromu and his and his neck um, he managed to 360 out of it and uh, you know <laughs> save the situation but it was one of those where you just you just knew that they absolutely had the crowd in the palm of their hands and just going along on this ride and going along on this journey with um with the uh, the whole story of Hiromu's neck and you know I, th- I, th- I think you know when you look back as you'd expect to probably see with with Osprey and Hiromu there's just some great sequences in there as well of you know just the different spots that they you know put together where you're, you're getting you know Osprey pulling out the greatest hits and you're getting Hiromu pulling out some of his but you know there was that sequence where Osprey went for the Sasuke special and yeah. Hiromu stepped back and then they went for the German and Osprey flipped out and he ran at Hiromu went for the belly to belly threw him in the ring and Osprey came back and landed the Sasuke special it was as slick as anything you you'll ever see in wrestling it was just absolute just the timing just the working together it was just it was so smooth and it was it was absolutely you know fantastic for you know for for working with a with a spot like that but I, but I think one of the things again that really sort of stood out with me was um 
it was the pieces between that, I think, that sort of held it together. It wasn't just a series of big spots. There was aggression there. There was, like, real impact in between the spotty bits, you know, like I say, when when Osprey was attacking the neck and targeting it, whether it was with strikes, with knees, with kicks, with submissions and things like that. There was that natural aggression in between. And likewise, the fire that Hiromu had when he was making some of the short comebacks as well that he that he had during that, during that period as well. It, it wasn't something that, you know, look like a dance which will turn me off for this type of match you know it was a it was a genuine contest and two guys fighting their hardest to to win the match and um like i say i was surprised to see it as low as seven almost on on my list but you know it was a great fucking match there was just six matches that i liked better it was my other five-star match that didn't make my list. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, again, like, I'll echo everything Garrett said about how great it was. Um, yeah, just uh, unfortunately didn't make my cut. But, uh, yeah, an amazing match. See, there's competition still, even even in a pandemic. Um, it's going to be coming later for me. Later for you as well, JP? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. We'll come back. We'll come. We'll, we'll circle back around. Um, yeah, it's... Um, you know, we're in a pandemic, but still, there's still options, uh, is what we're <laughs> learning here. <laughs> uh, my number seven, uh, it is, I will say, that it comes with a degree of heavy live bias. Um, the best live match I saw this year, uh, and one of the last live matches I saw this year, uh, Daisuke Ikeda versus Yuki Ishikawa. Yes. Um, WXW's ambition. <laughs> it is not a match that would would probably even would crack my top 10 or not even that it's not the type of match that i suppose would be on my radar in a normal year but i think being there live and getting to see that i'm not rubbing it in alan you know we said earlier <laughs> you made the right decision mate you avoided the covid that match is my my big regret i, I watched speedball band i watched speedball bandito the other day and i was like yeah I'm, I'm happy with my decision i, I don't feel i missed the, the the greatest thing of all time there but when i watched uh ishikawa and akeda i was i was pretty salty i wasn't there yeah, yeah, that's it. I think the, the, for you know the likes of you and Jamesy and others. Jamesy was over at my house that night. Jamesy came oh. over to because Jamesy also he has a, a, a job working w- with the public and in the medical field, so he uh, he went with the sensible route and decided not to to go. So we uh, we decided to. He came over to my house and uh, we watched a bit of wrestling, and the two of us were there. Uh, absolutely salty beyond belief as we were hearing about the things coming in about Ishikawa and Ikeda. They did not... That was... You know, it was you know not to make you even more jealous, but it was it was the match everyone came up came away from like the, the day and I think the weekend talking about for that reason. Because, that spin yeah, kick. Oh, mate! It was just it, it basically if people haven't seen it, it's just two old men beating the fucking shit out of each other. And you're right, that's been. I was watching from like the balcony in the turban hall, and I had the perfect yeah. view with that kick. It was oh, like I, I it was funny because I was up at the top, kind of loving every moment of it, and I was stood next to Alan Cheapshot, who was not the hugest <laughs> fan of it, because. I can tell you for for absolute certain they were they were beating ten stages of shit out of each other. There was there was an amount of work to it, but there wasn't a huge amount of uh, of pulling of uh, of some of the strikes in this thing. And it was interesting as well. It came on the same day as getting to see you know the young guns go go against each other in a you know any you do if I shoot style rule whatever rules you know ambition rules uh, however you want to put it you know and it was kind of interesting seeing like one end of the wrestling spectrum and you know the other end of the wrestling spectrum with two lads who you know put them together 
probably wouldn't meet the age of, uh, <laughs> of one of these two. Um, and yeah, it was just that. It was that spectacle of just brutalizing each other, you know, all of the strikes, all of the headbutts, you know, but all of the great, again, selling is a key word here, all of the great selling. And you can see it on, you know, again, bias being their lives, see it on their faces. Every little bit of the match means something. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, after the match, I went to the McDonald's in Oberhausen and got to see uh, Daisuke Ikeda with a little plaster on his forehead at the uh, at the McDonald's self-same machine trying to get himself a milkshake. And as, he, as he turned around and he left, he, uh, he gave me a little nod and I gave him a nod back, you know. He did. <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna turn up on this guy's uh, top ten match. Uh, I hope you bought his McDonald's for him after that. <laughs> he'd already. I'm afraid he's already. I mean, I, I feel like the issue with that McDonald's, it's it's already a problem of uh, there's already <laughs> language issues there. Adding adding that into it and me trying to explain that, I don't think it'd work. Oh, unfortunately, oh yeah, you yeah. have to settle for the for the manly nod. Um, but yeah, I saw that and I saw fucking Yuki Ishikawa like literally struggling to get to the car after after the match and after the show like struggling across that car park in Oberhausen and you know barely being able to take his own suitcase never mind walk. that's a pretty it's a pretty and dicey car much. park to be fair it it is. Is. Broken, there's broken glass all kinds of rocks and it looks like the ending of get carter that's what the entire turban haller in the car park looks like dead michael kane in the corner <laughs> Came out in the sixties. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I'm alone from that weekend. You know, Andy Ogden, as you'll hear in the in the clips, is, uh, was a big fan of that match as well, and it made it made it for him too. And he got to uh, we went there together, but he got to see the the milkshake incident as well. So you know, I think maybe that that adds the uh, the quarter star that uh, that personal uh, anecdote and memory. But yeah, absolutely incredible one. And did you get round to seeing this one, Gary? Because I did think of the matches of that weekend. I thought this would be one that would be up your yeah, unfortunately, I watched. Unfortunately, I looked at the Grapple 100 and I watched Bandito against Mike Bailey when all of my instincts told me <laughs> watch <laughs> watch a against Ishikawa. So I watched Bandito against Mike Bailey and very much had the same opinion as Alan of meh, well, I didn't miss much there really. So, I could have been a lot harder on it too. Am, am I like, what am I missing there? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's, I'm not going to go on I a think rant. It this was... is a positive podcast. But... <laughs> It's the being in the... I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's the being in the building. It's the... You know, it's one of the last shows we all went to. I think it's the the money getting thrown in the ring afterwards. I think maybe, you know, that all that all maybe clouds the memory a bit. I mean, I, I can't talk. I, I rated it four and a half as well, live in the building, but it didn't it didn't come close to even I didn't consider it from a top ten, whereas this this went right in. Yeah, no, I mean that's number four like the the um Ikeda Ishikawa match is number four in the Grapple one hundreds and Bandido Mike Bailey's sitting at number twenty six. Um oh, and, get out. Uh, despite my despite my low rating pulling it down a touch <laughs> doing I, your best I, I maybe I'm going to pull I, it down further I maybe just pulls it out of the top 25 but yeah I I, lad, I, I I genuinely watched that and I just thought like ah like how, how has this been raved about so much and yeah I've, uh, I've selected it off enough in the uh, group chat after I watched it so I won't uh, I won't select <laughs> it either a lot of great spots in that match and you know we didn't have a lot of like you know match of the year contenders that weekend that's all i'll say um i get the why people love it um but yeah didn't make it for me um right yep and before we uh before we get over to our uh our number sixes and as uh, as alan enters uh, his grapple rating to uh to drive that one down uh we'll go back to uh to some clips from some more friends of our podcast 
Hey everyone, WH Park here from Post Pro Res over at postwrestling.com. And my matches of 2020, that's a really interesting question because I can't really narrow it down, even re, you know, watching stuff and looking at my spreadsheet. But, you know, I'm going to cheat a little here and I'm going to pick two matches, one from Japan and one from uh, the UK or, or Europe, if, as it were. And the first match I'm going to pick is a match from All Japan Pro Wrestling. It's from April 6th. It's from the All Japan show, What We Can Do Now. And it's a six-man tag match featuring Jake Lee, Shuji Jikawa, and Yuma Aoyagi on one side, taking on the team of Kento Miyahara, Suwama, and Zeus on the other. And the reason I picked this match is it just, you know, it was the start of the COVID era of like the lockdowns no crowds in the audience and just people having matches and i thought what's that going to be like but this match just just took me away from thinking about that i just loved loved it so much that because it reminded me of kind of the old man six-man tag matches that i used to watch from all japan back in the 90s that it took me back to an era of wrestling that i really loved and i really appreciated it you know at the time that it was happening and watching it when I did, you know, we have faced so much uncertainty in the world, especially as, as fans of this crazy sport of wrestling. And the, the second match that I picked that I thought was really amazing was um, from NXT UK. Uh, it's Walter versus Ilya Dragunov from October 29th uh, for the NXT UK Championship. And I think I picked this match because, you know, 2020 rise of cinematic wrestling and just, you know, wrestling that's so unrealistic and so convoluted and just doesn't make me appreciate being a fan this took me back to why i like wrestling why i love wrestling because it's just two guys just going in there and beating each other up and and just having a hard-hitting match and just to prove who the better man is i think the championship is kind of you know just there it's it's not the main point but it doesn't matter if it's the main point or not. It's just these two guys who have a history with each other just going in there and just just being brutal with each other. And I just like brutal wrestling. You know, people just laying it in and just leaving it all in the ring. And that's what this match did. And yeah, so those are my two favorite matches. Walter versus Ilya Dragunov and the uh, six-man tag from All Japan's uh, April show. Um, yeah, just just because it just reignited my love and reminded me why I love professional wrestling. Hey guys, Suit Williams here. Uh, my match of the year for 2020 is the R.E.D. versus Team Toriumon match from Final Gate 2020 for Dragon Gate. It's rare that things really live up to their hype, but this was the first time in a long time where I didn't feel like I was watching COVID-era wrestling. It was great, passionate, there was fire and heart from everybody involved. I really enjoyed it. R.E.D. versus Team Toriumon from Dragon Gate. Final Gate 2020. All right, so what's going on, uh, Grapple Spotlight listeners? My name is Rich Krejci. I am the co-host of the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast, as well as the uh, managing editor uh, over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. So I just want to thank uh, all you guys for uh, having me on here. Uh, talk about my matches of the year, or matches that I really like. The reason I'm not actually going to do one single match and uh, differ from what a lot of the other people did here uh, is this week, my website, VoicesOfWrestling.com, is actually going through our match of the year countdown. Uh, we do a media-only poll 
uh, with many, many voters that uh, we kind of determined then the Voices of Wrestling Top 10 Match Theory. It's something we've been doing back uh, since 2013. Uh, actually, so definitely encourage you to check that out if you're into more uh, match of the year stuff like like you're getting on this very podcast. But uh, because of that, we do a reveal podcast where we reveal the top ten. Uh, we also reveal uh, our personal top tens. It's myself uh, and my re- uh, voice wrestling flagship co-host uh, Joe Lands. We both reveal our top tens on that episode, so we don't want to spoil it for our listeners uh, by revealing the number one matches here because it's a very important thing of what. Oh my god, what are the you know what what did you vote number one? And it determines a lot of you know what what happens in the poll as well. So I don't want to spoil it right now. So I'm sorry, but I think what I'll do is try to make it up to you guys by uh, here's some matches. These are matches that I I picked one match from every one of the companies that I really follow like day to day. The companies that I watch every single show and follow as much as I can. I give you my favorite matches from those. So you might get you know from some familiar matches that that have been uh, that have come up a few times. But maybe I have a match or, or two that you have not seen before. So that would be a, a you know a great asset to be able to go in. And, and watch some of these. So, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, WWE, uh, AEW, Noah, and Dragon Gate are the uh, the five I'm going to talk about uh, here real quick. Uh, first off, New Japan Pro Wrestling, my uh, my favorite match from New Japan this year, potentially my number one match of the year. You'll find out this week on Voice Wrestling Collector Podcast. Uh, Okada versus Kota Ibushi. So, Kazuchika Okada uh, versus Kota Ibushi from January 4th, 2020, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, night one, of course. Uh, the easy pick is obviously Okada versus Naito because it had just so much weight to it and so much you know purpose and importance and whatnot. Uh, but for me, Okada and Ibushi was a better bell-to-bell match uh, between the two. Now, you're talking about two like you know five-star level matches, so you're kind of splitting hairs here, but, but I prefer Okada and Ibushi uh, to Okada versus Naito but you really can't go wrong uh, with either of those ones. In, uh, in WWE, uh, I'm actually going to do the NXT UK match, which hopefully hopefully people have brought up uh, at some point during this night. But if you have not, for whatever reason, seen Valter versus Ilya Dragnov from October 29th, 2020 from NXT UK, uh, one of the craziest, one of the most interesting matches I've seen this entire year, one of the most brutal matches I've seen this year, just a, such a unique match. It's just a match that... I don't know, you know, we'll see if it's my match of the year, but uh, it's one that I'll always remember. It's like one of my, maybe, maybe, maybe the most memorable match uh, of the entire year. Uh, In AEW, my uh, favorite match of the year from AEW, uh, February 29th, 2020, AEW Revolution, uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks, helped greatly by me being in attendance for uh, that match as well. But yeah, just a, just a crazy atmosphere being there live. Uh, just great back and forth action. Real cool story if you really were, were into uh, everything going on with Paige and Omega and the Elite and the Bucks and all that sort of stuff. Just a lot of stuff. It really rewarded longtime viewers of being the Elite and longtime kind of supporters of uh, of those guys. And if you followed their careers, it, yeah, it was just an awesome match with all that sort of stuff. Uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, there's a lot to choose from this year, actually. Uh, Noah had a pretty great year. Uh, my number one match from Noah, though, on November 22nd, 2020. 20, Go Shiozaki uh, versus Ketsuhiko Nakajima. Uh, just an awesome, hard-hitting match. Just crazy action back and forth. Go Shiozaki, uh, a low-key wrestler of the year uh, contender. Just incredible performances all year long. Uh, if you have not seen that one, that is definitely one to check out. But he, Go Shiozaki had plenty of matches. Uh, there was also Go Shiozaki versus uh, uh, Takeshi Segura uh, from, I believe, in the December, I want to say. I don't know the date off the top of my head. That that also is just like a stellar go-out-of-your-way-to-check-out match. Uh, and then finally, a match that really is in contention for my match of the year. Uh, it, it's a, it's an interesting one. I don't think, I'm guessing you probably haven't heard this one yet, but, uh, November 3rd, 2020 Dragon Gate, Gate of Destiny, Keisuke Okuda versus Kaito Ishida. It's just an awesome match. That's almost just above 10 minutes, just a slightly above 10 minutes. It's just two dudes that want to kill one another. Great feud between these two guys. 
uh, and the bell rings and they the whole goal of the entire match is we're going to kill each other and that's all they do is try to kill each other try to kill each other try to kill each other they it's just it's really really great work like i i don't want to spoil it because a lot of the stuff i could say would, would maybe spoil you know what, what the action is and everything that happens in it uh but definitely if you have not seen this november 3rd 2020 okuda versus ashita kisuke okuda versus kaito ashita dragon gate great gate of destiny just so good a great finish a great story just everything you really want out of pro wrestling and to me like the prototypical 2020 wrestling match because it was like not too long all action just a, a great few that didn't matter that there was barely a crowd or the crowd can only clap or anything like that it just it, it was it was it was a match that existed in its own universe and it didn't need anything else and 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 that's you know walter and and, and dragnoff is is very much the same uh, of that as well, where it just didn't really matter. The crowd wasn't there. The crowd uh, couldn't react in a certain way. So there you go. Uh, sorry I couldn't give you my single one you know, match of the year. But uh, again, VoicesOfWrestling.com uh, to learn about our match of the year countdown, uh, which will conclude the last week uh, of January uh, as well. So if, uh, if you're listening to this before the last week of January, you can still vote as well if you're a media member, uh, if you have a podcast, a blog, a, a wrestling website, anything like that. Again, you do need to be a media member. Uh, but we are allowing you to request a ballot as well. So you can go to our, our Twitter account, at Voices Wrestling, uh, or just look at VoicesWrestling.com for details on how you can uh, request a ballot uh, to be on the Voice Wrestling Match of the Year. So uh, thank you guys for uh, giving me the opportunity to uh, give my matches of the year, and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. Right. So uh, with that said, let's get on to our, our number sixes, guys. It's uh, number six. We're, get, we're getting close to the uh, the business end of this. Uh, Alan, what's your number six for match of the year 2020? Two and a quarter stars have gone there for Bandido. And, uh, <laughs> Good lad. Welcome to the on. dark side, Alan. I, I really like both guys. Uh, I think they're both tremendous wrestlers, but that match was a lot of things I hate about modern wrestling. Um, all right. Uh, my number six match is um, surprisingly the only match I have on my list and my, my pals K-Slo and Iron Mike Spears will kill me for this, but it's my only Dragon Gate match on the list. And I say that surprising because I, I feel Dragon Gate were the company that handled the pandemic, probably AEW as well, but um Right there with him, Dragon Gate probably handled the pandemic as good as as any company um, in terms of catering to their fans and staying on track and using the year in, in a positive way. And they elevated so many uh, great young wrestlers who have really taken the keys to the promotion at, at, at this point. And it's, it really feels like a new, different promotion. Um, the roster feels stacked. They're, they've moved a lot of stories along really well throughout the year and the match I'm picking is the one which I'm sure will probably be the one that finishes highest on the Grapple 100 of the Dragon Gate matches it's a, it's kind of a chalk pick but it's the, the culmination of the generational warfare it is the elimination match at Final Gate uh, the no DQ elimination match between uh, R.E.D. And the Toriumon generation, and it's a match I know you guys talked about on the show, and it wasn't really doing it for you, which is understandable, I think, as as uh, people who aren't super big followers of Dragon Gate. I think if you're someone who's been following throughout the year and seeing kind of the feud, you will have got a lot out of it. 
if you're someone who, like me, has been following Dragon Gate and particularly the guys on the Toriumon side for over 15 years now and knows just all the history that's there with someone like Dragon Kid who played such a huge part in the match and had such an emotional moment towards the end of the match. It really uh, caused it to, to elevate for me or elevated the match for me and just how how strongly the young guys like SB Kento and Hip Hop Kakuda uh, and Kaito Ishida as well, how strongly they were booked in terms of the eliminations they got, the guys they were able to take out. Like That all means a lot in terms of their standing within the company. And it was those things that were done during the course of this match from a booking perspective that made me love the match as much as anything from an action perspective in the match. Although I will say, uh, as far as the action goes, the Stalker Ishikawa German suplex towards the end um, on the run-in, I'll I'll side with Joe Lanza that that is maybe the pro wrestling spot of the year. Absolutely incredible uh, moment, incredible timing on on that. Just so great. So, uh, yeah, R.E.D., Toriumon, Dragon Gate. um, That would be, uh, I'd say, the the peak of Dragon Gate's year right at at the end of the year. So uh, great job by them. Is it the top Dragon Gate match, Gareth? Yeah, and it, it makes the top ten as well. It's number nine um, in, in in terms of matches for the for the year overall. So, oh, you know, wow. clear, clearly it was been. Um, I remember when we obviously watched it, and then you know we reviewed it on the show, as Alan says there. And you know, I think one of my main points on it was like what am I missing kind of thing there's clearly something I'm missing and you know as like listening to Alan talk there clearly what I'm missing is 15 years of history which obviously has a uh, you know a big bearing on a match like this I think with the the magnitude that it has in the promotion I think and the storylines that have gone behind it with obviously the people who've been around for that time and then the, the new bloods coming in and taking over and like that's that's one of the things that you know you can't buy with wrestling I, I think it's, it's it's like one of the best things I think it's that kind of like investment over time where you've got that you know you've put the miles in you've got that emotional investment with um with either a promotion or individual wrestlers and then you get the payoff like this and you know you get some johnny come lately like me coming and watching this match because it's getting a bit of hype and not quite getting it but for the people who've been following and watching the detail and know the backstory and things like that then you know that's when that's when wrestling's at its best and clearly for for people who who know dragon gate and, and know these guys you know it clearly resonated massively for them for them this year and you know standing out as obviously a top 10 match for them and um, you know just sort of uh, border on the edge of the top there for Alan I'm tempted to go and watch it I think if I'm right in thinking Jay's done the English commentary for this there is an English yeah they, they had a problem with it when they originally recorded it and it had to be re-recorded in the studio there very recently so they have that out there now with the with the English commentary and I can only imagine how much uh, Jay uh, was able to um, get across the the different yeah. uh, relationships and stories because like he is the encyclopedia of of Dragon Gate and Toriumon, so I'm sure he adds a, a lot to it. And another thing as well, which even even more I'd say than just not knowing the stories, I think a big um, 
a big block or hurdle for this match to kind of fresh eyes is that it's heavy on the Dragon Gate kind of tropes, if you will. And I don't use that word in a, a negative sense, but just the certain in-house things that only happen in Dragon Gate matches that would look weird to anyone who doesn't watch a lot of Dragon Gate matches. But if you're used to watching a lot of Dragon Gate they don't seem as weird to you. It's stuff you've kind of accepted. Um, a lot of the ways kind of the run-ins are handled and stuff like that. In the context of Dragon Gate and in the Dragon Gate, like if I was to see a lot of the stuff that happens in Dragon Gate in a different universe just dropped in, I'd think, what the fuck is this? Why are they doing this on uh, in this All Japan match? You know, it would just, it, it might turn off but in dragon gate there's a certain acceptance for how they do things and yeah you just it's not kind of giving them a free pass on stuff it's just that they've built a cachet with certain ways that they go about telling their stories in their matches that yeah might look funky to um in another promotion or to people who aren't usually watching dragon gate this this sounds to me this sounds to me like a podcast special where I want to rewatch this match and and have you Alan is almost like giving me the director's commentary or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you'll really get with Jay. With that. That's what you'll get with Jay for sure. So uh, I'd recommend that. But uh, I what I always tell people with um with Dragon Gate or Nike's All Japan or anything where it's this big collection of stuff that there's like almost a intimidation or a barrier of entry to, to kind of getting into because there's just so much I always say just kind of pick out a lot of random stuff and just kind of dip your toe into the water don't just start trying to watch the greatest Misawa Kawada match straight away don't try and watch this Dragon Gate match just pick up a Dragon Gate Cork and Hall show and watch it opener through main event and get a feel for the different guys on the card and see who kind of see who you remember from show to show and then you'll start like that's how i got into it i i i didn't have like i didn't really have many like people like explaining stuff to me i was just kind of figuring out stuff for myself and i didn't know what the big matches were to check out it was like 2005 there wasn't a lot of resources for that stuff and yeah i just kind of was getting dvds and i'd watch them and some guys stuck with me and became my favorites other guys didn't and then just gradually as you move on with time you kind of and everything just happens so much quicker now it's hard to give that level of investment even compared to 2005 like me and Benno talking about our ROH shows a couple of weeks back um, it's like the waiting around for the DVD to arrive there's no waiting around anymore it's just everything's right there there's so much to consume it's, it's hard to do what I did with Dragon Gate in 2005 um, but I, I have seen people do it and they generally become fans so um and there's been a lot of new dragon gate fans born this year for sure um it's, it's there's really been an uptick that i've noticed in the and, and the guys that do open the voice gate case and, and mike they've talked about seeing way more downloads on their podcast way more hits on the reviews that they put up on voice arresting um gareth you might be seeing it in terms of the the amount of ratings on, on grapple mm-hmm. so i think there's been a real uptick in terms of Dragon Gate Western fandom and that speaks to again what I said at the start they've done a great job handling the pandemic who else has had a positive kind of growth year in 2020 so mm. kudos to them sure. um, going on from there then uh, JP uh, your number 6 my number 6 is also Gareth's number 7 it's um, Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi is that right Gareth is that your number 7 that was your number 7 wasn't mm-hmm. it 
Um, yeah, and it's a lot of the things that Gareth said. I, th- I mean, I think when I went back and watched it, it's just a level of emotion that's going on. And I hate to say this, it's that level of danger. Now, it's fine watching it in hindsight. It's like watching a horror film. You know it's just a film. You know that Hiromu's okay and that he's wrestling. He, you know, he's, he's just... He's, he's had a, a couple of big matches over, the, over Wrestle Kingdom weekend the year afterwards. But at that point in time, hearing the crowd react to anything around his neck is like... It immediately kind of sucks you in. It just adds this level of drama that's there. And... Um, I, you know, just one thing like I'm that 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 size uh, that Sasuke special sequence in and of itself is ridiculous. It makes me want to go and watch the Dragon Gate sequence that Alan was um, was talking about before. But uh, yeah, and I think at the end there was a massive high pitched scream, and that kind of summed it up of like the level of investment that crowd had in Hiromu's return, proper return to the big stage, and it was great. I remember thinking at the time, I'm feeling really happy because he was able to wrestle to that same, pretty much that same level he was at before the injury. And that was great. So, yeah, I, I had four and a half for this one. And, yeah, it's my number six. Awesome. Uh, Gareth, your number six? Yeah, my number six, I mean, I alluded to it before, is uh, going to be popping up on this list again, but it's the, um, the Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr. It's the match that happened uh, just a touch later from the other one at RevPro High Stakes. And, mm. um, yeah, I mean, for me... Good night. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a it was a very good night, you know. I think that's that's uh, that's my first bullet point on the list here. Is what a good night we had, you know. It was the yeah. God, it was the it was the last the last grapple night out that we that we were able to have with the us three mm-hmm. getting together and meeting Steph for the first time, and Joe yeah. was obviously with us and things like that. So yeah, we had a we had a hell of a night that night. Of you know, I was looking at the photos the other day of. Uh, Joe sneaking his uh, pint pot onto the tube and uh, <laughs> um, uh, thinking about the state that we were in in that cab, uh, kebab shop with some uh, people that we still love a lot and some people that we don't necessarily love a lot uh, these days as well. But uh, yeah. but yeah, what a what a what a what a good day, what a good night out. Uh, just uh, yeah. yeah, for the beers, for the for the laugh, for the crack, but also for the wrestling because it was a really really good show. It was you know it was I know it's uh, it's limited, but it was the it was the best show that I saw this year and that main event was one that just um again then i don't even think there's live bias to be honest in in my placing of this match where where it is because um having re-watched it again despite the uh, some of the rev pro production values uh, not necessarily been the best in comparison to some of these other matches i've watched the match quality itself, for all the reasons that have highlighted previously, and other people have talked about when we've mentioned Osprey and Zach, you know the the chemistry between them and you know um, the the way they work, the way they work together, obviously massively positive. I think one of the things that stood out here, and the reason this one's higher for me on the list than the, the New Japan matches, I think it's just the rewards for paying attention. Now I'd watched the new Japan match live as it happened, but on the train down to high stakes, I rewatched it again, just thinking like, okay, yeah, just get me in the mood for, 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 for this match. And, and I think that helped me in it live because I think I got more out of it live because I think there was some, some real rewards there, like where, you know, I think there was things like Zach landed three 
PKs in the first match, but on this time he went for it again, and Will counted him on the third. I mean, like in the first match, Will landed an Oz cutter and Zach rolled to the outside, whereas this time he did the Oz, Oz cutter and he presented prevented him from going to the outside, and then he landed a super Oz cutter. There was Will going for the Stormbreaker, which Zach counted him to the Cobra Twist. He did in New Japan same sequence again but this time Will managed to get to the, the ropes and then there was also like a spot where um, Will counted a triangle with a power bomb where, um, whereas Zach counted it this time to apply the triangle deeper but Will then counted it himself again by instead of going for the power bomb which didn't work in New Japan he went to the top rope and did a top rope power bomb which ultimately opened the door for him to land the hidden blade and the Stormbreaker and get that win that he'd, he'd never had before so in a lot of ways, it was very, very much the same match. There were, it, there, were, there was a lot of very similar sequences. There was a lot of um, very similar ways of working. But there was just those small differences there which sort of bled into the story of Osprey been there with his coaches and tweaking. It was almost like real, like genuine sports almost that he'd gone away, he'd reviewed the footage, he'd looked at these things and he'd said, okay, how am I going to counter this? How am I going to do something differently? Um, and, you know, what do I need to do to get the win after I'd been so dominant in the, in the match a, a week or so ago? And again, all that, you just sort of led out to me just to when when it landed you'd notice those little things there those the, those little subtle differences from from the match that had come before and like I you know I, I remember being stood there going mad in York Hall and thinking to myself like I'm going to give this 4.75 I'm like and, and I was thinking <laughs> I don't think I've ever given a match 4.75 live you know like it, it was it was and I, I have thinking, but we oh, don't I, talk I, about it anymore <laughs> not, not anymore I, I won't rub that one in too much too much <laughs> not, for too many more, not for too many more years anyway I'll, I'll bring it up from time That's to time mileage anyway but um, but but yeah, I mean, this was one of those where I just came away from it genuinely thinking this is one of the best matches that I've ever seen live in in person. I think one of the things now, obviously, you look back and I think about my mindset walking out of your call that day where you'd had the awesome ELP Michael Loku match prior to this as well. You're coming at it from being on a total downer about Brit Rest and the direction that everything was taken, walking out of that building thinking maybe there's still some legs in this maybe Benno is, is wrong maybe Britless isn't dead after all maybe little did you know maybe yeah. some juice to squeeze out of this but alas <laughs> come uh, come June for varying reasons uh, everything was uh, everything was all popped and uh, everything was all gone and we find ourselves where we are today but um, if this isn't a um, this isn't a, a list of moral fibre it's a list of uh, wrestling matches isn't it you know so um, mm. in terms of the match alone as as a wrestling match it's there at number six uh six for me and um yeah what a what a what a great match what a great night and um what a shame everything that followed on from it yeah yeah i think you've sold me there mate i went uh, the other way around with the uh, the japan match but i don't know uh jp i'm sure you remember all of the details of uh like gareth mentioned in there live yeah um, well i, I do you had the, had I've got it. I, I don't know if i should spoil where it is on my list Oh, okay, okay, okay. If, if I say it's, I might keep some of that stuff dry because that's that's part of the experience of it as well. I remember going crazy for the near falls. Absolutely, yeah. I don't think I was taking it into the level Gareth was. Is the problem? I think I had a few beers and I was react. It's like there you go. There's the excuse for for Bandido, Mike Bailey. You know, when you're drunk and you're reacting to the big big spots in the match, like you're not necessarily taking in those little moments. 
watching it back on VOD, I think I caught them more. But I think the VOD experience for me was mm-hmm. sullied by it being the Rev Pro VOD experience, so it didn't quite tip it over the 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 the, the, uh, the New Japan match. But that's a hell you made a hell of an argument for it. Trust me, if I hadn't watched it again on the train on the way down, there's no way I would have picked up on any of those. There's no like I, I wouldn't have picked up on any of those details. Like if I was going off a week's base worth of knowledge, but given that I'd. Uh, Given that I was definitely uh, definitely quite a few beers deep at that point by the time we got to the main, the, the main event, the fact that I vividly remember being stood there thinking, like, he's reversed it. He did it differently to last time. And things are getting, like, excited, you know. He's, like, you know, he's counted that in a different way to what he did last time. Or he's, he's stopped Zach doing what he did to sneak out of it last time. Like, those are all just those uh, additional uh, additional things. So even a few beers didn't hurt me on, uh, on that occasion. That's how I felt about LAXCCK, mate. I was just, it was all the callbacks. No, it wasn't. I was just very pissed. Um. <laughs> LA Park, Eddie Kingston that night would fall into that category. Hey, that's on Will's clip. You know, Will was a big fan of that one. A couple of fucking yeah, wild yeah. men. And I had a, a man few beers a and I was game for it. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to oh, say. What a night. What a night yeah. we had. Yeah, definitely like one of... Goes without saying, no, probably one of the highlights of all of our years uh, at yeah. this point. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hope we can do it again soon, and we'll have you yeah, there with us, Alan. Hopefully, um, at some point soon. Um, yeah. Uh, so from there into into my number six, and yeah, I, I spoiled it a little earlier on when before we started going through the top ten, I said there was a match that I uh, that I rewatched and I'd forgotten why it was in my top ten and that what sorry why I'd given it four and a half stars and then I rewatched it and it reminded me why and then Gareth you got into your top ten and you said those exact same words <laughs> when Nora Suzuki and John Moxley had the exact same experience as you rewatching that one today. I vaguely remembered it. And that might be, you know, that could, that can be a strike against the match, can't it? You know, if it hasn't, if you're not immediately thinking about it for your top ten, then maybe you shouldn't. But I was looking at my rating on Grapple, going, I gave that four and a half. I don't remember giving that four and a half. And then as soon as I put it on, I remembered why it was just. And like you said, it it is purely the watching it now in the world that we live in now. All it made me do was wish for the wish for those crowds to come back because that was a match where you know we're gonna have. Re- spoilers for me especially we're gonna have some wrestle kingdom main events coming in a bit but this was a match where the crowd was as invested as they were in any of them like every little moment every little bit of facial expression from suzuki or when moxley had like grab a bit of the table or grab the chair or you know that the little moment where they're brawling on the outside it's about to get to the 20 counts and the kind of like you know, they're manning up to each other going, go on, you get in the ring? No, you get in the ring. And then they do get in the ring and the crowd react to that. Oh, it was just, it was beautiful watching it back and it made me so sad that we don't have live crowds right now because, yeah, it was unbelievable. It was just a, like everything you said, Gareth, it was a fight. It was a, it was a hardcore match where, yes, you know, you know, WH will be pulling his hair out at, a, at Red Shoes, letting some of the things in this match go that he let go. Uh, but it was just, it was two lads who wanted the scrap and it was, you know, Suzuki looked like he was having the absolute time of his life in there with Moxley a wrestler as you could imagine maybe a Suzuki, uh, Suzuki looking down upon a little bit no he was loving it he was absolutely loving having the, the brawl on the outside with him, the fight on the inside even some of the technical exchanges in there as well it was just an absolute delight um, to rewatch now and yeah like I say makes me sad makes me want live crowds back but yeah I very quickly remembered why I love that match so much in uh, in February uh, and yeah I couldn't do my top 10 uh, without including it there were other Minoru Suzuki matches from the G1 that may have been technically slightly better, but like I say, it's the it's the scene this one creates, the mayhem 
the crowd, everything about it. It's just that as an experience, this is Minoru Suzuki, my Minoru Suzuki match of the year. And yeah, what a year that man had. Um, I probably, you know, at a push could have, you know, in a less compa- competitive year, could have had another couple of Minoru Suzuki matches in here. What a year that man had. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my number six. Uh, so I'm guessing I'm the uh, the high man on that one. So that that gets us to our our, uh, our halfway point. Uh, let's get into our, our top fives of the year. This is the uh, the business end, lads. But I think there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot more uh, crossover as we as we go through. Uh, Alan, what's your number five for 2020? Number five for me. And tell me if I'm wrong. Is this our first Noah match of the of the list? I believe it is. Yes. And I'm going to November and I'm going to the GHC Heavyweight Championship Go Shizaki defending against Katsuhiko Nakajima and an absolute epic match, uh, an epic title reign for Go Shizaki. I'm sure this won't be the last time we we talk about it on this list. Um, He was a warrior all year long and it was he had a year that was emblematic of 2020 as a whole he just got beat to shit all year long and he just wouldn't quit he just kept on going no matter how bad things got and he was held together by tape like the world was at times being held together by tape by our governments and and whatnot um trying to keep covid in check um this guy just kept plugging away as as he got one fierce challenger after another coming to choke him out or rip his limbs off he stood tall and he was an incredible champion all year long won the title in january held it to the end of the year and this was for me my favorite of the big go matches there's another one as well that gets a lot of hype that we'll probably talk about and and i love that too but for me this match with nakajima a big part of the reason why i loved it is a reason which if you told me before the match and and before the match I actually did do a big preview show uh, leading into this talking about these two guys career uh, leading into the match and I talked about how I thought Nakajima winning was the right booking move and they really had to go with it and at that days out I would have been feeling that it was a bad decision for Go to win Go wins and just the way it was done and in the minutes after the match ended, I was like, no, that was that was the right way to go. Maybe not the best thing for Nakajima, but it was the best thing for Noah. It was the best thing for this title reign. It, it just, it felt, it took the whole thing to another level. It took Noah's year to another level when you saw Go knock back this challenge from the guy that just looked so set up to beat him after winning the N1 victory tournament uh, Nakajima just seemed like he was walking in to take the title and he walked in and he threw everything he had at Shizaki he was absolutely just throttling him at points in this match and, and go took the beating and hung in there and managed to, to get the win with like I don't know 50 something minutes of 40 50 minutes of crazy crazy action it was it was great stuff i, I loved it it appeared on any of your lists jp it was very close to getting into my top 10 i went with the other um shizaki match the, the sort of much more fated one but um again i loved this i just love nakajima 
Um, and I think it's funny because I can remember him as the this, as the as the adopted son of um, Kensuke Sasaki and, and, and just sort of thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is who he is. And then what always sticks with me now to this day is the wild brawl at Budokan that Nakajima had had with, um, with Shibata when they had the kind of Noah match versus the New Japan dads. And so he'd always kind of stuck with me, but he felt that this year was the year that he kind of got the character down. And, you know, they'd had the tag split and everything else. And I was the same. I was all prepared to like the crowning of Nakajima as the kind of the fresh face and uh, Go was the kind of placeholder. While kind of simultaneously missing the story of Go, which was then after this match, it kind of made sense. And then when seeing the Segura match, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see where this goes. I fear it ends. I really fear where it ends because um, I don't trust the sour wrong guy when it comes to this stuff. I'm totally with WH Park when it comes to that. But yeah, I love this. I mean, there's a, there's the whole kick chop exchange in the middle for 10 minutes. And that was really the thing that kind of stood out for me of this. But yeah, it was, you know, it was a good year for Noah considering. I mean, actually thinking sort of positive growth. I can, you could see, it's, I don't know whether or not you'd put Noah in that category along with Dragon Gate. And well, the, the big thing for Noah is right at the start of the year before the pandemic, they got new owners who yeah. <laughs> basically, if they hadn't got that, I don't know if Noah would have survived too well with the pandemic. They were in a bad position and they they got bought out by the same company that runs DDT and, and Cyber Agent. And, and that's a company, if you look at the Noah shows and see how sleek the production is, how good everything looks how polished everything looks like at times it looks even better than new japan and the only difference is maybe like a lot less people to shows but you know in a pandemic that's negligible because everyone's got less people to shows so um it looks like a first class top tier product and they've got a great roster they've built the roster up very well they had some nice additions to it this year so in in those in those ways it was a, a year of growth but also yeah a year of uh, a big stroke of luck for them to mm. get that deal done before the the pandemic happened because who knows if cyber agent would have been looking to take on a second wrestling company uh, if they had known what they had I mean, I mean, for me, that that match was number eleven. Like, if I told you how many times this has flipped <laughs> between uh, my my number ten there of that Moxie Suzuki match this week, you'd just be telling me off for just taking things far too seriously. But it's uh, like <laughs> it's literally, literally, literally right down to like minutes beforehand, I've been back and forth there with that because I mean, anyone who's a regular listener will have heard my my love story to the uh, to the uh, Goshiyasaki Sagira match, um, which then led me to immediately watch the uh, uh, watch the Nakajima match and just absolutely, you know, love that as love that as well. And you know, I think it's it's something there that stands out. You know, this match actually comes out at number ten on the Grapple One Hundred. So again, it's it, it's oh, a match that's so hugely rated by other people out there. And I, th- I think it kind of almost like. It sort of harks back to what I was talking about all Japan previously, and where we had um, Kento Miyahara last year, pretty much dominating the list there. Where you, where you look this year, there's um, there's nine matches from Noah on the on the Grapple 100 this year, so it's like really really strong representation. And then when you look within that, six of those are Go Shiozaki matches. So it just shows you that if you can stick the belt on somebody who is having great matches with a variety of opponents in in sort of a number of different settings. 
you can get eyes on your product and you can get hype on your product as well. And, you know, it's kind of a, almost like a lesson to take away. And, you know, if they can then build on this, you know, Alan talking there about the new old owners and things, if with those production values that is referenced there as well, if they can make it more accessible as well to a wider audience and things, then who knows, it might just, you might look at things and turn back with Noah and go, you know what, this was just a great year for them to, um, to build upon, almost take it from the, from the, sort of jaws of defeat almost and then you know build on the back of it and maybe step up and have a product there that is a genuine alternative to people that they can go out and watch and know that they can have confidence that there's going to be great matches at the top end and then if they can fill the fill the undercard with with better matches as well then then why not you know and but, it's, it's a genuinely different style as well like they they're a, if you're someone who is growing tired of new japan i think a lot of the stuff that you might have you might start to find difficult about watching new japan is a lot of the stuff noah does well just a no-nonsense hard-hitting physical wrestling Mm -hmm. um i think like if you like the shingo jeff cobb match and you're like why can't new japan just be that more of the time well noah is that more of the time um they've got a real deep roster they have some weird booking like the junior division has the weirdest booking going on with it uh, constantly but it's a division that's littered with talent like there's great guys in there daisuke harada hajime ohara um seiki yoshioka these guys are bloody brilliant wrestlers some of the best in the world technically and athletically and um when they get opportunities they do deliver and yeah they've got a lot of good young guys coming up i'm a big fan of uh, yoshiki inamura he's a guy to keep an eye on big hoss uh yeah a lot of a lot of good talent there and um i think yeah they'll be they'll be doing good things for for quite a while hopefully awesome uh jp do number five Oh, my number five. Um, for this one, I've gone with the Zack Sabre Jr. Will Ospreay match. Oh, um, <laughs> and, and, and really, again, Gareth said everything about the match. I, there's no way I can go into that level of detail. Did you have the New Japan one? I don't think you did, did you, in your turn at all? I didn't. I kind of plumped with one, and I went with the one. And I won't lie, it was the live experience. Yeah, because there was so much of the stuff, the similar feelings of leaving afterwards and feeling on a real high after a kind of British wrestling show, and hadn't really had that in a in a while in, in that to that degree, and it really um, kind of hit me alongside it. There are there are things about it. It's like I don't want to go on about the night out around it, but there was the whole overall experience of being the culmination of this really good show with this really long epic rivalry. One that, and I think you know we, we mentioned it it earlier um with with zach and it's saying that it's 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 not that it's it, it gets kind of overshadowed by the what would be the marty skull will osprey and the jimmy havoc will osprey feuds within kind of brit rest i think in some ways because the two matches with marty stand within a week sort of stand it out stand out, stood out so much at that point in time they came at the right time didn't they that was the it thing. did yeah it was like it was like the final kind of piece of people actually watching it because it felt yeah. like it was a kind of big time product where they were having these amazing matches. It's why this as well, podcast and detail exists. feuds. Exactly. Like I went down to London to watch Osprey scale in the rematch on the Rev Pro match. Like literally, it's, it's how we met. Yeah, it is how we met. Yeah, it was, mm. and and we were all so optimistic. And my God, if you think of it as a different world now, <laughs> I don't know if that was pre Brexit and pre Trump as well. Yeah. 
yeah, my god yeah. suffered for that afterwards didn't we but yeah i also wanted to mention as well um i think it was me and joe talking to will osprey's parents about the roast <laughs> that they had cooked for um showing yo and I don't know if you could hear us talking about it as well and then quizzing and, and his mum telling me how to make sort of uh, puddings as well. Things like that. The kebab shop experience, like, <laughs> that was there. The absolute session. I think, Gareth, you had to go to Alex's football, I think, the next morning or something along oh, those Oh, yeah, you did me and Gareth shared a hotel and you bombed off, yeah. Which, considering <laughs> I felt bad for you. You probably got, like a, probably got like 20 minutes sleep with me snoring as well. Sorry, mate. I uh, hope it was worth it. <laughs> Yeah, fuck, I forgot about that. I was probably on, like, the 7 a.m. train or something like that, wasn't yeah. I? God, it's a good, what a good dad I was. Stood there probably in Liverpool at 10 a.m., half cut, like, still from <laughs> getting in a mere five hours earlier or something like that in, in London. But, uh, yeah. Proper dad, dad stuff. Dad of the year, I was there. Exactly. <laughs> You're like Joe Pesci yeah. in Casino when he makes breakfast for his son, even though, actually, that man is a horrific shit throughout that film and fully get deserves what him and his brother get at the end. <laughs> <laughs> From Frank Vincent. I'm, well, I'm, 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 I'm delighted for the comparison. Don't worry. <laughs> Definitely take it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was an amazing, but it all, it, it was the kind of culmination of it. And yeah. it was an all British main event in a sold out, packed out building, rabid crowd. My God, did the production values do their best to kind of take away from it. You just think, my God, yeah. imagine a hard ham above the entrance. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Give it a degree of thought, not, oh, we can attach the camera here and that will do. Because sometimes all you really could have done with this match is just having a shot of it from that entrance way with that crowd and that match going on. And I think that would have felt absolutely amazing. Just because, I, and I think it was just being there for that crowd heat as well. Now, obviously... Yeah. Like as as Gareth said, this isn't a you know uh, the moral fibre of the year contest twenty twenty, but for the this for me just like it really really stands out. Um, yeah. yeah, just a but just like the last time that I went to see wrestling, and it was great, and then everything else happened afterwards because that was obviously you know Valentine's yeah. Day in February. Yeah, indeed. Um, your number five, Gareth? My number five is um, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega against the Young Bucks at AW oh. Revolution. Um, so, um, yeah, this is third in the Grapple 100. I gave it 4.75, but, yeah, just uh, just coming in at number five for, for me. And, I mean, God, you're getting into your top five matches of the year and you're talking about, like, hair's breaths of opinion, aren't you, between yeah. these? It was a I'm great... about to do that with my number five. I'm going to yeah. be like, I'm so sorry I've made it number five. <laughs> it was things a... have got to fall, haven't they? It's oh, exactly. And, and yeah. again, this, this, is what, this is one that's been... Like, before I started the rewatch, I was thinking to myself, that might be my number one when I go back and watch it all again because I had such, like, good memories of it. And then it's been as high as three and it's ended up as number five kind of thing as uh, as the way things have gone. But, you know, I don't want to get into it on a move-by-move basis or anything like that. I suspect that other people are going to be talking about this as well. The thing for me was just, like, number one was the crowd, like... What a crowd that was at, at AW Revolution. It was, you know, a great Chicago crowd, as you always expect, absolutely going nuts. And the pop for Kenny Omega when he came out was absolutely off the charts. And, it, you know, again, it was when you're looking back and you've suffered this year with so many 
you know, crowds that aren't allowed to cheer or no crowd matches and things. It just made you feel what it feels like to be in an arena when somebody who's a genuine big star who you really want to see and you've laid your money down to see comes out. You know, it was it was it was it was so good. And then then when as the match progressed and the pops that Hanman was getting and how over Hanman was with the crowd, again it was just something that again it really just shot through the screen and that you were just left thinking, fucking hell what a year this lad would have had if COVID didn't happen because mm. he was off the scale over in that match, you know, the, the the crowd going mad for, you know, anything anything that he did there. It was, it was, you know, it was really, really, you know, just added to the match. And as we talk about, like, crowds, you know, when, it, when he... Yeah, you know, when when he was in the ring and he was pulling off like bookshot lariats and things like that, you know, the crowd pop for those was absolutely, absolutely awesome. But like I say, I mean, overall, it was just one of those where, as you'd expect from these four, the chemistry was just perfect, the timing was perfect, everything that you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the things that they hit looked as smooth as fuck. It looked like they were just born to be in the ring together. They put all the greatest hits in there. They built in, you know, they, again, similar probably to, you know, uh, another match I've mentioned before, the Hiromu Osprey one, is that there was a danger that this could almost have been quite spotty and almost like look quite exhibition as they tried to build in all of these different things. But the layers in the storyline there around the what's the relationship between Hangman and Kenny and, you know, the stuff that they built in the interviews running up to this in Dynamite with the Hangman Matt. Um, sort of dispute and a little bit of a feud going on there and things like that. There was enough niggle and aggression and needle but sort of built into this as well. But in between those things, you know, it did come across like a genuine contest. It did come across like a, you know, a genuine fight between them. And then I think one of the things that was really good as well was as that uh, needle between the hangman, particularly in the books built, it sort of brought Kenny and Hangman together a bit more and they sort of became a team a bit more until you had that spot at the end, like after the bell where is Hangman going to bookshot Larry, Larry Kenny here? And like, oh no, he's just helping him out of the ring and things. So there was, along with the actual match itself, there was just some good little, I don't know, like feints of angles to possibly come and things like that as well. Little teases that were in there as well. And it was, it was one of them. It's the, Comfortably the best tag match that I've watched for for quite a number of years, the highest rated tag match on the app. It's a you know it's a the number three match in the in the grapple one hundred overall as well. So plenty of people out there love it, you know. And yeah, what can I say? Great stuff. Yeah, well, suspect, and I can say for certain with me, not the last time that one's coming up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gareth with some controversial thoughts here. Now. If it makes our top ten, it it makes our top ten. You know, it's uh, we're splitting hairs, aren't we? Once we get to uh, the business end here, cause... absolutely. Oh, what's that, Jimmy? I was just going to say, I think everyone listening should assume that pretty much all of the matches are good. That we yeah. mentioned, yeah. Not the off-topic stuff. We've mentioned some absolute stinkers, but. <laughs> Just assume it's all good. It's just that this is where you're really into the kind of personal preference stakes, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's where it gets uh, gets like barren. Yeah, I'm about to. Yeah, I think I'm going to be the first to say this match. I'm guessing it's on everyone's list later on. Uh, the little matter of uh, of Wrestle Kingdom, uh, Kazuchika Okada and Kota Ibushi. Am I the low man? I think I'm the low man. Um, <laughs> just. 
just okay, okay. It's yeah. right. We'll loop back round to it. Then we'll we'll talk it then. I don't want to give you all the reasons why it didn't make my number one. Great match. Um, if you if you listen to Match of the Month in January, you might have uh, heard some spoilers of my reasons. We'll loop back round to that one. Then we'll come back round to it uh, when it gets round to uh, to Gareth's turn. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, my number five just about uh, squeaked out by uh, another couple of Wrestle Kingdom matches that are to come. Um, but speaking of that match and uh, speaking of some other Wrestle Kingdom matches, is uh, some more friends of the podcast uh, with their picks for their number one. Start with Matthew of Botchamania, who botches his intro and doesn't introduce himself. That's why I mentioned his name right now. Thanks, Matthew. <laughs> um, and a couple of other friends uh, giving us their picks for match of the year. Hope you and the family are well, mate. We're doing a match of the year 2020 wrap-up show. Fuck knows why. And hoped you'd like to record a 30-second to one-minute audio clip for us to use as an insert into the show. Cheers, mate. Thumbs up emoji. Oh, go on then, JB of the world-famous Grapple App. You've twisted me arm. My pick for the best match of 2020 is the Men's Royal Rumble match. The pay-per-view the same name. You know that, obviously. I love the story they told of Brock Lesnar being the only story around the match. Who can beat him? Is anyone going to beat him? Oh, God, what if he wins? Oh, God, oh, God, dot exe. Uh, that, coupled with the little returns, John Morrison, MVP, Edge, Kevin Dunn's editing, made this a fantastic show, not just for the crowd at the arena itself, but at my mate's house for the only show I watched with people in 2020. So I sit back and think about all the great things that happened in 2020. It takes about 10 seconds, and that's one of them. An honourable mention to Volta versus Ilya from God Help Us NXT UK because even them at their least good, not worst, I'm just saying, was still better than 99% of the other wrestling that year. And also a special shout out to Nick Cage versus RSP from Run Ricky Run because I don't think there's enough positive representation for inhaling light tube dust. Thank you very much, Grapple App. Hope you well. Gan canny and wear a mask for fuck's sake. What's going on, brothers and sisters? This is the Godfather, Nate Milton, from Post Wrestling, Place to Be Nation, and of course, the Kings of Sport podcast. Now, 2020 was a rough year for all of us. Some folks would have said that, you know, it was it was like hell on earth, man. Between the pandemic and the political strife and, and just not knowing who you could trust, I saw so many people that you could consider friends turn out not to have your best interest at heart. And so a lot of people were left confused and conflicted. And speaking of conflict, that leads me to my pick for the best match of 2020. Now, there were a lot of great matches last year, from AEW to New Japan, Impact Wrestling, the NWA, even in the WWE. As much grief as fans like to get at company, I got to show them some love right here because my pick for match of the year is Sasha Banks versus Bayley, Hell in a Cell 2020 for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This was a match that was so great, so emotional when you're telling that story of the dissolution of the golden role models. And, and, and quite frankly, Bailey, Sasha, Asuka, and uh, Nia Jax, that's, that's my personal preference, but you know, your mileage may vary how you feel about that, that national treasure that is Nia Jax. She's not like most girls, but, but uh, certainly Bailey, Sasha, and Asuka carried the women's division and carried 
large swaths of WWE programming during this pandemic era. And so it only made sense to have this year-long story culminate at Hell in a Cell. I thought the match was appropriately violent. Uh, it was appropriately emotional. There were some great creative spots, including the finish, where we we had Sasha apply the bank statement while Bailey was trapped in the in the chair, kind of hoist by her own petard, if you will, because Bailey was the one who tried to take Sasha out with the chair. So there was a lot of beautiful little callbacks over the course of this match. Bailey and Sasha did their thing all year long, and you had it all end with Sasha Banks, the boss, ending Bailey's historic reign as SmackDown's women's champion. The only thing, the only thing wrong with this match, ladies and gentlemen, is that it should have been at WrestleMania. It was that damn good. So again, if you haven't seen it, definitely do yourself a favor. Go back and check out Bailey versus Sasha Banks from Hell in a Cell 2020. Great action from start to finish. Great utilization of the Hell in a Cell gimmick. And, and like one of my favorite moments of 2020 is after Sasha wins the match. And she is just reflecting on this. And she's seated on the mat. And she's looking at her friend, her former friend, now turned bitter enemy. And it's like she has this moment of of realization and clarity on her face where she's like i kind of created this monster that is heel karen haircut wearing bailey and it's just so beautiful again man sasha banks versus bailey it was that damn good y'all and speaking of damn good i hope that each and every one of you has a damn good 2021 or at least a better year this year than we all had last year so shout out to the grapple crew Hold it down, fam. Shout out to everybody listening. I want y'all all to be safe, be smart, be kind. And if we do all that, we going to be all right. Hey there, this is Andrew Rich from VoicesOfWrestling.com. I also host the podcast Music of the Mat, which Benno was on not too long ago. My match of the year for 2020 is Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito from Wrestle Kingdom 14 Night 2. On January 5th. Um, simply put, this is one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. And as someone who's been watching New Japan for many years now, and was invested in the story of Naito scratching and clawing his way towards redemption against Okada in the Dome, I thought this was just a tremendous conclusion to that storyline. And the context and buildup of all that, along with the action in the ring and the callbacks and so forth, it just put it over the top into God-tier levels. So... Okada versus Naito, that's my pick, and uh, it's a no-brainer, in my opinion. So, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich, the podcast at Music of the Mat. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all sorts of places, and uh, of course, VoicesOfWrestling.com for all my written work. So, thank you so much. Have a great new year. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll see you around. This is Will Cooling of Pro Wrestling Torch, and I am here to give you my match of the year. And, you know, as one does, as this is the Grapple Spotlight podcast, I went on to the Grapple app and looked look through my extensive list of match ratings, of my star ratings, to see which match of 2020 I rated highest. And I looked, and it turns out the one that I gave five stars to 
was LA Park versus Eddie Kingston from High Stage 2020. Admittedly, that is the only match I have rated on the Grapple app, but I think I stand by this uh, rating because that match was fucking awesome. And unlike many of the matches on that card, it has been no way solid by what we learned um, during the Speaking Out movement. Um, I went to that show with my stepson, who at that point was 12. It was part of his uh, birthday presents. And it was so amazing to spend that night with him, for him to see probably the last great card of that, you know, mid-tens Brit West boom, um, to see this mixture of the golden age of British wrestling talent, mixing it up with so many stars from America and elsewhere. And but more than that, LA Park, you know, is, is somebody that I grew up watching. I saw him as the Parker on Channel 5 on you no know, as part of WCW Worldwide. He's somebody I saw more matches from, you know, and on, on you know the various Luchador Cruiserweight collections WWE put out in the noughties and tens. And to share that moment with him of L.A. Park coming out and just being as charismatic, as large and alive as he was when I was Braden's age was just so amazing. And it wasn't just nostalgia. That match was awesome. L.A. Park gave it, gave it his all in his limited capacity. Eddie Kingston more than matched him in charisma. They had a really fun, no-nonsense brawl. And it's just everything you want from wrestling. So you can leave your star raisins. You can leave your fancy reversals. You can leave JY's oddly hairless, uh, svelte chest. Give me L.A. Park, Eddie Kingston, lamping each other and damn near killing my stepson's new mobile phone. That's pro wrestling to me. Hi, everyone. Sarah Flan here. Just to say my favourite match of 2020. Of course, it involves my favourite wrestler, Hiromu Takahashi against El Desperado at the Best of Super Juniors final. If you're into storylines and you're into history and backstory of wrestlers, I think this match was just a perfect combination of everything, with the mask being ripped off at El Desperado's face at the end and, and him finishing the job himself and just laying into Hiromu. Um, I think it was just an absolutely brilliant match and, and delivered on everything that I ever could have wanted from it. And then just a special shout out to, I think a forgotten gem of 2020, which was Bandido against Speedball Mike Bailey from the 16 Carat Tournament. Kind of the last um, this was weekend of wrestling before the world had to shut down. Um, so pre-pandemic wrestling is always a beautiful thing to have on your list. Um, it was just less than 20 minutes of pure action and just an absolutely brilliant match that I'd urge everyone to go back and watch. What's up, everybody? It's Joe Lanza from the Voices of Wrestling podcast, which you could listen to every week on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. And the lads from the Grapple podcast asked me to come on the show this week and reveal my match of the year for 2020. The problem is I can't do that because Rich Creech and I always reveal our top 10 matches of the year 
behind the paywall at the conclusion of the Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year poll. So I can't give away that prime paywall content for free. You can listen to my entire top 10, www.patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Three price tiers to fit every budget. $1, $5, $10. $10 tier gets you everything we do. But what I'm going to do for you guys today is give away my match of the year in various categories around the world of wrestling as a make good for the blokes over on the Grapple Podcast who asked me to come on this week. So first, my Lucha match of the year. Vilano 3 Jr. versus Areo from March 1st in AAA. Best of three falls, mask versus mask. Fantastic match with fantastic storytelling. This was from the before times when we still had fans. And that is my Lucha match of the year. A match that I recommend, even if you're not a big fan of Lucha, I think everybody would appreciate the great storytelling in that one. My indie match of the year. Fred Yehai versus Jeremy Wyatt from St. Louis Anarchy on June 27th. An Ironman match in front of no fans, which I still went five stars on because the work and the story was incredible. If you haven't seen that one, absolutely seek it out. My Australian match of the year, also from the before times, in front of a packed house, Will Ospreay versus Dowie James from MCW on January 11th. And then, of course, since this is the Grapple Podcast, my European match of the year, which, let's be honest... There wasn't as much competition as usual because of, well, various reasons. But there was still some good stuff to come out of Europe. And my top choice, even though this might be cheating, came out of NXT UK. And that, of course, is Walter versus Ilya Dragunov. A five-star match with the piped-in crowd noise in the empty studio. But when those two guys get together, it doesn't matter if there's fans there or not. It was still another incredible match in their series. So uh, there you have it. Take care. Right, okay. On to number four. We're getting to the uh, the business end of this of, of this stuff, and yeah, there's going to be uh, a lot of uh, a lot of duplicates as, as we go through. Uh, Alan, what's your number four? Okay, my number four. Maybe uh, I would guess I'm definitely the high voter on this one, uh, but I know it had a lot of fans amongst the uh, Japanese pro wrestling fans there. Uh, this was from the early part of the year. One of the matches that people were really pointing to as a real firecracker of a, a junior heavyweight title match. It was Big Japan, February 11th. And it was the champion Yuya Aoki defending against Fuminori Abe, uh, one half of the aforementioned astronauts that JP was talking about. So um, how I describe this match to anyone who's not familiar with these guys is if you're a fan of 90s New Japan Junior style, Kanemoto, Otani, this is what this thing feels like. Uh, Aoki is right down to his ring jacket. He is um very much influenced by Shinjiro Otani he does the springboard diving drop kicks a springboard spinning heel kick all that cool stuff that Otani used to do he is a phenomenal wrestler uh, Abe is someone who is really reminiscent of Munori Sawa in the unique way that he moves around the ring his incredible striking his charisma that he has Jesus he's got a lot of charisma and these two just go out and it's it's probably no more than 13 14 minutes but it is 
all action during those 13, 14 minutes. Really crisp grappling, vicious striking, and incredible counters. Everything just done to perfection just looking so crisp so fast but so natural it didn't feel rehearsed at all it didn't feel um like two guys trying to put together spots it felt like a fight but it felt like a fight between guys who were just so incredibly skilled that they had counters for everything they did and but when they did connect with something boy it was it was just vicious and when they'd lock in some Submissions. The submissions would always look like they were trying to yank each other's limbs off or choke each other out legit. And it's just, it's so good. Like I said, it's like 13, 14 minutes. It's its a really easy one to, unlike the Dragon Gate match, this is one I'd recommend to anyone to just drop in and watch. You don't need to know these guys. You'll, you'll come away so impressed with how good they are. And yeah, it was a real belter of a match and one that I always knew I'd have somewhere on this list. Uh, I had it. This was back when I was still uh, had my tracking list on my star ratings and I had it at four and three quarters. So this is real um, top tier stuff. I don't know how you guys rate our role or about the, uh, the, the list in general, Gareth. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like Big Japan's on the app, but um, I didn't put a single Big Japan event um, from 2020 on the app, so oh, wow. it was run out in 2019, so it's it's uh, <laughs> it's not been in there. I've, uh, I've started again, as I mean to go on, as I said to Chris Linnae the other day, um, by, uh, by by adding them again uh, again this year. So unfortunately, that one's uh, that one's uh, skipped off the uh, skipped off the radar. But uh, maybe maybe in honour of uh, Alan, I'll go back and uh, back to date. Uh, Back to Big Japan for 2020. I think James, he has it in his top 10 too. I think I saw it on his list that he put up the other day. So I think I did end up. Do you know what? Because I did the February match of the month with Jamesy mm. and this came up then. Mm. Yeah. I'm absolutely certain. So you've said this, I was like, I might well have seen this. I would have to go back and look at, look at my notes for it. I do remember it being very good mm-hmm. and talking through it because we, we would show each other's list and, and, and go through it as well. But yeah, that yeah, it's now coming back to me. I'm, watch this space, Alan. It might take me a week or two weeks, but I'm going to have to get around <laughs> and watch this. Uh, watch this again. Might I, do remember, I do remember doing it at the time. Yeah. Good shout. Go. Billy, you don't, Billy, you here we you, come. You don't even need a long walk for this one. You do this on a, a quick uh, go round the block once, you, you get this one watched. I live go. near a Sainsbury's local, so I reckon <laughs> I could go over to there, pick up some milk, come back, and it seems to suit perfectly. I was going to yeah. say, Benno, get yourself for a steak bake. Watch, watch this on the way. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Easily done, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, it's one of them as well, and like, especially for JP as well. JP, you could do it on a long walk. Think of all the other things you could do as well. You know, you'd have uh, loads of loads of spare time left uh, left as well. Mate, that, that's what it is, isn't it? Get up to some crime watch activity. <laughs> well, I've, I have, I've got my eyes out for that kind of stuff just to see if there's any sort of big crime watch stuff where is that program alan i don't know about you i miss it <laughs> i i can't say it was ever something that was uh, on my radar maybe it's more of a uk thing i don't know but you have I, crime call 
I, I, I know it rang a bell when you were talking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that being a thing, but uh, I, I never watched it, sadly. Oh, travesty. <laughs> I was entertained by the discussion, though. <laughs> I just thought it'd be it's a worldwide like phenomenon, but oh, well. Uh, <laughs> well, on that bombshell. <laughs> go have, you not gonna, have you not got a drive full of historic crime watches that we can go, <laughs> we can lend and go back to, JP? No? I feel like you probably would, no? <laughs> I, I have. I don't know if I should. There's one of them that involves <laughs> historic crime watch stories. The time my mum rung up. I'm sure I told about this on the show. No. And, and he was this guy who was shot. He was assassinated. He was in Palmer's Green. He wasn't killed. He ended up in hospital. And, and he was going, his girlfriend tried to give him heroin in hospital. And she called up and I was fucking well excited. I thought, get in. This is awesome. I never checked in what happened after because the internet didn't exist. So I'll assume that A, she was involved and did it. And B, my mum helped solve it. Well, but yeah, what she did is she took the tobacco out and put loads of heroin in there, assuming it would kill him, which made me just think, why was she on the streets? It then makes me question my mum's story and perhaps the whole thing. And maybe it was a sort of weird fever dream. <laughs> but yeah, number four on my list for match of the year 2020 <laughs> is, funnily enough, a an match, intro. Benno, that, 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 um, that you just mentioned. That's where I had a Akada versus Ibushi. So I don't know if you're wanting to have that uh, combination. Have you got a two is that where you are, Gareth, as well, number four? It is. Number four. This is where it all falls nicely, doesn't it? It's my number three. So yeah. Oh, look at all that. Look at this. We're well, it works out perfectly, doesn't it? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it's... Before, before we start, can I just ask why we all hate the Grapple 100 match of the year? <laughs> That's what made, gave me pause, because I was like, I must be the low man. I'm sure it'll be everyone's number one. Did Jamesy poison the water? Because when I did the short-lived Match of the Month podcast with Jamesy, like, he made, like he hated the first 20 minutes of this thing. I'm re-watching it today. I just had the Jamesy voice in the back of my head kind of go what are they doing like what are they even doing he's just wasting time like just, just get on with it lads and that's all i could think watching it i still loved it don't get me wrong but i think like for me it fell the bottom of the pile for the the big wrestler kingdom matches for for that reason i mean it's still in all of our top fives isn't it so it's not a not a huge slice but i think i had yeah, the uh, the conscience of uh of grapple jamesy in the uh, in the back of my head for this one I found it was less kind of the match. I think there was the thing going back where the natural outcome of the story that was being told was Akada versus Naito. True. And it was the idea that Ibushi had won the G1 for the first time, so he wasn't likely to win the Dome, It was, which then turned out to be exactly how it was yeah. in, in terms of the way that they like to tell their stories. So it didn't have the kind of emotional callbacks that the, I'm sorry, I'm going into the Naito match as well, um, which spoiler alert is 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 in is in my list. But like, <laughs> I still it, loved it. Okay, uh, how soon's it coming? Uh, it, it's it's okay, we'll not chat the about next. It we'll chat about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll chat about it then. Yeah. Um, but going back and and again, it was the kind of I don't know if you all found this. Just going back and rewatching it with the crowd. Yeah. Like, I think it, that was the thing that kind of really blew me away. And we're really, if I'm right in thinking, Gareth, having looked through the sort of grapple ratings, it's it's a hair's breadth between these these lot of matches at this mm. point where we are. We're talking like kind of work rate on a level that is um, ridiculous. I did have the Meltzer ratings up. up Did actually. you guys... Five and a half. You guys, re, 
you guys all rewatched the, this. The old-fashioned um, five-and-a-half rating. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Ellen. You're, you're all right. You're all right. Sorry, I'm being rudely interjecting myself. <laughs> but uh, you guys all rewatched it around the time of, like, within the last week or two, right? So yeah. around the time of the most recent Dome. I haven't rewatched anything from the 2020 Dome. Um, so I'm curious, like, because there were matches on this year's Dome that the atmosphere got pretty good for mm-hmm. like at that towards the end of Osprey Okada, um, certainly at points in the, the two main events and certainly with Cobb and Chingo, there were some moments of great atmosphere during those shows. When you go and watch matches from the big matches from last year, does it just totally blow those out of the water? I, I absolutely think so. I think one of the things as well, even even right down to the entrances, like one of the things that I've noted with this one is just how special Akada's entrance feels. And then like it just really made me, like I was looking at it and looking at it as a Wrestle Kingdom and as a Wrestle Kingdom main event and been very sort of like conscious of the event that we just had like a couple of weeks ago. And I was thinking like, God, this is what we're missing because the crowd were going off their fucking box. Like when, when Akada was stood at the top of that ramp and coming down, you know, coming down the aisle, I was thinking this is an atmosphere. This is a Wrestle Kingdom main event atmosphere. And it, like it, 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 it stood out huge. It, it felt leagues apart to me. It really did. Wow. So why did we all hate it and have it so low, lads? What's going on? (laughs) So low. (laughs) I had a three. (laughs) I I I think one of the things for me that was weird was because because I guess I pay more attention to the grapple ratings than anybody else in the world. So, (laughs) like, I, I literally see this at the top of 2020 on a daily basis and then i knew that i'd given this five star and i'd given the the match the day later 4.75 stars so although i'd only watched it once live in the experience where i suppose i would have been updating an app as well at the same time and things like that in my like it was almost like cemented in my head as this is the match of the year this is the match that has got the highest ratings of anybody all all year and it's you know i couldn't you know it was 12 months ago it was over 12 months ago and i couldn't necessarily remember the deal so i was i was surprised that i didn't watch it and think yep that's my match of the year completely kind of thing i've almost been like conditioned to think this is the match of the year like in 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 so many ways and and as great as it was and i gave it five and i wouldn't change it from (laughs) five why do you like like (laughs) compared to the compared to the other matches on my list there's just that something that was missing and I, I it's very i find it very hard to put my finger on it and i and i think when i compare it to the other three and maybe like go into detail i just think there's maybe just slightly more of an emotional connection with one of the matches i think there's slightly more of a uniqueness to one of the other matches i think there's something that's just um I don't know, on a personal level, it just means something a bit more to me kind of thing than on one of the other matches as, as well that kind of just tips it over being in, in those top, top three. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. And like, you know, like I absolutely love the, the sort of the story that's told in this in this match. I, I, I you know, 
the thing that I vividly remembered, if you ask me to talk about anything from this match, like, you know, remembering back from 12 months, it's like Kurt Ribushi absolutely going psycho and going off his box in the corner and laying down those strikes when he's just punching a card with the closed fists and the sounds that's making and the look on Ibushi's face at the time and things. But then what I'd probably forgot was the story that was going into that with Okada almost like trying to strike with him, but Ibushi getting the better of him. Okada working his neck, working him down, grinding him down, taking away his stamina, taking away, and then trying to strike with him again. No, Ibushi still wins. Grinding him down, grinding him down again kind of thing. Striking again. No, Ibushi's still better than me when it comes to striking. And then getting to that point where eventually Ibushi's been worn down to such an extent that Okada drops him with that uppercut. And then that just, the idea that Okada has got the better in that one strike, that one strike exchange that makes Ibushi just go fucking mental kind of thing. I absolutely love that whole build to that moment, you know, and I think, you know, this, yeah, you know, but... <laughs> like why am I trying to talk it down? <laughs> but I only gave it five stars because <laughs> it's number four on my list and it's a five star it's right, great right, it's fucking brilliant it's yeah. fucking and it could have been my number one or it could have been my number two or it could have been my number three yeah. I've, you know that's changed whatever it's great if you haven't watched it go and watch it but you probably have watched it if you listen to this so go and watch it again if you haven't watched it for 12 months I just can't believe you didn't give it seven stars mate honestly unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> well I mean, I think the thing is there, like, like it's, you know, like one of the things I always laugh about and argue about when people like say about like extending your scale and things like that. Like, I, I'm always like, like, oh, it comes out in the like the point of grapple is that it comes out in the average. You've got so many people rating it, sort of thing that it doesn't need seven stars because if everybody gave it a five star, then it would be a perfect five star match, and then that would mean that it is the absolute greatest Great match of all all, 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 t- all all time. Like, you look back at this. 1,139 people have rated this match to this point. That is a pretty fucking high sample size, really, when you yeah. when you look at it from a statistical validity standpoint. Like, I work in statistics on a daily basis outside of Grapple. There's, you know, there's a much smaller sample sizes than that that I present to businesses that make multi-million pound decisions on the back of. And, <laughs> and um, the average rating from that many people is 484 like that's your seven stars. That's your whatever. You know the idea that off of over one thousand one hundred people, it averages out at one point eight four. Fucking hell! What like what a match kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's only number four for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so again, why did you hate it? No. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, Dave went with a very conservative five and three quarters for this one, didn't he? Of course. Fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my immediate reaction. <laughs> well. For me, I mean, I, I've got to be honest, guys. You know, I gave that, I gave that four point seven five on the night. And if I could, Gareth, if you gave me the option, I would have given my number four four point seven six, and that's a, a card of Naito. Um, so you're gonna hers. Um, yeah, I mean, it, we've said it all. It's kind of all wrapped up in the same discussion, isn't it? Really. Um, for me, I think I just again on rewatch. This is my third time rewatching this pair of matches um and i kind of said the same in, in january and i'll i'll say it now i think it's just it is that little bit of extra brevity in, in okada naito that puts it over the top but you know again it's a four two four point seven five star matches for me that could have been you know five star matches um it's just that i think maybe they're 
the history of Naito in New Japan, and you know, I'm not even the biggest Naito guy, but I think that really resonated with me, you know, live on the night, and it really resonated. It was the completion of a story, right? Yes, mm. that's it. There's, there's more. Exactly, it's not just. I mean, not not again doing down a five star match, you know. It's not just Okada Ibushi, but it is. It's got that extra level of story to it, hasn't it? It's got that extra level of history to it. It's got that you know, Naito finally finally getting his big moments it's i think it's all of that 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 kind of pulls it just above but you know the 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 matches that yeah we are we're at this point when you're this you know high up the list you are you are splitting hairs aren't you um like i say maybe it's the slight brevity much more brevity of it that maybe makes the difference but you know they're both 4.75 star matches that i could have gone five on um and you know yeah i think we're you're kind of splitting hairs at this point aren't you if I could raise one point, it, I mean, I think it, it brings up, um, because I had, yeah, uh, uh, it brings up how good a carder is and how good his year is. Mm. If you consider some of the, he had some of the best G1 matches in there as well. I'm thinking of the match against Shingo in particular, which was the thing that we haven't really spoken about. I think it's, I don't know, for me, I had no G1 matches in there at all, mm. which I would have seemed ridiculous to say that in January. I'd be thinking, oh my God, what a disaster the G1 has been. And it's just like, no, it was kind of, Old everyone was at the olympics <laughs> yeah exactly it was just like oh my god what happened what did they do wow the olympics must have been really good no one went <laughs> yeah. to the two one shows <laughs> um but it's it, it, it's you know you think of the two matches he had back to back here and going back and re-watching them i mean he has the most incredible cardio of any wrestler and you know sometimes i think there is a point in time where I wonder how much we take a card for granted and we've taken this reign for granted and how great it's been because, you know, for me, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think, you know, he was put in the unenviable position of taking over as the ace from Hiroshi Tanahashi and business grew. Mm. Obviously, there are areas between them where where Tanahashi would be better and he wasn't faced with the same set of circumstances. But he he took on the legacy of New Japan Mm. as well. And here he has, in front of 75,000 people over two days, two absolutely fucking brilliant matches Mm. that go into, that have heart and emotion, they have all those kind of intangibles that you want from it as well. And here, like, you know, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful story, isn't it? Sorry, I've just interjected there with the whole thing about a card, but I just don't kind of want that to be forgotten when it comes to the wrestler of the year and as mm-hmm. people going on about the money clip. Fuck me, like... Yeah. This, this Let's is, compare him to Drew McIntyre, as th- Gareth would say. This is always the awkward <laughs> point, though, isn't it? I and mean, it's not the last Wrestle Kingdom thing we're going to talk about, but, you know, when it comes to the, the year being wrapped up, you know, January 4th is a long time ago. Speaks to the quality, doesn't it? That you know these matches are still coming up, and it won't be the last uh, in our lists either. So yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll circle back around to some more discussion on that. Um, we've had your number four, haven't we, Alan? So uh, sorry, yeah, four that was. Uh, so we need your number four, JP, next. It's getting complicated. Complicated this. Oh, month. it is. I... We need to do everyone's four before we do my three, which is the Okada Bushi match. But I haven't really talked about it yet. Okay. You go on to that because that's my number four. And oh, I okay. put notes just then. So. Uh, it's, all, it's all slotting really nicely. Uh, 
I, I don't I don't have a huge amount to say about it that hasn't been said already. You mm. guys did a, a great job. Uh, the strike exchange I couldn't have I couldn't have gone into detail on that any better than Garrett did. That was uh, I was I was listening to that just wanting to just load the match up on New Japan World if, uh, and watch it before bed. Like oh god, it was it was bringing back some great memories. The the real the memory the moment of the match that sticks out to me of the holy shit this match moment um that just had me standing and and pacing in the day and the steel align um was when okada had the drop went for the drop kick and i got countered with the sit out power bomb and then we've seen that spot done since but the first time when you're when you've never even thought of such a thing being possible seeing that done it was mind blowing and Jesus, they were they were off to the races from that point. Um yeah, that's one thing about it that sticks out to me that just hadn't been mentioned so far. So I just wanted to throw it in there. But yeah, uh, uh, number three for me, and not, I'm not even going to try to kind of say that there was anything that caused it to not be one or two for me. Like, I mean, I just literally I had two matches that I, I just wanted to put higher on my list but this was <laughs> this could have easily this could have easily been one this was just incredible stuff yeah yeah that's it but at that point aren't we we're, we're splitting hairs uh with the picks at this point. a year ago and i was biting on some of the 2.99s the one from the kamagoye and i'm thinking <laughs> they've had another wrestle kingdom show since then and i'm still biting on it so. <laughs> uh, indeed um so yeah jp next up so my number three is is a match that I would actually say to everyone you want to listen to. I, I loved listening to Gareth talk about this live when we were recording. Mm-hmm. Is um, Goshi Azaki versus Takeshi Segura from Noah the Final Chronicle? Um, I absolutely loved this. I because I loved the Nakajima match. I was a bit shocked that Go had won. It was Segura coming out. I wasn't as well versed in the history they had. I think they told even in the even in the opening packages, and I want to say like I mean between this and the Nakajima packages, just like the cracking job they do. And Goshi Azaki has a trainer collection that puts Jim Smallman and Trent Seven to shame. <laughs> um, absolutely fucking dapper that lad. Um, even if he's being held by duct tape. Yeah, I I love this. I watched this twice um, on a couple of walks. And I absolutely loved this. Love it. Um, it was just an absolute fucking war. It was just a war and an and an epic. It was just like, you know, the kind of the the elbows versus the the chops and the clotheslines. And you got Segura working those arms really brutally. And then because I was kind of familiar with the story of Go, I was kind of a lot more invested in that kind of selling as well. Um and I just thought, like, it, it's been such a great run. And it just sort of feels like this might end up being the culmination of everything good about it. Because I think he's going to end up losing to Muto. Because I think they want Muto wants to be, was it the third person to have had the Triple Crown um, IWGP title and GHC titles? I want to say it's, is it Sasaki and Takayama? I heard WH talk about this the other day. It's Sasaki and um, yes, Sasaki and Takayama. Yeah, and that's and and that's my fear is that I suppose this will be the high point 
and it might end up being the high point of Go Shiyazaki's career as well. And it's something quite nice because Alan's mentioned earlier on about how Noah nearly died. And here they are having a match with a crowd really excited against two real like Noah original guys, two like kind of people who've, who've been there for the duration. And the whole thing is about I am Noah and and Shigura saying, well, you've got to come through me if that's the case. And I remember loving hearing Gareth drop into this without having like like seen this before. I can remember like kind of sending the link across um, from, from watching it and then just hearing him absolutely love it. It felt like a kind of, it just, it, it, it was like a really good feeling about seeing this kind of great match that kind of, you know, that I know a little bit about, but yeah and it is it's stuck with me ever since and i know admittedly it was only december that it happened (laughs) you've had a busy christmas period in this other (laughs) lockdown it feels like that's at least a good four months in lockdown time so yeah Uh, that's why we do this in january you know it gives you time to ruminate on it and have a think you know it does Uh, hey it may have it may have only been december but that was before the christmas show so if jp's still remembering it after that (laughs) it must have left a mark yes that's true um yeah there's a lot of yeah i don't remember anything of that that's that's what i'm wondering if i talked about go shiazaki on that because i probably did fuck no uh gareth you're number three my number three is Go Shiyazaki against uh, oh. Takeshi Sugura. Perfect. Um, Perfect. It's, it's I've battled all week with this. I kind of wanted it to be number one, and mm. kind of like I kind of I don't know. It's one of them. I kind of almost feel disappointed a little bit to have it as number three because of the impact that it had on me at the time. And and I think you know, as JP has alluded to there, like if somebody's not a regular listener. I, like if you want the full, almost in the moment emotional response from me on this match, go back to episode one hundred and two of the Grapple Podcast, the twelfth of December edition, and you know I think it's at about the two-hour two-hour mark ish or something like that that we that we get into this. But like, what an impact this match had on me at the time, and especially in a time period where. Um, I don't know, maybe feeling a bit more negative towards wrestling, towards the, you know, obviously everything that had gone on during the course of the year with speaking out, everything that had gone on from a pure standpoint with, you know, I don't know, the G1 was fine, but it didn't deliver to what you'd normally expect to, the lack of crowds or the clap crowds kind of thing and things, you know, I was maybe just feeling a bit jaded. And then this was something that, you know, I'm not somebody who's, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not scared to put my hands up and say that I I haven't watched every element of wrestling over the sun. I've been a fan for plenty of years, but it's not like, you know, I've got plenty of huge gaps in my knowledge kind of thing. So I'm not proud. And, you know, no is certainly an area where it's been a definite blind spot to me. But sitting down to watch this match, it was almost like, to me, it was just a bit of a culmination of, like, the good things about Grapple and this app that you've like decided to set up that kind of highlights matches that happen in promotions that you might not necessarily watch and try to kind of open the door or, you know, put a spotlight on some things that you wouldn't necessarily watch and seeing great ratings coming for this and then, you know, being able to just give it a watch. It was kind of almost like a, 
yes, this is kind of a good idea. This is the right thing that you're doing here and like building on the back of it and watching this. And it just been like, it just blew me away. And it was like finding something where there's been matches that we've referenced on this list so far from Dragon Gate or other matches in Dragon Gate, other matches in different promotions that I've maybe given a go and you haven't quite hit the mark with me. This one was absolutely like my wrestling, you know, it was, it, it just totally just landed with me. Uh, I remember on the on the podcast that day, JP saying that it lasted 52 minutes, and I was just like, in my head, I was thinking, no, it didn't. It did not last 52 minutes. I've watched it twice in two days kind of thing because it just breezed by for me. I loved every second of it, and it was just like the idea that it was just two guys going out there just fighting hard, fighting aggressively. They just wanted to be the better man. It was just wrestling, just purely just like stripped back that was just absolutely raw and real. There was no bullshit. There's no ball shots. There's no stupid storylines. There's no stupid run-ins or anything like that. It's just wrestling and it's in its purest form. There's not a million spots happening. There's not a million like flips and high spots and things like that when there are big spots and there are high spots, they actually mean something because you haven't just seen seven in the previous one minute beforehand, you know, something huge happens. There's a top rope brain buster, probably about 20 minutes into the match or something like that, that feels like the most epic biggest move of all time. Because prior to that, there's just been a lot of grappling, a lot of trying to gather the initiative, a lot of striking. Um, it is just, it, it, it just, is one of those matches that just like really left a mark on me and consequently left me to just go away and watch you know several other Noah matches on the back of that we've got Alan on the call here and like Alan sent me on Twitter a list of matches for um, <laughs> so going back going back to you know probably 20 years kind of thing that you know still there as, uh, as something that I can plow away through and build the gaps in my knowledge and watch some great matches and just like experience something new and you watch just like nearly kill Okada before <laughs> Okada became Okada <laughs> <laughs> there was nearly um, no Rainmaker because of Takashi Sagira <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you just take this away and you think and it's just a wrestling match but mm. the impact that it's had on me in so many different ways is is just been been huge and you know like like i say if you want the full love story go back to the 12th of december episode and and, and listen to it there but you, you gave us a pretty darn good uh, love story there as well that was a, a good uh uh part two <laughs> that's the synopsis there you go. that's the that's the uh, i th- i think i think you gotta put it number one gareth <laughs> i don't know if you're gonna be able to speak in such poetic terms about any other match tonight you, know, you loved you know it so I much think... it was like when we did the actual review i felt so bad being like sorry i only gave it 4.25 <laughs> i was like that's a good rating <laughs> so like, yeah yeah um, yeah, no, I was I was watching it again today and I was just like, oh, I love this. I love this match. And then, but yet somehow it is only at my number three and I kind of feel bad for it being, being number number three now. But um, but yeah, I mean, like Benno keeps saying, we're splitting airs at this point. You know, it's what, like, what a match. And the good thing about it is, is 
I'm going to remember this match forever. Like, and in 10 years time, I'll still flick back and watch this match and like, remember the emotion that I felt watching it for the first time, remembering the emotion that I felt watching it again for the second time the following day, because I loved it so much and I couldn't wait to watch it again. And, you know, thinking about, um, thinking about speaking about England in these terms, why isn't it my number one? I don't know. (laughs) It sounds like it's number one in your heart. (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple of points I'd like to ask you and, Alan Benno, when you first saw Go Shiozaki in Ring of Honor, <laughs> did you see this coming for him? Like kind of fourteen years down the line, I'm uh, very curious. The lovely young boy in his uh, in his lovely black trunks. Uh, uh, I feel like I feel a real connection to him because of those days. I don't know if you're the same, Alan. Mm. I I think, uh, believe it or not, I think the first Go match I saw was actually that epic match of the year. Budokan tag where it was it was a couple of months after the famous Kabashi Kensuke Tokyo Dome chop battle mm. and they come back they go Budokan semi main and each of them brings along their their protege so Kensuke has got 16 year old Nakajima as his partner and Kobashi has got 20 year old Go Shiozaki as his partner and the two kids just absolutely smash it in this huge spot and I think that was the first time I saw Go and I was just like well he's clearly going to be and I remember listening to like the Paresu Power Hour around that time and uh, and back at real player audio days and uh, and they would have been bigging up him as like a future star of Japanese wrestling so like when he came to Ring of Honor like I was like oh yeah this Go Shiozaki he's gonna be like the the big future star of Japanese wrestling when I saw him in the Liverpool Olympia it was like oh I'm seeing this guy who's gonna go on and have this legendary career (laughs) and we we have the um, FSM fifty uh, that we that we worked on um, that's going to be going up on Voice of Wrestling um, in in the coming days I believe, and uh, I talked a little bit go in that and just how he's had so many uh, just a bit. Str- bits of bad luck and bad timing throughout his career. Like I mean, he gets his big first title run because Misawa dies like talk about a, a poison chalice like it was it was like Akiyama was the champion and he literally couldn't go on after Misawa died in between physically and mentally he needed to take a break so they just put the title on Go who was Misawa's partner and like I mean the, what a terrible way to get your first big title reign and, and it's just constantly things like that that have just been thrown at him and uh, he's had a real uh, unfortunate career. Um, managed to get a great trainer collection built up along the way, in spite of that, as you pointed out, JP. But um, and a very nice watch collection as well. He's uh, I think he had a watch sponsorship for a while. Um, uh, to be so that's good going on his part. But um, he looked uh, good in an ad, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dresses up well. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, he um, just uh, a guy who I'm really happy to see. I hope a lot of the whole his body breaking apart. I hope a lot of that is just selling, and it's Japanese wrestling. They will, they will uh, uh, sell these things for more than they are. Tanahashi is the the, the master of it, so um, I hope he's. I hope he's still like feeling decently good and able to enjoy this great time he's having in his career. And, and I'll give you a positive uh, thought, JP, because I know you're worried about Muto, but. <laughs> but there's been a there's been a man making a few comments. I just mentioned his name, but uh, 
Junakiyama has an upcoming DDT title match. And right. he has been talking about uh, uh, wanting to... Um, He's put he's put Go Shiozaki's name in his mouth, as the as the kids say, and he's he's been saying that he's been impressed with what Go, his former protege, has been doing in in Noah, and he'd like to challenge for the DDT title, and then he'd like to challenge for the Noah title, and just so oh, happens, Junakiyama, <laughs> Junakiyama has been booked in a big tag match on that Budokan show on the undercard of Mudo versus. Shiozaki. So maybe the Mudo match is a way of just further building up this Shiozaki reign. And then Junakiyama comes out at the end of the show, Budokan Hall, to like who is more Noah than Junakiyama yeah. and Go Shiozaki to to be the closing two men you see in Noah's first time back in Budokan since 2011 or so. Um, yeah, sign me up if that's the direction they're going. Sign me up, Alan. You've completely talked me into watching that. Like, so I was going to watch it anyway, obviously. Oh, but yeah. now I'm thinking, I was, I, I was fearing the worst. But now you've said that, I'm like, oh no, that sounds great. That sounds absolutely tremendous. And hey, it would be one of those. I remember you when you had Hisame on the show talking about the the cyber agent um, DDT deal. Um, I was kind of wondering, okay, would they ever do any kind of crossover? And I know when he left all Japan, he went to. to sort of ddt then so oh get in oh well, brilliant work mate uh, I, uh, well, I i may be being mr positive and wh park could be mr negative poo-pooing this uh, i find it hard just, to believe just uh, so i i no, no, i know i mean more so that he's the he's the cynic he thinks no mudo's gonna mudo's taking a title no sour's giving it to his boy and uh and uh, wh park may well be right i may be looking at this with rose colored glasses but our rose tinted glasses but uh um yeah fingers crossed we we can we'll, we'll be positive until the the worst comes hopefully I reckon uh, we, we should get the... Shall we do uh, another show next week, lads? Let's do a top 10 countdown of the worst matches of the year, I think. Uh, oh, please. Can we exercise some demons? Uh, w- be the man for that. W- the Fiends, H- 1 through 10. WH's we'll w- list of worsts, he can have his top... His worst 10 matches of the year, his worst 10 fashion faux pas of the year, um, his uh, just worst 10 wrestlers on Twitter, something like that. Um, I think he'd do. I think he'd do a great job with that. There we go. Series coming soon. He put me on to Kim's Convenience on Netflix, which I was watching a bit of last night. So I was saying that that's a very upbeat contribution from WH. (laughs) And also as well, just very, very quickly, I've got an image now of Go stoically climbing this mountain, all the battles he's gone through his career, gets to the top of the mountain, and there's Gareth meeting him with the the bronze medal, saying, well done, mate. He that stoic face, but you're looking in his eyes, and he's like, he wants to cry because he thought he got match of the year. He nearly killed himself for you, Gareth, and this is why you treat him like shit. <laughs> <laughs> must, must, must try harder. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh well, t- to follow that then uh, for me uh, to wrap up our uh, our number threes. Uh, I think I'm the high man on this. Uh, another another match from Wrestle Kingdom weekend. Will Ospreay and Hiromu. 
I think I'll be the only one to put it top of the uh, that that Wrestle Kingdom uh, trio of matches at least. Um, yeah, I mean th- this is one for me where I think it's just a taste thing, really. You know, you know, Gareth, you talked about it earlier as well. Can't argue with with where you had it in yours too. Um, it's just the one of the three big Wrestle Kingdom matches from last year that sticks with me the most. And when I rewatch them, I enjoy it the most. Um, and it's it's just pipping them. I've had them pretty much in a row here in my top ten. So you know you can you can play around with that order. But I think yeah, you know, watching this live in the in the first instance with it being you know Hiromu coming back from injury and you you're wincing at all of the neck bumps. Uh, you do kind of forget as well. You know they they gave him a a little bit of a run out before it. They didn't just uh, throw him straight into the uh, into the Osprey match. But you're still wincing every time he uh, he lands on that neck on that neck and yeah in hindsight it was probably good they let him you know get himself wrestle kingdom ready before they went out and they did this match because for me this was just next level wrestling um the reason i've got it above the other two wrestle kingdom matches from last year it's just purely a taste thing really um this is this is my kind of match um they start with chain wrestling but it you know it doesn't last very long before lumbering into osprey special territories into that belly to belly on the floor into a, the other sasuke special that gift that were did the rounds uh all the stuff start end uh, last year but i think it is just it's next level as far as flying goes and and even meeting goes um as far as a match and yeah it was uh what it was one of those matches that it was another level watch it being able to 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 get to see these two do this you know live on on new japan world in front of a crazy crowd that again you know just adds so much to our to, to matches and we've realised that this year haven't we uh, as much as anything um, but it's just a match where it is you know it might not be to everybody's taste because it is in a lot of ways a spot match but it's got drama too you know from the crazy Canadian destroyer reversal into like a powerbomb by Will and you know Hiromu just being desperate and just not wanting to lose and that's the reason he's he's pulling out you know these crazy moves or pulling out like a, there's like a yoshitonic spot out of like a out of race a lot of uh out of osprey and that being even after like uh the big hidden blade near fall as well it's an excessive match i get it not going to be to everyone's taste uh there's a couple of moments in the match you know even the time bomb spot that, that could have been fine as a finish in any other match but if you're not going to go out there and kill it um at wrestle kingdom when are you going to do it um and it takes the the big crazy finish for hiromu it's crazy to me to look back that this this recently you know osprey was still pretending to be a junior um let's hope that hiromu is uh is still pretending at this point and and moves on soon enough because yeah this was this match had, had me written all over it and yeah of the of the three big wrestle kingdom matches from last year this is the the one that just about pips it for me and uh and makes it into my top three um but yeah uh before we so go from there. We're going to get into our our top twos now, where I think there's going to be even even bigger crossover, probably. So before we do that, let's get our our last selection of clips from uh, from our friends of the show with their number ones. And I think there's a, a few people uh, picking uh, some matches that are be co- going to be coming up now for our our number twos and our number ones. Hello, Spotlight listeners. It's Stephanie Chase here from Digital Spy, Wrestle Talks Wrestling Daily, and of course, the Grapple Spotlight podcast, whenever the boys will let me come play with them. Now, when I was asked to pick my favourite match of 2020, I almost went with Jay White versus Kota Ibushi from the G1 Climax, just to celebrate how good a job I've done this past year in converting the boys to being Jay White stands. But instead, I decided to follow my heart and go with Young Bucks versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Page from AW Revolution. 
Now, I don't want to sound too crazy, but this could very well be the greatest match in tag team wrestling history. It really did have everything, even fans, which a lot of matches in 2020 were severely lacking in. Every single move in this match mattered and it rewarded longtime fans of all four competitors. It told a great story that had been building up for months and this entire match had me on the edge of my seat, especially that golden trigger. This was pro wrestling storytelling at its best and it wasn't even the final chapter in the story. It gave me just enough on the night, but more importantly, it left me wanting more. For me, this match really cemented the Bucks as one of the greatest tag teams of all time and Kenny as one of the greatest competitors we have ever seen. It also helped build up a brand new star in Hangman Adam Page, someone who I think has a very bright future in 2021. So there you have it. That was my match of the year and not a Jay White reference in sight. But if you want to tweet me your Jay White jokes, you can do so at Stephanie M. Chase and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Stephanie Chase Wrestling. And hopefully I'll be back soon whenever the boys allow me out of my cage. What's going on, Grapple listeners? Andrew Thompson here of the Andrew Thompson Interviews YouTube channel and postwrestling.com. I appreciate my good man, Benno, for sending the invitation for the Grapple uh, Match of the Year podcast. Uh, my, my Match of the Year, I'm going to go with a sleeper hit from January 2020. Uh, Thunder Rosa versus Allison K. Allison K for the NWA World Women's Championship. Uh, just 18 minutes of just straight through, like hard hitting action. Like I was very, very impressed with this match. The reason I, I the reason I picked this is because, um, like in uh, late November, uh, 2020, I was thinking about some of my matches of the year, and this came to mind. And I was wondering why I remember something that happened so so long ago, 10 months ago. And then I went back and watched it, and I was like, oh yeah, I see why. And that, that's gonna be my. Uh, my, my match of the year for 2020, uh, Thunder Rosa versus Alice K, NWA Hard Times uh, for the World Women's Championship. Hello, hello, hello. It is me, it is me, your True Hill Phenom SP3 of True Hill Heat Wrestling YouTube channel and podcast. And of course, of Alex McCarthy's Wrestling Daily on Wrestle Talks Wrestle 2 YouTube channel. I am calling in and want to thank gravel for letting me be a part of their match of the year uh selection and letting me call in on the voicemail my choice for the 2020 match of the year is none other than the young bucks versus hangman page and kenny omega for the aew world tag team titles from aew revolution in chicago illinois one of the greatest tag team matches I have ever seen had so many different elements going into it that really make a flawless matchup in general in professional wrestling. It was in front of a hot crowd and one of the last wrestling events that we had a full capacity crowd in front of. It was it featured one of the greatest tag teams in the history of professional wrestling in the Young Bucks. Hangman Page had a star making performance and Kenny Omega is quite possibly the best wrestler in the world. All those elements came together with outstanding work rate phenomenal storytelling, and just key moments that you will remember for years and years to come. Whether it was Hangman Page's anger spitting in the face of Matt Jackson, him using the one-winged angel, and of course there was the Young Bucks using the golden trigger on Kenny Omega and Omega kicking out at one, which is one of the greatest pops you will ever see in a professional wrestling match. So, 
that is my choice for the 2020 match of the year. Once again, I want to thank Gravel for helping me be a part of this match of the year selection, allowing me to call into the voicemail. And of course, check out True Hill Heat Wrestling YouTube channel and subscribe for daily content in wrestling. Thank you guys once again. Hello, this is Andy from Gramps and Claps Audio, and my choice for match of the year for 2020 takes us back to the 7th of March. 2020 at the Turbine Haller in Oldhausen for WSW Ambition for a clash of the wrestling dads as Yuki Ishikawa took on Daisuke Ikeda. Now this was just beautiful violence as two fellas who were old enough to have been the Young Guns dads uh, for whom also wrestled on this show butted heads like two rutting stags to the sound of gasps. From a 600 strong crowd in attendance providing around 20 minutes of entertainment without a care for each other's well-being, whilst also thinking that a good radox muscle soak would be the order of the uh, the day after. Five stars for me and many sleepless nights from the sound of them headbutts. Lest we forget, this would be the precursor to another tough match for Akeda on the final day, as he lost by submission to the McDonald's self-service machine. So there you go. As ever, you can go and search out Graps and Claps Audio via all good podcast platforms and go and follow myself on Twitter at Occupart3. Thank you, folks. Bye. Hi, this is Trigger from the Eastern Lariat podcast in Cage Match. My match of the year is Goshi Ozaki versus Katsuyuki Nakajima from November 22nd. I thought this was the culmination of Goshi Ozaki's great title run that he is currently still on. I thought that the intensity of the work in this match was absolutely off the charts and that led to the second important part of the match Goshi Ozaki as the babyface champion fighting against his former tag team partner doing an amazing job selling his arm and thus having to overcome the strikes that Nakajima threw at him and that completely drew me in as I thought it was just an absolutely amazing spectacle Hello, Grapple Spotlight. Hello, Benno, JP, and Gareth. And, of course, the great Alan 4 It's Martin Bushby here from the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm just here to give you my two picks for match of the year. I feel like it's only fair to have two picks, considering we had the uh, pre-lockdown era and the post-lockdown era. And my first choice is none other than Kota Ibushi versus Kazuchika Okada from Wrestle Kingdom. Straight up, 100% complete and utter live bias on this one. Being there live with the post crew and my beautiful wife, Lisa, and just seeing two of the best wrestlers in the world going at it in front of my very eyes was absolutely fantastic. Brilliant match. Loved every minute of it. Not watching it back because I just want to keep those memories staying as they are. And just seeing Kota Ibushi doing his sort of Michael Myers going crazy thing for the first time, seeing everyone jumping out of the chairs for everything, it was absolutely brilliant. And my next match is uh, one that I think caught everyone off guard from uh, NXT UK being Ilya Dragunov against Walter. Obviously, those guys talking about NXT UK quite frequently on British Wrestling Experience, and it's not the best of shows, but this match really came out of nowhere. Not the fact that Walter and Ilya couldn't have a great match, but the fact that they had such a good match in this uh, pandemic that we're in. 
And I think it was the perfect pandemic match, you know, no crowd being there. They might have spoiled it with some silly chants and singing and things like that. And just seeing these two going at it, hearing every wince-inducing chop and lariat. And it was just wrestling perfection. Absolutely brilliant. So there you go. That's my two picks for matches of the year. Kotoribushi against Sokard from Wrestle Kingdom and Dragonoff against Walter from NXT UK. Thanks for having me again, guys. And... Of course, check out British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com, uh, second Thursday of every month. And of course, the, my other show, Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure, last Thursday of every month. See ya. Awesome. Just us then, lads. That's it. We're going to get into the business end of it. We're going to get into our uh, our top two. Alan, lead us off. What's your number two for 2020? Well, Benno, I've got to apologize for, to you because I know you desperately wanted the official Grapple uh, Match of the Year podcast have as its number one announced G1 Climax match, Will Ospreay versus Minoru Suzuki, but <laughs> I'm afraid I just can't leave it. I just can't let you do that. How did that I happen? Am gonna, <laughs> Where's the rest of the I, G1 I, matches? <laughs> I can't allow it, so that is why my number two is... From Osaka, Shingo Takagi versus Kazuchika Okada. To me, this match was the only COVID-era match that I watched, and I wasn't even thinking about restrictions or um, uh, empty arenas or anything like that crowds not being able to cheer nothing when Shingo Takagi was selling that stupid money clip and like his life was in peril and he managed to make me buy into that as honestly one of the most dramatic moments of 2020 (laughs) I realized there and then I was watching uh, the man who I feel is genuinely and this i know this sounds ridiculous but i will i will do the argument and i will do the argument in detail on my show between now and the end of april the man who i feel is the greatest professional wrestler of all time shingo takagi i we're doing the greatest wrestler ever project on my show he's i i at the moment he's my work and number one the guy is amazing um and this, what he was able to do in this match, and the way he was able to take a dream match scenario with, with Okada and have it happening in these less than desirable circumstances, but still make it so special. And it was obviously because of how great Okada was in the match, but so much so it was because of the little things that Shingo does to sell every aspect of this match to sell unfamiliarity with the opponent but to sell the uh, importance of the match to him to sell the uh, pain he was in to sell the desperation to sell his confidence when he was in good positions in the match the man his facial expressions can tell a million stories we saw it in the Jeff Cobb match like Shingo is thought of as just one of the great kind of slobber knocker powerhouse hit you hard 
never style wrestlers so to speak and he is one of the great ones of them and it's it's very fair that he's thought of like that but he is not thought of highly enough in terms of being a wrestling genius and having an incredible brain for putting together amazing matches and playing to his opponent's strengths and it was very clear he had the Okada and Ibushi matches back to back both first time dream matches that I'd been looking forward to for years and years and years and it was clear if you watch the promos leading into those matches that Shingo has been waiting for those matches for years and years and years and he's been sitting around thinking about what he'd do with a Kazuchika Okada what he'd do with a Kota Ibushi and he had to tailor it and tweak it for these crowds and these atmospheres and he did so perfectly and I loved the Ibushi match but the Okada match was another level and I was freaking out towards the end of this match living and dying with everything they did hoping Shingo would win just being utterly disappointed when he didn't but still loving the way it finished and I'll never forget Shingo the referee going red shoes going to ring the bell as shingo was fading away in the money clip and shingo grabbing the ref by his belt and pulling him back down and then just waving a finger no 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 and just trying to power out one more time ah tremendous an amazing match amazing did that appear on anyone else's list or spoilers very close to being on my list, but it, it yeah. didn't. It didn't. And same. It was. I in think the you mentioned it earlier. And I think the only. And I don't know whether or not it. Because again, watching this, it was one of the things you mentioned. We talked about Shingo in depth when we did the roundtable, um, the New Japan as well. And it was like he's someone you want to see as that that kind of top. You know, seeing that top line mix because you know he can do it and you know you can be trusted in those kind of big time main events. And I ended up rewatching this. And I had it at like 4.25. I mean, I think it's brilliant. I think for me, mm. in some ways, possibly because the G1 didn't deliver what I necessarily wanted to see. There's in some ways, I wonder whether or not that kind of tarnishes the, the memory somewhat of that. Um, but this is still like an absolutely brilliant match. And he made the money clip. Mm. I think that was the point I can remember making when we were doing reviewing the shows um, back in October was he made that as you say, that shitty money clip, he made it mean something. It was the first time that had happened. I'm also very intrigued to like, if you're talking about going back into Dragon Gate as well, to see him in Dragon Gate and the heel run and things like that, just to kind of really get an idea necessarily of his, of like the kind of full body of work that he's had. So I look forward to listening to that on the greatest wrestler of a project. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, my pal Case Low, uh, he has got, since I started talking about the idea of Shingo as the greatest wrestler ever, he, he wasn't initially thinking along those lines, but uh, I, I, I sparked some juices in his brain and, and Case uh, decided to undertake the task uh, a little while ago of um, rating out uh, or writing out on a Word document that he sent me every great Shingo match and he has them divided up like essential being match of the year contender must see being low end match of the year and should watch be great match historically significant or a showcase of some sorts going all the way back to 2005 Shingo's rookie year and uh, he's got let me see I think it is 10 full pages of a word document I think there's 200 matches here and um, I, I would say 
he's probably missing some. Um, it's it's insane how many like Shingo uh, came out of the dojo a complete wrestler having great matches. The guy is was ridiculous, and yeah, I'll I'll save these rants for another time because well, not the, <laughs> the point of this podcast. But the the rants are coming. The big Shingo Takagi greatest wrestler ever push is coming from me, and everyone's going to be sick of it by the time <laughs> I finish with it. I think you're right. I think you're wrong, Alan. This is very much the podcast for ranting. It's, 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 it always has been. So rant away. You're good. We're missing that element, aren't we? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I suppose uh, from there then uh, into you, JP, uh, your number two for the year. Uh, my number two, and we've kind of already kind of gone into it. I went with um, Akada versus Naito at the Dome day two. And I think, again, like the main thing was it was seeing the reward for investing in the story and the callbacks. And again, if I'm going to like there's and I agree with you, there's the brevity as well that does play a part in this. Yeah. It's the fact that it's Naito knowing okay, this is my moment. I'm going all out on this one. And that's kind of great. See, it's like a great reward for him for all of the work he's done in New Japan to kind of have that moment of being the Shuyaka, if I remember, that kind of ace of the company. Um, and it's the moment he hits the Stardust Press. Because mm. I can remember watching the first time round and then like how livid people were. And then it's the reward for seeing him do that again. Yeah, um, so much, yeah. It does. And it's the realisation that he's done it. And he doesn't beat him with it. No. But like it's that realisation, oh, it's coming. And you can then feel the crowd who like and that's you kind of love I, I love that bit of danger and we've kind of said it in kind of joking ways i think there was the time when we had jay white in the g1 final and just saying like honestly it brings like a kind of nervous edge to the match because you're thinking i really at that point in time i didn't really want him to win it it's slightly different now but anyways in nxt i don't know why even think about that but like i absolutely um, like on an emotional level, it just felt like this had been the story all really all throughout the period of New Japan in terms of Tetsuya Naito not having it to kind of reach the top. Mm. And then he did. Mm. And I I loved it. And I think it's same as me. You're splitting hairs, aren't you? Whether you go with this or you go yeah. with, you know, the uh, the other match, the Ibushi match ahead of it. It's yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? We're talking almost five star matches, if not five. Did you give it the full five? No, I gave full four five, five to the number one. That was it. So I went four point seven five. Oh, interesting. Which I did for both of those matches, mm. and I remember just us talking about it at the time, just going, "What a compendium of matches!" Yeah, just yeah. like just those two matches is like kind of. Big time main events, two days in a row, and again, just a carder like mm-hmm. kind of delivering on that main stage. And you know, he's not fucking Hogan, is he? He's not <laughs> Hogan Warrior at the end of this one. He's not like I'm going to get my heat back. Um, I'd like to see someone try that in New Japan. See how yeah. far that gets them. The problem is that then Naito then went not his own fault. Had a, a Warrior 1990 run, didn't he? It's kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, it's, it's that's a very good shout. Yeah, he's know. not the old Warrior. We can't be saying. That <laughs> yeah, we need a better uh, comparison, don't we? Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, again, you know, no, no uh, surprise. Uh, it's that high up on the on your list, JP. Uh, Gareth, what's uh, what's your number two? Um. I almost feel dirty following um, 
Kosciusaki against Segura with this. You feel like you've cheated on them, I think. That's what it feels like. I I, I especially feel like... Stoic expression, mate. Don't worry. He's he's not going to sell it. I feel like, especially like I'm cheating on this because my number two is from NXT UK. (laughs) And and it is Ilya Dragunov against Walter, which if you'd have asked me prior to starting my rewatch... I wouldn't have thought at all this would have got in my top five. I remember watching it and enjoying it and picking I'm, a few holes in it and it things. It felt like you the were the low man when we reviewed it. Like just yeah, and, I, and, and I don't know if it was just my anti-NXT UK bias coming into play. I don't know if it was just, I don't know, the way I was feeling or whatever at the, at the time that I watched it prior to that. But when I watched this back last night, I absolutely bloody loved it. It was, it, it just, yeah. I, I fucking loved it. And like, I, it, my, my number one and my number two, I've changed my star rating on both of them because this I had at 4.75. And like, I remember at the time I was a bit like hovering between 4.5 and 4.75. And like last night I was like, no, edit rating, full five on this one. Cause like, I just, I just, watched it before I went to bed last night and I was like, what a fucking match. And like, you just think for like from that, the, the, the time period, I just think everything about it. I just think from that like hundred mile an hour start with like Ilya flying into it with the kick and trying to get the job done early, going for the torpedo Moscow early, you know, clearly, you know, going off like previous matches and things like that feeding into it. Then from that point where, Walter throws him against the ropes and he hits the middle rope and then it's like that whiplash effect and then it's like, okay, Ilya's fucked his neck up, let's work the neck. And it's not like I'm going to work his neck. It's like I am going to absolutely try and destroy this man's neck so this man doesn't have a neck anymore kind of thing because everything that went on from that point where it was like headlocks, whether it was like smashing it with forearms or his feet or his fists or when he was like, there was a point where he put him in like a neck crank and it actually looked like he was just trying to like genuinely twist his head off like for for, for real and I was just like, oh God, that just looks absolutely brutal and then there was there was that spot where they almost did like the um they did like sort of a test of strength spot kind of thing and then he pushed Ilya all the way back like arched back and then just stomped on his chin so hard kind of thing so it was like you know jarring his neck back and I was just like fucking hell he's absolutely brutalizing him here and brutalizing his neck and like I just like bought into that so much but then as we've seen with like Ilya in in other matches be it against Walter or other people just that whole like kind of scrappy underdog fire still in him kind of thing never gonna give up trying to come back kind of thing and just like every with every comeback him just getting destroyed with them brutal chops and brutal clubbing blows to his chest and just like again just like feeling like a real war but then when he when he did actually land something substantial with that german suplex and then he landed the second and the third and then the fourth kind of thing it just like you just got behind him so much you know and it just like like it's a match I've seen before it's a match that's in an empty arena kind of thing but I was like sat there in bed last night watching this like come on I was there with him kind of thing I was like come on come on you can do it kind of thing like just totally like lost in the moment and then like even just things like 
you know, for as brutal and aggressive it was and as hard-hitting as it was as well, just I think just the, the timing and the, the way they incorporated some of these spots where, like, Ilya went for the Torpedo Moscow again and Walter just, like, slapped him mid-flight kind of thing and it was just, like, swatting him away like a fly kind of thing. And then, like... Um, there was obviously that spot where he went for it a bit later on where he got the near fall with one and then he went for it again, but it's sort of like he collapsed because of his, his neck. When I watched that the first time, I was like, Ugh. I thought it I was remember, like yeah, I remember in the review. It, it felt so hokey kind of thing. And I just felt like, ah, oh, that was shit. And I really just didn't buy it at all. And then when I watched it last night, I was just like, I, it, it, I got it. It just, it just clicked with me kind of thing. And I just really felt like, no, that, like I probably had it down previously. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's just some shitty Shawn Michaels spot that he's like fed over the Zoom call to him or something like that. But it just made more sense and just felt like it was a bit more in fitting for me at the, at that point. And like that really that really worked. And then to the extent that he'd come back to the point where and like Walter like has to roll out of the the ring in desperation. And then ultimately that's where he like, he lands a German suplex, he throws him at the steps, he power bombs him on the apron and then, you know, like power bombs in again and like goes for the big splash that we all know is the end. And then it, it kicks out again kind of thing. I was just like, I've, I'd forgotten the finish and like, it was like big splash and I was like, oh, that's it kind of thing. And then he kicked out and I was like, oh, like, you know, <laughs> I was totally with it. I knew the result. I forgot the finish sort of thing. And then obviously you get the, the, the re-naked choke again. And like, for all the positivity and things like that, that are heaped on the, on the, on the Noah match. I can't like, I watched this last night. I was like, it's it's probably more brutal. It's probably more hard hitting. It's got those layers of storyline that like feed into it as well as like the the great spots. It's pieced together. It's half as long, and then so you think about if you're like putting together a match of the year list for like almost like an accessibility standpoint kind of thing. You know, again. Mm probably everybody watching listening to this sorry or most people listening to this has watched this match but you just think if somebody retrospectively came back to this list and saw it as like a number two oh i better go away and watch that it's got that accessibility factor to it as well and and i, and I think almost as much as i like it's that idea for me that I like, I hate wwe so much i hate nxt uk so much that this is so great. And like I said on the podcast at the time, this match is great in spite of WWE, in spite of NXT UK. It's it's totally from left field. It's almost like a signpost of a direction they could go in if they wanted more people to be talking about and more people watching their product and things like that. And you just think like, like it stands alone as an island of what great wrestlers can still do even when they sign up to that promotion and it's kind of like that last bastion of hope that maybe somebody when Vince McMahon dies or something like that has watched this match internally and thinks we could put that on we could make a promotion that's all about matches like this or all about wrestlers like this and pay them properly and give them that platform and give them the production values to do this that everybody can go away and watch it and everybody can see this great wrestling and like i don't know it's just like it just leaves me just thinking like i don't know hope hope uh, is what you're me getting freddie flintoff versus joe coffee and you're gonna <laughs> like it <laughs> <laughs> and there's the reality yeah. <laughs> 
with them with them staring in each other's hands because Shawn Michaels tells them to. <laughs> I, I would say one thing that could have added on to this. You mentioned the commentary earlier. There's a man in this chat who would have been amazing on commentary for this. Oh, thanks, mate. Uh, you know, I've... Okay. <laughs> hey, there we go. Here oh, you meant Gareth, sorry. Try the veal, there it is. But and I, I wanted to ask you, Alan, you, you've seen the NXT UK match. Um, yeah, I did. Brian Elliott forced me to watch it for uh, when we did our TV show <laughs> episode of, uh, of of my show. Yeah, it was uh, he, he broke the spirit of the, the podcast before we pick old TV shows. And he was like, ah, let's do a, a, a terrible Nordy accent. I'll, I'll, I'll spare the listeners. <laughs> he, he said to he wanted to, to watch this NXT UK TV show. And uh, yeah, I he loved it. He absolutely adored it. I am um, like to me, it's a weird one because like, I, I feel like I can't like uh, partially or impartially write this match or talk about this match because I'm so emotionally attached to their original big match, the 16 carat final that I was lucky enough to do commentary on. And for me, rewatching that match with so many of the things that were great about the first match present in this match, but presented in the way that it's presented by the company that's presenting it with Mm. the commentary that's presented for it. And just it, it's really hard for me to enjoy that, even though that I can switch that part of my brain off and know what they're doing is really good. It's like, I get very little enjoyment out of watching it. And um, yeah, I, I talked a lot about that when I, I talked about it with Brian. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a difficult one for me to, to, to kind of subjectively rate or talk about because kind of there's a big part of me that doesn't want to like it, as petty as, as that is. There's just a, a big part of me there that... that that's, mm-hmm. that's hard to block out. So um, uh, yeah, like, I, and I love... Love Walter, love Ilya, still think the world of both guys. Um, if they were having matches anywhere else, I'd be watching them and, and probably loving them. But just that that presentation, everything about it is, it's, yeah, it's so, it, it brings forth so many bad thoughts about wrestling, kind of bad things I don't like about wrestling. So that it's, um, it makes it hard for me to enjoy it. And then if you could just block it out, the terrible um, uh, fake uh, crowd they had pumping through along with the just overbearing commentary, like it just, it doesn't let you block it out. Like even when you're trying to, they don't let you because Nigel is just unbearable on that thing. Um, oh, the, the the force feeding of, of look at me, I know Japanese wrestlers uh, stuff that he was putting in there and <laughs> just, oh, it was so, and I just picture every time I see, like, part of me likes Nigel and I certainly love them as a wrestler, but every time I watch a match and he's commentating, I just cringe thinking of, uh, this will seem like a weird thing to criticize someone about, but hey, I did it. I can I can criticize. Um, uh, when they did a, a special um, where they were, I forgot what the special even was, maybe like an NXT UK 24 so i i don't know what it was but they kind of were following around 
him and Morrow and they were interviewing. I think it might have just even been a Nigel Doc. I, I can't remember what it was, but they they talked about they showed him and Morrow doing their prep for, for commentary. And Nigel is uh, they're going through their notes and Nigel's almost bragging, showing his 30 pages of uh, 38, four pages of notes that he had for the show. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you don't need 30 feckin pages of notes. <laughs> WXW give me like one page of notes of a few little things they want me to hit. And even then I'm like, ah, that's a bit too much. Like, <laughs> 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 like if and like that specific things that they want to get over or whatever it's like i'm so fair enough and i'll, I'll tr- always try to to use that but i mean like if i was just going if i had my own promotion and i was doing commentary on my own promotion god i i, I don't i think i'd be so invested in it that i wouldn't need a single thing written down and just watch what's putting forth like come on nigel you've been in the wrestling business for how long like you should be able to talk about a wrestling match without having 30 pages of things and that's why it comes across so forced because okay i have to go to page seven here now and mention this because and oh i have to make sure i get in this forced reaction here and that's just it totally just destroys it for me and yeah um uh, yeah, uh, unintended. There's there's a rant. You got one out of me, so there it is. <laughs> well, you know, if uh, Rev Joe, God bless his soul, was uh, was still yeah. around to uh, to hear this match of the year podcast, he's still around. He's not Again, dead. I've stressed he's, he's not dead. He really is dead. I was speaking to him earlier today. Phew. I was I, I was worried. I was giving him tips for the um for what to do for his parents evening there about how to make sure he doesn't overrun. So, well. Yeah. If we could chal- have channeled the spirit, peace, of, <laughs> the spirit of, uh, of our mate Joe uh, up there in the podcasting clouds, I think you've uh, you've done him well there, Alan, because I'm about to counter what you said, and I can't counter everything you said there, with my also number two of the year. It's a fucking Walter and Ilya, and it hurts. It's an NXT UK match, and it's gotten this high in my rankings too, and I 100% hear everything you're saying. Um, Brit Rest is alive? Oh, I hate myself for this. <laughs> I, honestly, you started I mean, that, mate. I re I re-rated my number two and my number one, and they both came out at five star. And I wonder whether it's still that. Just there's that part of me that just won't let it go and won't let NXT UK have my number one match. We'll talk about that when we get to the number ones in a moment. But I think the thing I will say for the match is, despite everything Alan just said, and he's not wrong. I think the commentary is crap. I think that the golf claps are crap. It took place on NXT UK, you know, like it's, if it, 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 you know, I don't want to say it doesn't deserve to be talked in, in, in these terms, but, you know, I feel dirty talking about it um, in these terms as a, as a, as a match of the year candidate. But I, I, for me, I think that just speaks to the strength of it. Um, despite all of that, they, they fight through and you do, and you get a match that, yeah, is, on rewatch, you know, I didn't give out any five stars this year until I went back and did these rewatches. I was a coward this year. A lot of four point seven fives in the in the mix for me, and I did the exact same thing as Gareth. I watched it, and it was just like they pulled me in with every moment in the match. They really did. Um, and it, I think the fact that it achieved, despite the commentary, despite the setting, despite the golf claps, despite our well known. At least for me, maybe not for everyone. Well-known biases against 
this product that this match took place on um and knowing their history as well you know we've seen them in front of hot crowds in germany in person you know i think that goes a long way to to, to alan's argument too um but it was still still that good um and it was you know it's everything everything that gareth said there and breaking it down it is just purely just it's the violence of it but it's just the very on WWE nature of it. It is a match that still doesn't feel like it should have taken place on WWE TV. And never mind that feels like something that shouldn't have taken place on NXT UK of all things. Like the fact that they followed this up the next week with I think there was like some Ginny segment and whatever crap they've had on the last few weeks people have uh, heard me review on uh, on British Wrestling Experience. Like anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm saying this through gritted teeth, but Everything Garrett just said, and I could, I can't say it better myself. I've got to co-sign. It, it was that good. It was that intense. It was the perfect length. Even the silly hokey moments at the end, same as you, Garrett, watched it back a second time. They didn't bother me as much the first time round as maybe they did you, but I didn't even think of them second time round. It was the one match maybe other than the one that I'm going to crown number one in a second where I watched this thing and I was pulled right back to the first time I watched it. Um, and it was the strength of the work of the two of them and it is just the, the the strength of just how good Walter is how good Ilya is that they managed to pull a five star out of me on NXT UK mm. um, and I don't think I can give anybody any higher praise than that it, it's funny you mention that because it feels like it, it's it's almost the fact that they've done this in spite of all of those things makes it more impressive. Mm. It's like it. I don't know if this is a sort of a good kind of analogy, but it's like a, it's like a studio, a film studio that makes kind of very much your cookie cutter films, mm. and then they produce this absolute art house belter mm. that's completely different to everything else. Art they house, do. that's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really what this is, isn't it? It's mm. kind of it's it's really kind of high level independent wrestling being done on on a i would say a grand scale but mm. then if a tree falls in the nxt uk forest is anyone there to to retweet about it <laughs> uh, and i don't and i don't necessarily think there is and you know i'm sure after it and that was one of the things i, I kind of came away with was what was the follow-up with Ilya? Is it just a case he's going to come back at some point as a surprise that's a challenger for Bolton for it to be there there wasn't really capitalising on it, was it? No. They couldn't wait to get to the primate versus Gallus, could yeah. they? Oh, what is it? Whatever the fucking two bearded lads are, the hunt, whatever. Mm. Um, them versus Gallus. That's really where their, their investment's at. Mm. Can Ginny stare at the hard cam? <laughs> to, to, to throw a little more dirt on my burial of NXT UK, if Go you on. ever want to give yourself a laugh, uh, something I did the other day, because I was like, this is... Uh, this this has got to be uh, an adventure now. I decided to, you know, the way Shawn Michaels always does those like ridiculous over the top um, plugs, desperate plugs to get people to watch NXT UK, and they all follow suit. And um, so Shawn Michaels does his plug, and then all the rest are just like, oh my god, Shawn Michaels tweeted about me. Oh, um, but uh, uh, the what I decided to do was. Do you know what would be funny? I'm going to look at the replies to this Shawn Michaels tweet because I have a feeling I know what they're going to be. And I was not disappointed. It was Shawn Michaels doing his absolute best, like selling like he did at Survivor Series 2003, selling 
people on the idea of watching a kid and Walter and just putting those two over, uh, doing everything he could in uh, in 108 or 240 characters or whatever it is to put these two over, and the replies, like. Sean, you my fave for all time. <laughs> DX number one. Two <laughs> words, suck it. Sean, are you Triple H best friends real life? <laughs> just reply after reply like this. And I was just like, yep, nobody that's following Sean Michaels is giving a shite about what he's trying to promote here. Um, it was it was hysterical. And uh, I can only imagine that it's uh, it's like that a lot when you see these like the Sean Michaels and Triple H's and people like that trying to desperately get people to to watch this product. It just it wreaks desperation and makes me want to watch it less um, mm. to be to be quite honest. Um, but uh yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot they there's a lot they have about that that makes me not want to watch it. Uh, certain people they use and, and other other things. So uh, there's plenty of barriers to entry right now for me becoming a number one NXT UK fan. Hmm. And let's be clear, Gareth, we're not that. Can we just say? Can we throw that? <laughs> no there? matter how good, no matter how good the AWA Midnight Rockers stuff I've been watching <laughs> recently for Greatest Wrestler Ever is, I, I still don't love Sean that much that I'm going to uh, to become a big NXT UK Ultra. <laughs> I, I'd also say as well, you can watch this match on Daily Motion. I didn't even want to give BT Sport the hit for even looking for it on there. <laughs> so I went on a Daily Motion and I was quietly proud of myself and probably enjoyed it a bit more as a result of it. Good man, JB. <laughs> I thought it today. Uh, well, I feel dirty now, but I got it out there. That was my dirty little secret yep. for my uh, for my top 10. I can leave back now, feel a bit happier as we, uh, we cruise into our, our number ones. Uh, we're going to talk our... Let's crown it. Let's crown our, our match of the year for uh, for 2020. Alan, the floor is yours. What's your number one match for 2020? I I don't know if people would have worked out yet by process of elimination what my number one was. I, there's probably a few big ones that I've that I've left there. Like obviously Sugira versus um, Shiozaki isn't on here. Uh, Naito versus. Um, Okada's not on here. The two five-star matches I mentioned earlier, uh, Will and Zach and Hiromu and um, Osprey. So maybe by process of elimination, people might be able to figure out that my number one is Kenny Omega and Adam Page against the Young Bucks. It's I'm going with the AEW tag. It's uh, to me just an all-timer of a a special match that. Uh, it was like the last kind of semblance of a normal wrestling world was was that show uh, right at the end of February. Things hadn't really started to take hold at all yet. New Japan, I don't think it even canceled shows yet. And it was just a remarkable match, which had all of the elements and things that made the uh, Bucks Golden Lovers matches great. And you had Hangman inserted into the Ibushi role and putting his own spin on it and adding his own flavor and bringing his own story to proceedings. And it just worked so well. And I 
I haven't gone back and rewatched this match. I will at some point. Um, but I just knew that this was always going to be my number one. It just it felt at the time. like I knew at the time um, that I preferred it to anything at the Dome. So I was pretty confident then, like going back, that this would be at least the best thing as far as pre-pandemic stuff for me. And then looking at the stuff that kind of has happened since March, April, uh, while some matches like Shingo Okada are really special, there is nothing that, no matter how impressive it was, can measure up to what this match was in front of that packed basketball arena of fans going nuts and living and dying on the story these four guys were telling with incredible action for a long period of time like this is a long match with non-stop action that tells a gripping story it has everything and i remember back in in march uh, when you guys talked about this on on your podcast and and you compared it to some of the great all japan matches of all all japan tag matches to try and determine was it like the greatest tag match ever and yeah, it's, it's right there with those for me. And when I'm when I'm thinking of it in terms of being the greatest tag team match ever, it's for me just a no brainer to be number one on this list. Well, that says it all, really. Um, yeah. Does Does anybody else have it number one before we go forward? Yeah, I do. You with them too, JP? Yeah, yeah. Go on. I do. Um, yeah, I think this is, I think the fright, I wrote down on it and I have to sort of echo uh, a lot of things that Alan says here. There was one of the notes I made at the time and it has these sort of wild, spectacular spots, great drama and storytelling, complex characterization, unique spots, play to the crowd, pacing as it didn't drag to the end, out of this world chemistry, absolute crowd investment, logic behind the character motivations, big time stage. And the person they're looking to get over is fucking over by the end of it and I think as, as as Gareth said what position would he have been in this year if he, you'd had those crowds throughout the, throughout the year and, and 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 he'd been able to have those but I absolutely loved this and I loved it again on the rewatch um, everything about it like and I, I, when Alan you said when you saw this you thought uh, this might be the match of the year that's pretty much how I was I was like okay this is five stars this, as someone who loves tag team wrestling, I was like, this is completely there. It's bonkers. Don't get me wrong. But it's also like, it kind of feels a bit like um, Mad Max Fury Road in that it's kind of a work of art for what it is. I know James, you'll love that. Um, but at the same time, it's completely bonkers and OTT. Hmm. And like, there, there are so many things on, on there as well. And some of the stuff we mentioned earlier, the idea of, of, you know, um, just absolutely every time it's the way that they have the, the enormous pop for Omega at the beginning, but then that groundswell behind, um, Adam page as well throughout it. It was, you know, and the way the bucks, were happy to play into being the arrogant bucks mm. as well. But, and at the same time, that's still being true to them. Mm. That's still being true to who the young bucks are. Yeah. Just for me, this works on, on so many levels. I, I absolutely love it. 
Um, you know, Dave gave it six, which is what is it in the grapple converter? Is that about four and a half, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, probably, probably about four point one two or something like that. Right? In old <laughs> money, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's all right in Dave's book. <laughs> just all right, yeah. Just fat. Just it's fab. just all right. Well, this is. I mean, I'll, I'm just going to jump in here um, because yeah. I too crowned it my number one match of the year. Um, and I did not expect that going into the rewatch. I thought this was going to be my top five. I thought this was going to be there or thereabouts. And I thought it was going to be, you know, pipped to the post by, you know, a rewatch of something from G1 or a rewatch of something from Wrestle Kingdom or, dare I say it, an NXT UK match. I'm actually kind of glad that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, it was the like the NXT UK match, it's the other match in my list that I went back in. And that's what this, uh, this time of year is all about. I went back in. And it is one that I'm going to be regrading to a two or full five. Um, yeah, uh, it is. I think I'd forgotten like all of the little emotional bits of this match. Like I, I think I knew, you know, obviously there was the whole, you know, Hangman Page, what's he going to do element to the story. But I've forgotten how much that had grabbed me uh, in the moment. Uh, I'd forgotten, you know, how much, you know, that you, that you both said there, the, the, the little moments in the match, the... There was some melodrama in there, um, but the, you know the little melodramatic moments towards the end and the storytelling of it. It just it grabbed me in a way that I didn't expect on rewatch. Um, it was in the mix. Don't get me wrong; it was one of my you know few four point seven five matches that I'd been a coward and looked at and gone, ah, I can't, I can't go, can't go the full five with it. Um, but I watched it on rewatch and I was like, no, you were a coward. You gotta throw those fives out sometimes, you know. You, you can't go full, Dave, but you know you can. Uh, we can spare a few stars this year, I think. Um, and I'm not gonna be crazy and do the the, the five star plus like it like he did. Uh, but yeah, it was just everything about the match. It's 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 the interplay of all the different characters in the match and the investment you've got in the little relationships, whether it's Matt and Kenny or Nick and Kenny or Hangman and Kenny or Hangman and, and Matt and Nick and the little bit of a extra aggression that that he shows in this one as well um yeah it really pulled me in it's got levels of maybe i don't want to say overacting but you know some of the dramatics in it that maybe i can i can take or leave or often leave when it comes to nxt matches but call it the investment in the aw product or the investment in in these four wrestlers or the investment they got out of me in this match um and it it transcends that and yeah, it's one of two matches now. Uh, I've given the uh, the full five for uh, for twenty twenty. So coward Benno from twenty nineteen, who I don't think gave any five stars out, is uh, is well and truly dead. Um, and yeah, I went the full five, and it deserves it. And yeah, uh, like I said, sounds like it was uh, the same experience for for you, Alan, and you, JP. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Apart from not, not Gareth on the other hand, he hated it. I can't believe he hated and, and, it so much. Just hated it. Barely even made the top two. Spot monkeys. Everything. <laughs> yeah, let him slow down, work a bit. <laughs> everything I uh, criticised about why I kind of couldn't enjoy Walter and Ilya for, for many reasons outside of the kind of personal reasons why I couldn't. Um, this match is, is the antithesis in that, like, the presentation is so awesome. You got just this full arena full of fans cr- going nuts. Oh, it was so amazing. You've got. You've got a great commentary. Like, JR has his good nights and bad, and he probably had a couple of moments in this match that were maybe annoying, but overall, he was completely fine. He was almost. He was good at points. But Shivani 
out of this world. Excalibur, out of this world. It's like just what a great presentation in, in every way. Like to compare this to to uh, not just even the NX UK, but like a lot of the stuff that we've that we've seen since um, things changed. This is like that's why I think one of the reasons why I haven't gone back and rewatched it. I'm almost afraid to because it's like I go back and watch a lot of old wrestling in front of big crazy crowds and all this stuff, and that doesn't make me think, oh god, what we have now is so bad because it feels so far removed. But this feels so recent. Like this is the most recent thing. This is the most recent kind of pillar of normalcy that we have and seeing how great it was again, I think I probably wouldn't be able to enjoy anything for like a month afterwards. So um yeah, I at some point I will rewatch it. Maybe when maybe like before the first AEW show back at an arena, like when they're about to go back to a big arena again. And before they do that first big show back, whether it's a big pay-per-view or what, I'm sure they're going to do something special. And like the night before that, I think I'm going to watch this match just to hype me up and be like, this is what we have to look forward to now. So I think I'll save it for something like that. It'll do that, mate. Mm. Yeah, well, it'll do all those things. But, but why did Gareth hate it, JP? I don't understand what it is. <laughs> well, it's all coming out tonight. He hates, hates this he, you know, he loves NXT UK, and he and he's decided to shit on Go Shiozaki from a great height. He's tried to kill himself for the best part of the year, Gareth. So, uh, what was uh, what was your go, go on. You get the Sorry, crown of moment, though, Gareth. Here. He'll yeah. swerve. He'll swerve us all now by having the Go staring match at number one. <laughs> Drew, Drew, Drew McIntyre against Bobby Lashley from Backlash. <laughs> I was going to say you're going to have uh, Randy Orton versus Edge, the greatest match ever. <laughs> no, my, my number one, and and if you'd have asked me a fortnight ago if this would have ended up as my match of the year, like I would, I wouldn't have bet a penny on this being my match of the year. But from the rewatches, I, I I ended up absolutely loving this, and um, like once I watched this at the, against other stuff, there was like no doubt in my mind that it was number one, and it was a card against Naito from from Night Two, a, a Wrestle Kingdom, and. Oh. Last, like when I watched it in the moment, I only gave it four point seven five. Like I didn't think it was as good as a card in my oh, mind, maybe. in my mind, in my mind. All year, I've thought that's not as that's not as good as it. I even came very close to not rewatching it. I just sort of was almost like quite dismissive of it because I just thought like the other match was better, the day one match was better, and I don't know if it was just because it came on day two and I'd watched within a short period of time like 18 wrestling matches or something like that over a two-day period that it was at the back end and I'd, I'd not re-watched it since. I don't know if that was having an impact or, or what, but when when I watched this back yesterday, um, it blew me away. It was, it was, and especially when I'd watched the Akada Ibushi match from the, from the, like, the day before. I'd watched that the day before previously as well, so I was using it as, like, a comparison piece almost. And it just felt like... A, a, a step above you know I, I think it, for me it had just a, it had a real epic feel to it it felt like two absolute top superstars like like lining up in the main event of a massive wrestling event which I think prior to a match having that feel and like having that feeling of excitement about something feeling big is is, is always going to be something that's that's good but I, I really just like the 
the layout of the match and the fact that it was almost very much like a mirror image to the Ibushi Okada match from the from the day before, where like like here you had like Naito working Okada's neck and he was he was on top for longer periods during the match and like Okada's offense was very much kind of like opportunist opportunistic and counter attacking, whereas the day before it had been the flip reverse where he'd been dominating Ibushi and Ibushi's offense was sort of very much like fast and in the moment and, and, and counter-attacking and it just felt you know sort of like very much like dichotomies almost to what to what we'd seen before but um I think that um I, I think that the, the the way it was worked that you sort of came to that end point where Naito absolutely looked it looked beaten he looked defeated again by Akada, the superior man the man who's at the absolute top of the industry and there was that moment where he sort of he was beaten and defiantly spat in Akada's face for the third time and whereas the first two had smacked of arrogance the third one smacked of oh, this is all I've got left kind of thing kind of thing is to just spit in your face because yet again you've just got the better of me and I, I like I can't beat you. And then like the, that was followed by like a card of like stomping Naito's knee down in the corner. And the, whereas the crowd had been like split or slight leaning towards Naito at that point, the crowd really turned and got on like supporting Naito and they were booing the hell out of a card at that point. And for him then to go and like go for the Stardust press, which the crowd like was they recognized the knew what it meant kind of thing and and then for him to to land it you had that kind of moment of like oh my god kind of thing and then him go up and then he lands it and he hits it and everyone's just like fucking going bonkers because they've turned to the point that they're booing a card seconds previously and then they're so behind Naito wanting him to win and then like obviously then follows up on the back of that and and and, and gets the win it just felt huge it felt like a real mega mega moment kind of thing and whereas there'd been matches that are there on my list that are really really good matches excellent outstanding matches to me this just had that kind of like tippy top level on the top of it that it was this is for the big belts this is you know the real main event this is at the biggest show in front of all these people you've got the crowd going absolutely nuts for this crowning moment that's got this backstory behind it that little things from years before are paying off in that moment as well and like I'm not a Naito guy at all but like I just got that point yesterday watching it again I just had the biggest smile on my face at the end and I was just like that is how you fucking deliver a main event of a big show and like just cap off a big match absolutely absolutely perfect and yeah uh, opened the grapple app and I changed that 4.75 to a five and uh, happily did so and drew a little number one next to it as well for my uh, for my list for the for the year as well so uh, that's uh, that's my number one there you go that's the beauty of the app you can go back you can do that uh, you know it's, you know it's you're not stuck you know you can go back you can you can revise your ratings uh, yeah it it this is a the thing about this match is and obviously I had a bit lower than you but I still had it you know in my top five it is a match where I think maybe that the fact that Naito's been a bit of a 
I think it's fair to say nothing champion this year. I think anyone would be in the circumstances, but especially so, I've not really been into Naito this year. I kind of had forgotten how big this was and how big a moment it was for him to win and how well it was put together and how much I bit, you know, on everything in this match. For a wrestler that I'm not 100% of the way invested in, especially watching it back now, you know, with with the benefit of hindsight too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I say, it was a, there was a hair splitting that in the uh, in the Ibushi match for me, but I can totally see, you know, on rewatch it being one that you, you go back in and you, and you give the full five. Yeah, and I, and I think on reflection, kind of thing, as I looked at my list, and like obviously I referenced there, like the crowds was was such a big thing there. Like I was looking at my ten, and like three of them are from Wrestle Kingdom in January. Five of them have matches that happened in February. There's only <laughs> you know you, you, you know there's, there's there's only two of them that happened after that point. You know, so you, you know, just wait things. till you watch the Dirty Daddy wrestling beside the lake. <laughs> I'll be shooting up the top ten. I reckon uh, Jamesy was on well, something during the uh, the match of the month and uh, and scrapping it in March. You know that was the time. Was, you know? <laughs> very very for precious. other reasons obviously, but still he was right. Yeah. <laughs> he was right in both ways. Um, it, it, it was the crowd that sold me on that Chris Dickinson match. Anyway, I just want to see those two two people watching it. So it was it was all about the crowd for that one too. Yeah, makes all the difference, then. Uh, there you go. So yeah, not not a, not a full uh, a full house for uh, for our number ones, but I think we can all you know see the uh, the absolute merits of the argument for for that one and mm. for for our picks as well. Uh, Jesus, what a year! Uh, actually, wasn't that bad in hindsight. Well, at least the first mm. three months, and then you know some bits and pieces from the uh, the rest of the year. Was there was there anything uh, that you've not you guys have not mentioned that uh, that would have snuck in if you had a couple of extra picks? I know we've all mentioned a few. I had, you know, again, guilty pleasure, Nick Gage and, uh, and Ricky Shane Page. Uh, you don't have to look at me like that, JP. I, I did enjoy no, it. No, I've got a similar um, guilty pleasure in Pagano uh, Chessman from oh, Triple Mania. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love that. And it's kind of, and, and again, the cherry on top is the bit where he absolutely, le- yeah. Chessman leathers Hugo Savinovich with the guitar. And, me, and Hugo doesn't even make an attempt to make it look like a work. It's brilliant. Ah. <laughs> Just... Oh, that's great. I, yeah. He he commentates the same match in two languages. That is impressive. <laughs> Alan, I'm sure you can appreciate that as well. Because I can't imagine you doing WXW and then suddenly going into yeah, Gaelic. working on that German. Uh, I'd I have a better chance of doing WXW in German than I would doing it in Irish, JP. I'd, I'd struggle greatly. I did a lot better in German in school than I did Irish. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I've got that. Uh, I've got, uh, like I say, uh, Omega Pack was was close to making my list. Brody Lee Cody, I think there's uh, obviously a, a, an emotional attachment to that match as well. But, the first yeah. one or the second one? I love them both. I love that. I love the the squash match. Like I could make an argument for that. To be honest, that was uh, that was awesome. As a piece of business, for in the time that they had, like, is there a more efficient or or well put together match? I love that, but I also just love the the violence of uh of the of the second match as well. Um, I mean, not Gareth would have killed me if I included him in my attempt, but you know, I did have a soft spot for Undertaker AJ and Stadium Stampede as you know, <laughs> as as rehearsed, uh, overdone. Uh, you know, not uh, not organic pro wrestler matches I couldn't really justify them putting in my 10 but two highlights of the year I would say too I would say was there anything that was main roster WWE that realistically came close to cracking your list I've got a, AJ and that doesn't really count so much. I've got a um, 
Brian Danielson uh, Drew Gulak match from before the <laughs> pandemic that I noticed on my tracking list when I pulled it up the other day. I was like, I vaguely remember this. I would have told you it was about two years ago, but apparently it was this year. <laughs> so um, it was. Uh, I remember it being pretty pretty darn good. I think the only main roster things that are in the hundreds, there's a AJ Styles Daniel Bryan match from Smackdown. A, Smack, a SmackDown in June, and um, that's like a four point two three. There's a Bailey Sasha Banks Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, which I, yeah, I, I, I thought that was good. That's in the that's in the sixties. But and then there's one. Does it just sneak in? There's one that maybe just sneaks in, and it's. Oh, I'll tell you what, number 100, I said it on Twitter the other day, the greatest match ever is number 100 <laughs> on, the, on, the, uh, <laughs> on the on the Grapple 100, uh, Edge versus Randy Orton from Backlash, the greatest match watched, ever. I never went back and watched it. I know you watched it, Benno. Yeah. It, it was a step too far. It was. It was It was hard. That was yeah. in the period where it was like we didn't really know. Ran- uh, we didn't know how the year was going to go. We didn't know you know how much of the studio wrestling we were going to be subjected to. In many ways, that was, I don't want to say peak, peak feels like the wrong way, but it was, you know, the... the a low point. Yeah, it's, yeah, probably the exact opposite of uh, of the I, empty arena era. A self-aware Randy Orton match is an awful thing. Mm. It's like it's worse than a Randy Orton match. Mm. A Randy Orton match that tries to wink at you, mm. fuck right off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Oh, we haven't asked actually, Gareth. How did the? Uh, I know we've uh, we've given away a few spoilers there. That we all know what the uh, the number one was. But as far as grapple goes, any surprises in the top ten? No, I mean I think most of them have been mentioned there. When we when we look at the the hundred, uh, sorry, at the at the top ten. But it's uh, like just to, to run through it at ten. It's uh, Shiozaki against Nakajima. Nine's that um, RAD against Toriyamon match. Uh, Sabre Junior Osprey from High Stakes at eight. Uh, Desperado against Hiromu from Best of the Two Juniors final there. That's at number seven. Shiozaki Segura at number six. Walter Dragonoff at five. Osprey Hiromu at four. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega against the Young Bucks at three. So splitting the difference between you three and me there. <laughs> and then it's Akada Naito is number two with an average of 48 let me just see the exact number here because this is ridiculous based on the number of uh, number of ratings. Nakada Knight was number two, 994 ratings, 4.8385. And number one is Akada Ibushi, which is 4.8415. So despite, <laughs> wow. you know, like a thousand ratings there, we're literally talking about like 0.03 separating those two matches at the at the top of the list there. So, uh, so but yeah, Akada Ibushi coming out on, on top overall, which obviously none of us had. <laughs> Gareth, yeah. where, was, uh, where was Shingo Okada out of interest? Shingo Okada is at number eleven. Ah, very close. Just, just nearly made it. Four point five two average. Do you know it would have been great when you were doing that? And I'd like somebody on the internet to do this if they've gotten this far um, <laughs> into the show. It's going to be two just, files. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I was thinking that for just a long while. I was thinking this has got to be two parts. It's got to be two parts. Oh. But it'd be nice to have the old top of the pops countdown top ten while you're actually doing that play. <laughs> <laughs> and at number seven, it's Takeshi Segura versus Go Chiyazaki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we need to get away. Yeah, the and then, um, <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. 
and can I ju- and can I just say the worst match on the whole app with oh. a substantial with a substantial rating of any? So this is having evil. At, Please at, be evil. At least thirty votes, or at least thirty ratings. But it has one hundred and thirty. Is Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet from ah. Super, Super Showdown, which has an average of 0.55, which imagine wow. the, the wow. idea of throwing Ricochet in the worst match of the year. Yeah. Jesus. That <laughs> is so depressing. There's probably still some WWE in cell that gave a five, I'm sure of it. Probably. <laughs> ricochet. Oh, remember him? <laughs> remember Ricochet? Look, he's dead, everyone. Just get over it. He signed, it's he signed a, shame a death contract. He's never coming back. Mysterious... No, he isn't. <laughs> it's over. We'll get COVID the way he's fucking carry on in Florida is with them numb nuts, aren't they? <laughs> Idiots. Ah, there is that too. Uh, anything... go to a COVID beach party, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else there interesting from a grapple stats point of view, Gareth? Anything else you wanted to point out before we roll out of here? I think we've been here long enough, haven't we? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, we've gone here. We've gone full graps and claps here. It's going to be it's going to be close to the five hour point, uh, so we probably uh, probably should get out of here. Uh, any closer thoughts from you, Alan? Anything you want to plug or anything like that? I, I could go down the list of all the the evil matches that just missed my top ten, <laughs> but I'll, I'll I'll spare you guys. It'd be um, too long, mate. We couldn't fit it in. Yeah, uh, no, uh, nothing, nothing else for me. Uh, I've, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. I thank you so much for the invite. I've had a blast you, here this evening. Um, it's it's made me feel better about the wrestling year doing this, and then and, uh, and uh, we're going through and seeing these matches and thinking about it and kind of focusing on the best stuff. Kind of me made me feel better about modern wrestling. I think uh, so. I'm I'm grateful for that. And uh, if you want to hear me talking about not modern wrestling. I talked a lot about the greatest wrestler ever uh, on my latest show, uh, Pro Rest Paradise on PW Torch. Uh, Case Lowe joined me again. We've done three shows now on the greatest wrestler ever uh, series. We'll be doing a few more between now and the end of April when we're hoping to have our, our lists done. And um, we'll hopefully have a few other guests joining us as well in future shows. But uh, plenty of other shows uh, covering other different things, uh, some modern wrestling too, uh, coming in the next few weeks. And uh, yeah, that's uh, all at PW Torch. And you can find out everything about myself and what I'm doing um, and just stupid tweets and whatnot on my Twitter at Alan4L. Awesome. Uh, JP, anything you're around you want to mention? I haven't really got anything to plug. Hopefully, we'll do in a couple of weeks. But I'll yeah, save it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was well timed. Um, you can just find me on Twitter at uh, at jpgp3es. And if you want to find when Ireland's for his family's on, it's on six thirty on RT One on Sundays. So. <laughs> Good plug. Uh, Gareth Don't Lins- bother JP at that time. <laughs> uh, Gareth, when's the when's the the one hundred official one hundred coming out? Should people look forward to that. Yeah, I'll put a bit of pressure on myself and say it's coming out this week, so um, it, it'll be out next week. But no, it'll, it'll be it'll be it'll be out this week. Um, so that'll be I'll be sending an email out to the to the email subscribers list. I'll be um, putting links, obviously, out on on Twitter and things like that. Maybe just uh, reveal some uh, some of the little facts, little top things like you know top women's match, top tag team match, top multi man match, and things like that, just to give you a few little different breakdowns. But yeah. The even make an appearance in my neck of the woods, Gareth, to talk a little about that. 
You never know. You never know. Maybe not now. But... No, not now. <laughs> Our plan to tape at the end of this show has Gareth was saying before we started. Gareth was saying, "Oh no, I'll I'll do it at the end. I'll do it at the end. It'd be no problem." And I was there thinking, "There's oh, there's no chance in hell we're going to be recording it because this thing is going to go." I, I didn't know it was going to be bordering on three a.m., but I was I was pretty confident we'd hit the two a.m. mark. So um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll shelf that for another day, Gareth. I'd, I normally only make torch appearances at about 3 a.m. anyway. So it's, uh, <laughs> the less said about that Sorry. one, the better. <laughs> but no, oh, it's a great show. Alan does. Uh, sorry, uh, it's Alan. Um, Gareth does a deep dive, fucking half cut. What he sounds like on half speed, it's quite brilliant. <laughs> oh, I don't know about brilliant, but I'm definitely half cutting on half speed. Anyway, I'll take uh, take those two. But yeah, just look out as well on on, on Grapple App the, across the top there on the uh, website grappleapp.com. There's a there's a link there to the Grapple 100. So if you're listening to this in five days, seven days time, or something like that, just just go straight there and you'll be able to see the top top 100 and go through and count them off, pick them off, see how many of the uh, top 100 you've watched uh, this year, and if not. Uh, get watching the ones that you haven't and get your ratings in on the app which you can download on the app store or google play there you go and uh, obviously yeah as well uh, check out our friends at uh, voices of wrestling you'll hear joe and rich uh, throughout this show mm. uh, they'll have their uh, their match of the year countdown as well which i think is a uh, it'll be you know that's the uh, the they set the uh, the trends and uh, they are they are the uh, the leaders with this stuff but yeah uh, good uh, you know hopefully the podcast is a good accompaniment to that list as well so uh, definitely check that out follow me on twitter at benson richie d follow the grapple app at grapple app and yeah lads i think it's time for bed um mega session very much enjoyed it alan thanks so much for coming on we couldn't have done it without you same time next year lads. thank you guys probably Tom, <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> thanks for lads good night for all Bye. See ya. <laughs>